you've been chasing your monsters and they've been driving you bonkers just blinding with rocket launchers of light to blow what they conscious if you really want to juxtapose and take a darker color with the blush of rose and then you put it in your ink and watch it go your mind is always open when your eyes are closed because you're blind to color and you're blind to greed blind to all the things that you don't need and you find a mind and then you plant a seed then you nourish it a little You're let building it I'm living in now, the sky's my home and I live in the clouds now and never bound forever. October 23rd, 2020, finally back at the Troy Lee Design Saloon. Welcome to the Whiskey Throttle Show, everybody. It feels good to be back here. Uh, it's been a long time of being on the road, being in garages, trying to just pull off whatever shows we could. We're finally back what, in, in our home and it uh, feels good to be here. Uh, I'm your host, David Pingry, with me as always, GL. How good you doing, buddy? Here. Yeah, yeah it feels good. good to be back, right? I know, it almost feels like it's uh, the first day of school again. You're like, <laughs> oh, looking around, there's my desk, we got our stuff. Yeah. Check out my new backpack and trapper keeper. Yeah, there you go. That's an old reference right there. Dave Mike that. Uh, Donnie Bales, our producer with us here as always, our tropical fish over there, fiddling with the controls. Donnie? What's up? I felt like we were a bunch of hobos. Yeah, yeah. we kind of were on the road and just we're doing whatever we could. Uh, but it's good to be back. Uh, today we've got a cool show. Uh, we've got a guy who has really been around and done and seen it all in this industry. Um, from team manager to mechanic to advisor to all kinds of stuff. Uh, he is the uh, mechanic to the 1980 Supercross champion Mike Tutal Bell. Former team manager for Pro Circuit, KTM, 2-2 Motorsports. Uh, am I missing any? Yeah, a few. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few. We're going to get to his whole story, but ladies and gentlemen... I've been used and abused. This is Dave Osterman. Uh, Dave-O, as he's known, or Ozzy, uh, been around a long, long time. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here. Stoked to have you on. I've always thought, as we were making a list of all the guests, which is is long... Yeah. Yep. You were one of the, you, you came to mind right away. I thought, he'll have good stories. You're, you, you have good stories... You have opinions, and you're not afraid to share them. Yeah, my, and I appreciate my, my, that. my mouth has gotten me in trouble more than a few times, so, <laughs> so we'll see how it goes today. Uh, I think we, all of us have that in common. <laughs> That's something we can all yeah, relate to. Yeah. Even Donnie. <clears throat> oh, yeah, Donnie's got a mouth no, on he's, he's, he's He's away from mouthy. his microphone as they can't make a comment. Mouthy bastard. Uh, hey, I want to thank our sponsors, Yamaha. Uh, if you haven't seen our new latest introduction to their brand-new Superjet, they've got a 2021 stand-up ski out that is amazing. 1,000cc, four-stroke engine. Uh, they managed to keep it very light, considering the motor that's in it. Uh, hundred uh, Not 160 horsepower, but almost 60 miles an hour on the water. It's ridiculously fast, uh, but great handling. And uh, anyway, we've got a video up on YouTube. You can check that out. Go uh, follow us on Instagram. We've got a link to it there as well. But thank you to Yamaha and their, uh, their supports. Instrumental in us bringing you this show. So support those guys. PowerDot, you can uh, check out those units over there if you guys are not familiar with them. Uh, uh, electronic muscle stimulator that is amazing for injury prevention, injury maintenance, uh, injury management, recovery. Uh, it's, it's an amazing tool. And 20% off using the code uh, Whiskey Throttle at checkout. Method Race Wheels, also a big supporter of this show. And um, if you're looking for wheels, those are your guys. I'm looking for wheels. And those are your guys. 20% 20, 20 off. For all-wheel drive transit, nobody makes anything yet. Uh, 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 Ultra makes a wheel, but but uh, it's not what I like. Method doesn't make one? Not yet. 
Oh, not right. yet. All wheel drive transit was new for twenty, and okay. then with the virus, you were lucky to get one if you mm. got one. Mm. And uh, why can't I think of the transit? It's Ford, Ford, right? Ford Transit. Yeah. Uh, Ford Transit. Uh, but, but they made all-wheel drive, so I got. I had a Sprinter, but I got rid of it. Okay. Well, I'm sure those guys will be on it. So check those out. 20% off on any set of wheels uh, using our code Whiskey Throttle. Um, Croyley Designs, as always, big part of this show. So we thank those guys. Uh, we are here in their building, and um, uh, just really proud to be a part of that family. SKDA. If you're looking for new graphics, these are your guys. Uh, amazing stuff really really sharp cutting edge design just go check them out on on instagram if you want to have a peek always creative super creative they've got a, a graphic that is a gl inspired they got one they're working on that's uh, sort of something i helped them with so and they've got a whiskey throttle show graphic if you like that so check them out uh, adidas big thank you to those guys pro circuit uh, we got. We were supposed to have Mitch Payton on today, actually, and he had to reschedule last minute. So he's coming to you November third. Hang in there. That's going to be do a great you, do show. Do you feel special now that you were the first replacement? <laughs> I was actually at Pro Circuit this morning. <laughs> Did you go by there? <laughs> no, that, I, that's I, what made it easy was to get him. I met the solvent guy there because I had to get some solvent. So uh, I, I haven't been to Mitch's since uh, since early January when Chad was doing some stuff. So yeah. I helped him out a little. Always goodbye to swing by there. Uh, Dunlop Tires, just bringing you the best tires in the business. Um, I always kind of recommend the MX-53 front with the 33 rear. Uh, I've not had anyone get back to me and say they didn't like that. A lot of people have tried it and loved it. So uh, that's my suggestion. Nihilo Concepts, get a free gift over there. And they've got a slew of new parts and pieces coming out. Um, man, a new skid plate for a lot of the KTM, Husqvarna, gas gas machines. Uh, that's all carbon fiber. It's trick. Just everything they make is amazing. Just really cool products. So check those guys out. Free gift with the code Whiskey Throttle. Fire Department Coffee. They got their new uh, black cherry bourbon infused coffee just in time for fall. Uh, so all kinds of other fall flavors. They've got Coffee of the Month Club where they got beans coming from all over the world. You can get, you know, any, any type of um, light roast, dark roast, espresso in whole bean ground, cake cups. I got cups. the dark roast. Is that what you're working mm -hmm. on? This is the extra strength. Uh, twice the caffeine. So extra start, strength. Does yeah. it make your uh, stash grow a little quicker? It does. It speeds does. it up? Yeah. I was going to say, since I saw you, that thing I went on turbo mode. Like, whoo! <laughs> I, I don't know if you did one of those. <laughs> I just, just shaved yesterday. Up. This just wow. happened this morning. I might have to hit some extra strength. <laughs> no uh, extra strength for 20% off the fire department coffee using our code as well. So go over there and check those guys out. You can get on a, a rotation where they'll automatically send you coffee. Um, just a very cool company. Run by firefighters, owned by, operate, operated by them. And uh, they donate 10% of their proceeds to uh, firefighter charities. So uh, awesome guys. Seat Concepts. We've got actually a really cool sponsor spotlight segment with Caleb from there. I learned a ton about those seats uh, chatting with him, and we've been underselling those guys big time. There's so much cool stuff, so I'm anxious for you guys to see that. Uh, specialized bicycles, just the best bikes in the business. Dave, you're, you're a big mountain bike guy. Love them. Love them. Specialized does it right. I mean, everything they make. No, I mean, specialized to me is like Honda, the bicycle world, so it's, it's just a natural. Well, let's say Oof. Yamaha. No, and then bicycle world, you got specialized track. You know, there's some of them that do them right, like the dirt bike. So it's yeah. they're they're professional and flawless. And even though they're expensive, the fun factor is kind of worth it to me. Yeah. Sure. They're just industry leading, everything they yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very, very high quality. Yeah. And then finally, uh, definitely not least, is Ogeo. Uh, you guys need a new bag, a new helmet bag, boot bag, backpack, hydration pack. <coughs> These guys make it, and their stuff is the best, period. Just end of story. So check those guys out. We appreciate that. Um, 
Method Race Wheels bringing you our front end chatter. These are the lightest, strongest, fastest wheels in off-road. Not only are they winning everything in the off-road world in four wheels, um, but they're making stuff for your vehicle that is uh, better looking, better performing uh, than anything else you can get. So uh, check those guys out. Motocross. The Nationals are done. Uh, I got to give a huge hats off to Davey Coombs, the MX Sports guys. I had I did not think they'd pull this off. Nah, pretty wild. Pretty wild. Before, when they were kind of working on it, I thought, no way. There's just no way. There's no way they're going to make it happen. Well, no, even if they were even if they were marching forward with a plan, the cities were changing their minds left and right. Yeah. And then you got sponsors and, and, you know, everybody allocates everything. So I'm sure he got shot down as much as he was raised up, you know, and yeah. probably wanted to throw the towel in. But I think I watched every one. And I, I, you know, doing anything nowadays at that level in the public is pretty gnarly. It's, you know, they can shut you down any, any, any day. I would have liked <coughs> to have been there. You know, at least one time, Carrie Joe got into a heated argument with some city official or something. I would have liked to have seen that because I bet she ate him alive. <laughs> I, I, and she's a savage when she, she wants to. And she can. She can. <laughs> yes, she can. Anyway, yeah, tip I, of the cap to those guys for getting it done. Uh, was it uh, an interesting series? Yeah. I, I don't. It didn't go the way I thought. I mean. The guys I thought would be good weren't, or, or I guess the guys that I thought would dominate didn't. Um, and it was a little bit of a mix-up for me. Well, I th I, I, in the 250 class, I don't think it was too unpredictable. I think uh, based on what we've seen in the past and what we know, you could say... i got to tell you, in the 250 class, some of my buddies got mad at me, but I'm a Yamaha fan. But the Yamahas are so dominant. You just said Honda was the best. Now no, all of a sudden, no. oh, They're, Yamaha's I, dominant. I love everybody, but... but the, the funny thing with the Yamahas, I always said, why don't, why don't they tear them down? And I know they did somewhere, and I'm not implying that, that they're doing anything wrong, yeah. but they're so dominant, even in the MXGPs in the 250 class, except for KTM's always with them. You know, here it's a little different, but they're so superior, it's like yeah. total role reversal. It's just you know, that, it's that engine design they've got. Something. Whatever that package is, they've nailed it. Yeah, and it's it's almost like Mitch in the early days of four strokes. It's that bike is an unfair advantage. Well, you know, it's funny. On the way down here, I was eating breakfast, and Martin posted something. He's riding today on a star bike, mm -hmm. and he's. I bet he's going. When he gets off it, he's going. Holy shit! You know, if I had this, mm -hmm. oh yeah, it might have been different because you could see on TV he was just lacking. He said. He said. If you can't beat them, join them. Well, listen. All, constantly, he yeah. said that. Yep. It's like just watch any start. Look at the yeah. Colorado was a great yeah. example yeah, where horsepower's on display, yeah, right? Yeah. Up that uphill start at that elevation, and it's all four star bikes yeah, yeah. around the first yeah. turn. I think they had five riders. There might have been five. Yeah, dang it. But no, they're doing a great job. I mean, it. And back in the day at YOT, Star wasn't. They were like the B people. They were and kind it, of a joke early yeah. on. Well, I, I don't mean that disrespectfully, no, no. but they they the, were definitely like. Uh, it's a last resort ride. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. just crazy how far they've come, and kudos yeah. to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, it's not, It's not. as you guys know, j just getting on the podium is hard enough, but then winning is even harder. But but then stamping it all the time is yeah. just, is, that's just gnarly. Totally, you know? yeah. But, but uh, and then they've done it year in and year out, and, and they're attracting top riders, so well, that's, kudos that, that, to that's them. That's the snowball thing, too. You know, people want to go where they, where they think they can yeah. win. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's motocross, football, any, any yeah, type yeah. of sport, you might go, hey, you know, I'll take a little hit on the, you know, in the pocket to go somewhere where I go, I'll win and make a lot more and be successful yeah. and my, my value Didn't you say up. that, Jill? I did once, yeah. yeah. So did you ever ride for the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I got to tell you. At one point in time, KTM might have been the Cleveland Browns. When I started at KTM, 
<laughs> I was a little scared of him because I didn't Good. know I didn't know him yet, <laughs> right? And you heard of GL. You were scared, of yeah, GL? because okay. you heard the things like we got this rider he came from Europe, highly touted, and he, he, he in his spare time between motos, he's bending nails with his teeth. That's what I heard about him. You know that, that he was just wow. not mean, just really tough and strong. And then I was under the tent. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but imagine being the manager or the, the coordinator, rather, uh, team coordinator. And you had you had Grant and you had Ryan Hughes. You know he was huh. Mr. Finesse, but a bulldog. And then you had Hughes that every grain of sand knew him. Yeah. You know because he'd murder every turn. But they're both going for the title. Yeah, it was a tough year. Oh, it was gnarly. It was gnarly. Well, you know what would have softened you to him if you'd <laughs> been up in the riders' lounge with me when he. Pulled his pants down the first time wearing that bright colored banana hammock. <laughs> I'm like, what in the hell are those? <sighs> Got to keep everything tucked away there, bud. <laughs> Got to keep the jewels cradled. That's uh, a lasting memory for Ping. It right really, there. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was like, holy He wakes up in cold sweats at night. What did I see? <laughs> what did I see? Nah, it endeared me to GL right away. I said, this, this guy, this is a, this is guy, he's got some Euro flair with him. I like it. Well, at least it didn't stink. Exactly. Never did. Um, yeah. So, Anyway, rapid, you watched all these races, obviously, up front and personal announcing. Give us your take on the season. Yeah, I, wrap it up. Like I said, I think in the 250s, I wasn't too much of a, a surprise. Ferrandis had been strong. He, he was making things a little bit difficult on himself by just getting some bad starts, and then it looked like at times he was panicking a little bit, mm. then crash, and then this, and then that. And then you could tell he kind of got in his groove, the starts were better, and then you could kind of see the writing on the wall that he was going to take it all the way. Uh, I think Jeremy rode well. It was nice to see him bounce back. Uh, I think most people would agree he's a very likable guy. Nice to see him healthy. 450s, though, was definitely, you know, for so many years, it was like Ricky was predicted to win and then be a gap and someone else and a gap, you know, and then after the top three or four, it was yeah. just a whatever. Mm. Now you got guys battling hard just to get in the top 10, and there's a, there was a lot of depth, a lot of good racing. I think, like you alluded to, a little surprising to see Tomac not quite sure of that form, but then we saw a couple of glimpses of it just. Yeah, a motor yeah. here, a motor there. Um, but 2020 was a weird year. You know, if you look at a lot of racing and sports in general, it's kind of expect the unexpected. And I don't know. I said it before the season started. I think it's also going to come down to who could make those adjustments. You know, when everyone's got this on their calendar and they've got this schedule and everything's planned out, now all of a sudden that whole schedule gets yeah, thrown yeah. out and it gets pushed and moved and you're going here and you're doing this and it's raining and, you know, different tracks. Yeah. I, th I said it's going to come down to who can adjust. And funny enough, I did say I think Osborne, from being at the GPs where you're traveling to different countries and it's just a lot more is up in the air and unpredictable, you get used to not – you can have a schedule that you try to follow it, but don't be upset if it doesn't yeah. go according to plan because there will be hiccups and things along the way. So <coughs> I think he adjusted very well. And when you looked at that kind of compressed – series he came out of the at um uh, loretta lynn's strong you yeah, know the first yeah. four motors in the mud and then that kind of set the, the tone because mm. he had a big gap and then you know from there he was able to just when i say manage it he wrote he had his great motos but then even when he didn't he was still right there and he was just consistent you know i thought when they started the series and it was only shortened rounds and it was double headers couple of loretta's i thought this is gonna this is these championships are gonna have an asterisk by him but Having watched the whole thing out now, I'm like, no, the right guys won. I agree. Osborne earned it 100%. So did Ferrandis. Congrats to both of those guys, by the way. Um, amazing I, riding. And I think Cincerella rode fantastic, you yeah. know. And, and at the end of the day, when you looked at the championship, 
he wasn't quite the best guy overall. Yeah. He had some great rides. He had some great performances. He hey, made that things first exciting. moto, if he wouldn't have DNF that first moto, just think about that. Yeah, for, but it was first moto of round two, right? Yeah. But there again, that was his own mistake. It's right. not like the bike broke. Right. So, but you could always well, say mean, if, he, if he won that moto, that would have made things really interesting. Yeah. So I mean, Eli had those issues. And, and the thing that amazed me was just the teams and the riders. You guys were riders. It's like the schedule was so midweekish. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. When you guys test for a few days, you need the off day. So just to get that mindset to come back, um, I, I thought, too, like Eli was his – it was his title. I knew Zach would be tough and, and some other guys, but I thought like everybody else, the Cowies to me remind me of the old works Hondas. They just look superior out there, um, even just the way they look. And Cincerello was a surprise, but, but he's coming into his own. And I think some guys like him have stumbled, you know, even like Ricky back in the day, you know, he couldn't keep it on two wheels. So I think, I think he's maturing and getting beyond that. And I think, yeah. I think like Ferrandis, I think, I think he'll be good next year, but Again, hats off to MX Sports. I mean, to do what they did. Um, you know, my daughter was even talking about snowboarding this this winter and how you have to pre-book and pre-do this because of the damn virus, and you have yeah. to. Yeah. So the mountain's going to be limited. So, and then you know, you know, I watch some ball and bat stuff, not a lot, but and, and they're always talk, they're always patting themselves on the back. But Moto did it in Supercross, and Moto did it in the outdoors. You know, unfortunately for us, there's no mention. And that bothered me because we pulled it off with big teams and big TV yeah. and everything was big, big, big. And even Supercross, because you guys did that too. I mean, and I've been on the teams. It's like to have that so so thrown in to just midweek races. And yeah. it's just, it changed the whole sport and, and yet they pulled it off. So I think, I think uh, hats off to everybody and the teams and logistics, like you were manager, shipping stuff and getting oh, stuff yeah. and just, just, uh, and riders having to be in that state the whole time, like. You know, back in Supercross, I mean, it was, you know, 2020 has just uh, been a ball breaker. I, speaking of that midweek racing <laughs> and shipping and all that, I was, uh, I remember a few outdoors coming to check in at the hotel, and usually you would see some packages for race teams, but I remember I was at the hotel, I'm like, oh, you got a lot of motocrosses staying <laughs> you have. There was just gun cases, which obviously carry suspension, and then yeah. the big engine case, they were everywhere, yeah. and the guy was like, I've never seen so much <laughs> yeah. like this before. He goes, what are you guys doing? And I'm like... It's a professional motocross series. And I was trying to explain to the guy. And he's like, thanks for clarifying. He's like, there was just packages showing up. And I'm like, what the hell is this for? Yeah. But, but then even the engines. Logistically with the engines and suspension and the rotation. You know, that stuff's not cheap. So even for a big team like Pro Circuit, they have so many spares. But they probably had to up their spares. Because there's only so much you can do. Well, and, and the truck's not coming home either. No, and the truck's out there. And, and you know, let's say FedEx, UPS, whoever you're with... There's weather. There, everything's always not so perfect in shipping either. So even their their prep week is it's just cut just to days. Yeah. You know, which is just it's just uh, crazy. I think. I heard a really good idea. You know, the 2021 schedule has has already been sort of half built. Uh, it's not going to start in California. There's no California rounds as of now. They're going to try to reevaluate it first part of the year, but it's going to start back in Texas or somewhere back east. They're doing. A lot of double headers and stuff like that. For Supercross. Yeah, I think the first round is three races every other day or something like a Friday, yeah. Sunday, Tuesday or something like that. Anyway, uh, Kenny Adams, I'll give him some credit for this. Um, my buddy Kenny Adams said they ought to start working on Thursday night Supercross and make it a thing. Get together with NBC and say, look, we'll put together a bunch of Thursday night races. Let's make it like Monday I mean, night football, but there's there's nothing on Thursday night. It's nights. funny like you're, you're well, saying Well, there's Thursday that. night football. 
<laughs> is there? <laughs> yeah. No, but well, remember, Wednesday night's in. Do it Wednesday. Yeah, Find a night and make it Wednesday there, night. There really Supercross. isn't much on a Wednesday. But so. remember, the outdoors were Saturday, Sunday, and then Supercross. It was always a couple days. You Friday, know, I mean? Saturday. Yeah, and then. But now I was kind of thinking to myself. It's funny your buddy said that. I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what, self, TV, because TV to me helps things and ruins things in the same sentence. So, it's like. It's it's kind of like when all the athletes wanted more money in the sport. Remember we've talked about that. It made things better, but it also took the fun side yeah. away and made yeah. it very corporate. Yeah, I mean it's like now TV's going to go. Hey, like your buddy said. Hey, we could have midweek races, and so then it's going to be then the athleticism and the training. It's almost got to be upped to just handle that. You know, you guys were racers. It's like. Just uh, going through that, and then, uh, what, 48 hours later, you're doing it again at that level? Yeah. It's different than the test track. Well, so. let's say you even did Wednesday night Supercross, right, for and TV, geared for TV. Yeah, totally. TV. You wouldn't have a ton of fans, but then maybe it's Friday night, you race there again live, and then it's geared more towards live fans. But then you got to have people because, as you guys know, the money makes the world go around. So a lot of the Red Bulls and Monsters, they're saying, we got to have the stands full yeah. of people because... But they can only do, I think, they've, well, I've heard between 30 and 50% capacity yeah. is what they're shooting yeah. for. But that's a that, that's a big difference as far as revenue goes for promoters or anyone. I mean, that's that's a whole lot more than nothing. Um, and also, you know, we're talking about the, the outdoors and the good job um, MX Sports did. I think NBC needs a little credit as well because they dug into their own pockets to help make this happen and yeah. facilitate it. So, you know, but the nice thing is is it was worth it. To, they looked at it. This is worth it to us. You know, we enjoy the sport. It's big enough that we want this to succeed yeah. and happen. And I think at the end of the day, when everyone put their minds together, it showed you, yeah, you can get things done. So, well, they, um, they could say, like your buddy said, we want a midweek, you know, Wednesday at the races, Wednesday night at the races or something. Yeah. Our, our sports never done it, but maybe it's time, you know, 2020 this, shaking things up. This maybe is the opportunity. This is, I, I this is say, that master reset that in the modern, could change the sport. In the modernisms of forward. the bikes, as you guys know, they're so good. Bikes, the riders. The Especially Honda, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> how many races, how many titles did they win this year? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, look, I like them all. But, but, uh, I'm just busting your chops. Um, they're all good to me, but but no, really, I think I think... It, it now's the time to change because it was kind of indirectly proven, it, you know. And, and like you said, the, if the TV people love it, that's a big revenue source that the sport needs anyway. Mm -hmm. So TV's always good till it isn't. You, you know, like when I say till it isn't, like like being a manager and seeing the guy slam between motos or a supercross, and, and you don't really have enough time to even eat your lunch, let alone deal with the fans, do autographs. Yeah. TV's kind of. I used to tell uh, the Feld guys and the outdoor guys, I would go, you know. The bikes are more technical, we, we, but you still have the time between he yeah. heats and like we're two strokes. Yeah. But sure, we have more, we have more staff, but, but changing a motor on a two stroke is like Much easy. easier, yeah. But, but just the wiring harness on a four stroke yeah. is scary to eat. When I pull the yeah, tank when off, you, when it's you, like When you're scary. doing it in a hurry, you just open it, it's <laughs> just wiring everywhere. Yeah, and there, you know, you got to have computer guys just to start the damn thing, you yeah. know, and, and you don't change the gearing on bikes anymore. You manipulate it on your keyboard. So it's it's yeah. it's a different world. Well, and if you want to see where uh, the tail starts wagging the dog in terms of TV versus com competition, look at the X Games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was just all for TV. The yeah. athletes and the, yeah. the actual live production were yeah. a total yeah. afterthought. Uh, yeah. Great for TV ratings, but it made it tough to I remember be a competitor. Doing when they had Super X at the Home Depot Stadium, and it's like, 
What time's the main event? Just get down there in <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Okay, cool. So everyone's down there and it'd be like, the guy's like looking and he's on the radio and he's like, okay, fire it up. Everyone fire it up. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, yeah. No, shut no, it down. No. Shut it down. One more commercial yeah. break. Yeah. One more. Com- yeah. But when we come back from commercial, the 30 second card will be up. And so the guy was like, and you're like, yep, that was purely for TV. All yeah. for TV, yeah, for sure. You really need an electric start then. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, awesome season. Um, fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see what the hell happens in 2021. Uh, nothing. I, I it's going to be interesting because the other thing to touch on, I think, um, is just some uncertainty, uncertainty with certain teams. Um, you know, like a Honda going away. Yeah, RIP Geico Honda. That is yeah, unbelievable. That's terrible. I, mean, I got to tell you, I've been on some programs when either I was told to leave or or they just ended. It's not an easy deal. Geico is a like a pro circuit deal. Even more, they have so much staff and so well organized, well oiled machine. And I feel bad for a lot of the crew and, oh, yeah. and riders. Just the whole thing and the infrastructure. It sucks like, for the sport. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you never want to see anybody go away. But like. Even at 2-2, for example, we had a, a, a pretty big sponsor that left, not because of us. They just changed their demographic, right? And and they want to go to surfing or water sports or something. But right away, it was a big, it was a six-digit hole, you know? And you're just like... And when you're doing budgets, you start going, okay, yeah, I can't like, pay for that. Wow, that, it, for that it was now. gnarly. They just left, like, because yeah. the new guy wanted to be here instead of here. So just like Geico didn't want to do motorsports anymore. They weren't picking on dirt bikes, but it's across the board for them. You know, maybe they're into reggae music now, but it and there's <laughs> and there's there's more teams that I think are a little uncertain at the moment yeah, as far yeah. as moving forward because yeah. certain companies cannot commit right yeah. now or or unable to, so it's putting some people in limbo. So I really hope for the most part that, you know, we we often say when one door closes, another opens. I just hope we see some doors reopen, and it is nice to see at least Star Yamaha increasing their race yeah. team capacity. You know, like we talked about but going but from a joke of a team to now. You could say they are the, the from the, the Browns team. to the Patriots. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. No, but even even Star. I mean, I mean Yamaha now. I I think they're following the road race example or the example from Europe where they're kind of stepping back. Like they just bought that new hauler. You know, that's a that's a half million dollar plus hauler. And I thought when I first more heard than that, that, isn't it? Oh, easy. Those those super. They're all lightweight. Well, now, and everything's they, expensive. They, they kind of outdid the Kawasaki guys. It's beautiful. Yeah. So. But they built that thing, and now all of a sudden it's changing direction. Now Star is going to get it, whatever that deal is. But like Masterpool, I thought, that kid was such a joy for me to watch. And now he doesn't, you know, he's not on the team. And you thought for sure he'd have a spot. But but yeah. the way they reorganized, he doesn't have a spot. And then the Geico guys, and the, I feel bad for you, a lot of the you, mechanics. You get a it's trickle like, effect, too. Yeah, where do they when go? When one door closes, then someone else gets that ride, which hopefully pushes so. someone else. Yeah, hopefully so. Yeah. But the strong, you know. Well, at the end of the day, it's four rides gone, you know, taken out yeah, of the equation, yeah, which yeah. sucks. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the the, the Lawrence brothers will be staying with Factory. I, yeah, I suppose so, so yeah. they're not losing everyone, and then I think they've tried to help facilitate where, like, I think Mumford's going to. Um, There'll be some satellite Honda teams, maybe. I think. Uh, yeah, Michael Lindsay's do, got his team, uh, and I yeah. think they're taking on one or two of the Honda riders. Then there's that other Phoenix racing, the Phoenix and guys. then I think they're going to take on one or two Honda riders, and yeah, I think so Honda's going to try and that'll help them. Good. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, companies like Honda are able to do that. Go look, mm. you know, if you let's make this work. I'll give you a little more product and support yeah, if you yeah. can take some of the guys that we can't 
have on that yeah, team shoot, anymore. And that's good for those teams, too, because they get a, a, a ride that people are going to watch. Yeah. It can attract some better sponsors or get yeah, more money. Yeah, I mean, Honda probably had to find some more money within themselves, but... but uh, but look at what they get for it. You know, yeah. a lot more exposure, and, yeah. and that's really what it's all about. So it's all kind of changing, even due to... Well, if they're the best company, they should have enough resources, <laughs> right? You're really not going to let them <laughs> he's, he's picking on me. <laughs> I will say this. When we were at Honda, I really enjoyed being there. It was, you know, Honda's like a little city, and Lars kind of took me around and showed me the ropes. You know, they have a full cafeteria yeah. there. Mm. It's like Universal Studios. It's, yeah. that, it's that massive. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I got to go around and... and to different departments during the week and uh, whether people wanted me there or not just doing, doing my thing <laughs> yeah. I have a habit of getting in all the cracks and and uh, one day I found myself riding that double throwdown top secret mountain bike that they had mm -hmm. I remember that it was under a blanket had the transmission right oh yeah, yeah. I thought I was going to get fired because <laughs> but anyway it was worth getting fired let me tell you that was pretty cool and and uh, and I put it back where it came from but anyway no, it was just an impressive place yeah. you know I've been to Yamaha and Kawasaki, and they're massive and, and impressive, too, in every sense. But but Honda's more like, it was li literally like a city. Yeah, you know, it's which, a pretty impressive yeah, it's insane. Uh, compound down yeah, there in Torrance. Yeah, they got the cars and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to the Lawrence brothers, partly because I'm just a huge fan of both of those guys. But Jet got his first win there at the last yeah, national, yeah. which I was super pumped for. And I'm, I am so excited for that kid. It was actually bittersweet for Geico Honda yeah. because yeah. – Two of the Geico Honda riders at the beginning of the year, yeah. Sexton and Craig, were on the podium in the 450, Sexton won. Yeah. And then on the 250 podium, they got their win <coughs> and a couple guys yeah. on the box. So it was kind of a great way to cool. go out. Yeah. yeah. Bittersweet, as I said. Sexton, too, I picked that kid in amateurs. There was something about him I liked. And, and, uh, and he's the a, he's a quintessential Honda guy. You know, he looks like Superman. You know, mm. he looks like a college kid and, and uh, rides phenomenally well. But after he broke his femur, they did a few years ago, I thought, well, you know, will he come back from that? And, and he seems to. And, and man, the outdoors, he was impressive every yeah. week, you know. And, and his, his technique is, I would say, better than anybody. He's good like a Stanton kind of guy. He's not flashy, but he does look great in a photograph. But he's just doing all the right things. Yeah. And I think... I think if Cincerello bobbles, he's right there. Yeah. You know, it seems to be that way. He's going to be in the mix. Well, uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in on all that, guys. Uh, I want to promote everyone to go over to thewhiskeythrottleshow.com. Check out our website there. Uh, you can buy merchandise on that site, listen to old podcasts, watch old shows. We've got a bunch of old shots, um, pictures from different guests. Uh, thanks to Temecula T-shirt printers for uh, putting together all our, our uh, merchandise there. And uh, Mad Skills Motocross 2, want to mention that. 3 went back. They were doing some beta testing. It was out for a minute. Uh, they're kind of revamping a couple things in there. Uh, but there is a Mad Skills Motocross 2 right now that's out, a tournament. You can get involved with that. 3 will be out soon. We'll let you guys know when that happens. Uh, let's jump into it. Dave, your story. Um, where'd you grow up? <coughs> San Fernando Valley. I'm okay. a Valley boy. Okay. And uh, we had some great riders come out of the Valley. Johnny O'Mara, Donnie Hansen. Um, and, uh, is that where Donnie was from? Uh, yeah. San Fernando Valley okay. and, and, uh, um, Jim Hawley. Um, I was going to say there's Russ, quite a few guys. Yeah. yeah Jim Hawley, John Haley. Kehoe. Where's Kehoe yeah, Kehoe or Holland, George Holland. Kehoe. Yeah. George Holland was Northern California, oh. but Kehoe, uh, Jim Hawley, uh, John Haley, uh, flat track guy, even before those guys. Yeah. And, uh, Al Baker, a lot, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people. So what, what was your first experience with a dirt bike? 
probably, you know, my, my late father was a doctor and a lawyer. Oh, really? And my mother, wow. my mother was in art. So my, my family was very scholastic. I was kind of the, the knucklehead of the bunch. My two brothers went to, like, I should say, Ivy League-type schools. Not wow. me. I was the hammer and nails the, guy. Yeah, you were the black sheep. Totally black sheep. You know, I played ball and bat sports. My brothers didn't. Uh, I was the light bulb guy, changing light bulbs, washing the parents' car, doing the weeding. I was like the grunt guy. So my neighbor, him and his father used to restore Jaguars, old 150 Jags, the aluminum bodies. Mm. And they used to work with lacquer thinner, cleaning the parts. I was enamored with the smell and, and just hanging out. And they had mini bikes. And, 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 and uh, my neighbor's name was Daryl. And he kind of mentored me, and I, I was just drawn into the mechanics. My dad, for a hobby, used to build furniture and stuff. So my dad was very mechanical with stuff, and, and uh, so I guess I get that from my father. My analness probably comes from my mother. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I just went down that road, and I, you know, my my family was all into skiing and golf and tennis, and I only went for the skiing part. I didn't golf and tennis to me. Snow you know, or water. Uh, snow. In those days, uh, golf and tennis, uh, pardon my English, but it was kind of gay. You know, <laughs> tennis, you, all, you had to wear these white outfits. Yeah. You had to wear a collared shirt. When I was a punk kid, I was always the t-shirt guy. Still am. And then, and then uh, I used to get in arguments with my dad saying, you know, you know doctors and lawyers can wear t-shirts. But he was all about suit and ties, yeah. you know. But I'm still... What, what era was this? What years? Were you born in what year? 57. Okay. I'm 63. So this is, okay, gotcha. I'm, as they say, I'm 63 going on 33. I, yeah. You know. That's good. But uh, So this is through the 60s you're kind of growing up. So I'm just trying to get an idea. Oh, yeah. Idea. Yeah, the Beatles. And I, I, remember, I remember when John F. Kennedy was shot. I, I mean, there's certain things in your life that stick out. Yeah. You know, the, the John Lennon and all, just all these things. Music. I was always into music probably more than my brothers, even though they took piano lessons. I tried to take guitar lessons. And again, I was left-handed. Just came out that way. Playing uh -huh. the tennis racket was always left-handed. <laughs> so my mom got me a guitar, put me in the lessons, and the a-hole teacher, he's like, no, man, nobody plays that way. So, in other words, I was turned off to golf in the same way because every idiot on the golf course that my dad knew, and he knew them all, they were always telling you how to hold the club and this. When I was a punk kid, I'm like, F off. I don't, I'll hold it my way. Yeah. Even when I played Little League, I was a pretty good hitter, but I was little and I was fast. But, oh, you got to hold the bat this way. And I'm like... You know, they say, when you get older, you can develop your own style. Well, I'm developing it now. I so had something similar. I'm a lefty, and everyone sh showed me how to hold a bat in a club, so I actually bat and golf right-handed. Is that right? I, but but the but other day, there was a softball little tournament amongst families, and I stood up there, and I was like, and I hit both ways. But see, for me, that turned me off, mm. right? Because I've always been the guy. And it's got me in trouble plenty. It, if I'm cold on the back of the bus, I'm like ringing the bell because I want the heat turned up. I've always been that guy. Yeah. Just, and I guess that's the way I was raised in my family. So it's helped me and hurt me in ways. You know, sure. I mean, sometimes I talk too much, uh, or maybe when I shouldn't. You know, but I mean, you live and learn. There's a lot of things. If I could change, I would. But 
we're all older and screw it. You can't go backwards. <laughs> so now I just try to, you know, my, my own kids. I'm like, hey, if you want that money, ask for the money. If you're honest with that boss, they'll appreciate honesty. Then you building up this mushroom cloud of, of disdain for yeah, yeah. frustration. Yeah, you got, yeah, so I tell people to be honest and upfront. If I want to dance with you, I'm going to go freaking ask you to dance. You, you know? Yeah, I'd it, love to see it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to dance with you, Dave. <laughs> Donnie, get your camera ready, bud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gonna I'm on it. Uh, what was your first bike then? <laughs> My first bike was a Honda CT70. It was a Honda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was red and had the goofy handlebars yeah. that you well, turn. We, we, me and my dad actually own a couple of those and Z50s and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, it was amazing. And I made a I made a straight pipe for it, burned up the valves a little bit, and made my dad pretty angry. I didn't know what I was doing, but we used to jump the lots when they were building houses. So, mm. I really got into, you know, at one point I maybe, I maybe could have been one of you guys. I only got as far as a certain level because my family wasn't really into it. And being a doctor's son, my dad was an OBGYN when he started, but then he grew into uh, orthopedic surgery. So being, he took me to the hospital a few times to meet some cops that got, should have been dead from, you know, terrible chases and stuff to try to wean me out of it. Um, and, and, you know, but he knew I loved it. So he kind of indirectly supported it from a distance. Like a, like the first time I ever raced, I, as the story goes, I had to forge their name and came home. Uh. You know, one time in the desert, uh, is you go with the, the fathers, the fathers are all getting hammered, you know, and so the kids are just riding around. I was on a 125 Bull Taco out in the desert, Lake El Mirage, going through the sand whoops. And I remember just going off this one whoop, and I guess I landed in a sand wash smashed my face, came home looking like, as my mom said, Quasimodo from the Hunchback. <laughs> and so my mom's like, that's it, you know, no more for him. Yeah. But, but, uh, but then when I was playing football, I got murdered by a team down south. So, so it, it was, you know, again, I was, I was always kind of the rebel, the, 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 maybe the bad kid of, of my other two brothers. So, so, but I think I came out okay. Yeah, well, you were, it sounds like you were an individual. And there's some people that are just geared towards... Uh, individual sports and some that that fit yeah. better into team sports. Yeah, I wasn't, that wasn't really an establishment but, but, guy. But you see that more often than I think people realize is you have families that are a certain way and then there's the one kid that just and it could be the the son or the daughter that just they want they want to do yeah. something different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean even in our family my sister I was the athletic one and she was the academic one. Hmm. She wanted to her dream was to go to college and that. And yeah. I was like, I'm doing whatever I can to get out of going to college. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I can do this yeah. dirt bike yeah. thing, this is great. Yeah, like for me, it's like, uh, I, I don't, I have a hard time containing myself. Like, I don't play video games. I don't like board games. Oh, are you someone that throws shit when you lose? <laughs> <laughs> I've thrown shit. But, no, but, but for the most part, I, I, I got to be doing things. Yeah. You know, if, if you're a busybody, if the that. wife and I go on vacation, I want to go on a ride. I don't want to sit. My buddies will talk about the ambiance of the hotel, or yeah, okay, there's the waterfall, bitching. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go boogie boarding. Yeah, you know, of course now there's too many damn sharks, but 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 I used to do all that. There's always been I, sharks, Dave. They've I think there's probably been. less than there has been. <laughs> no, I you got just it. hear about it more often. I used to boogie board just a few years ago, like at Zuma and all them, and now they have the drones up there, so. That's the thing. You just see the sharks now. They've always been there. Could be. Yeah. But, but, uh. Well, with yeah, drones, they can follow them. So yeah, you're probably so. actually safer now. So now, now if we go to the beach, I'm in and out quick. Yeah. I'm in and out quick. Well, tell me about this first race. Was it a motocross event? Or it, it was a, it was at, it was at Indian Dunes. It was a mini cycle race. Back then you had Steve McQueen's kid 
uh, Chad McQueen, uh, Willie Simons, uh, a lot of these guys I'm still buddies with, they were like the little pro kids. Okay. And I was just an idiot and, and uh, showed up and they put a number on the bike, I think, uh, with electrical tape. But I, but I forged the name and, and went out there with a buddy and, and I did. You, you know, you just got a trophy for participating. Couldn't even tell you how I did. But I was smitten with it. They were all on those JT1s. You know, That's where it went the, wrong. You the, got a the, participation award. That, <laughs> <laughs> that little Yamahas. But, but uh, then I got a JT1. And I, that's when I started trying to Wait, get... Wait, JT1? A Yamaha. It was a, oh, a th- Mini Enduro. Yamaha oh, Mini Enduro. Th- I he- I've heard the Mini Enduro. Oh, I didn't bitchin'. know it was called a JT1. Yeah, they were that. bitching. Okay. And, and uh, it was red and white. And I painted it myself. Anyway, I did all this stuff. And and uh, that's where I really started doing things. Like one time I tried to... It was a rotary valve motor. I tried to... Mm-hmm. I wanted to put in this, this rotary valve. And I kind of screwed it all up. I didn't even have an impact wrench. You know, I was learning what you needed to do. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I just and and uh, we ended up taking it to a dealer, and the mechanic at the dealer felt bad for me, so he kind of mentored me on doing it. A dealer that's been long gone out of business, but uh, yeah, and I just kind of came up the ladder from that. You know, just just one thing led to another thing, and you'd meet people, and yeah. you know. So you you really enjoyed racing. This is at this point. I, I just I enjoyed racing and the mechanical side. It's just it's just you woke up every day, you wanted to go. I just wanted to go riding, and yeah. in those days. My parents didn't know shit, so I would just, me and all my buddies, uh, when you're little, you just you just get on the mini bike and leave your house. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. You'd especially, ride on the streets. Especially in that area. Yeah. But like, um, like I think back to 93 when I moved to Southern California, all of Temecula yeah. was just these beautiful hills, yeah. and you couldn't really ride from your house, but there was a lot we of did. open land. But I used to ride on the paved streets. My first ticket. My first ticket was on a mini bike. My mom and dad were coming out of this golf course, and I, when they came out, they saw me and a cop. <laughs> and and my mom's like, the officer when my dad came walking over, I remember he goes, as well, Mrs. Osterman, you know your son, blah blah blah. I see on this address, you guys are ten miles from here. My mom was like, I had no idea he couldn't ride this on the street. You know, I think I was thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. You know. So play, play dumb and yeah. How was that? <laughs> Were the cops okay with you back then? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I, it feels like it was a little more relaxed back then with that kind of stuff. Oh, like, it was a on, lot get, more. Get, yeah, if you, if you weren't doing anything destructive or ca- causing a problem, you kind of were even, given a warning. Even, <laughs> even when the cop left, had a few words with my parents. The cop went to the right. Parents went to the left. I rode home. Yeah. How about this? Do uh, you remember those little Yamaha mini street bikes? What were they? YSRs? Yeah, yeah the YSR. YSR yeah, yeah. I had one of those. Those are bad. I think I won it in some race or something. And so I'm riding it to my girlfriend's house. She's about 10 miles away in Phoenix, down these main streets. Yeah. I'm just like, well, they'll just, you know, whatever. I don't know. You don't even think about the yeah, consequences. Yeah. I get pulled over. The guy's like, what are you doing? You don't have a license. You're yeah. like 13, 14. This isn't street legal. Yeah. I'm like... I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. He's like, get home. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he let me ride home. That was yeah, you know, not anymore. For yeah. nowadays, they'll tase you and do yeah. the whole deal. Hey, your girlfriend was bummed, huh? Well, yeah, I didn't make it over. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was another thing I didn't get to do in that era that I wish. I never got to race Indian Dunes. That place Indian seemed d- so cool. So many, so many of these conversations start with I started Indian Dunes. <laughs> no, I mean Indian Dunes was was. Uh, off the 126, you still look at it. Then the studios took it over. Just too many lawsuits, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's you know, I'm surprised coffee houses don't get co- closed down from not coffee spilling on you. But it just, 
at Saddleback Park. It's just too many damn lawsuits and, and, and people signing the waiver when you check in, but you still, you know, if you go surfing, you get bit by a shark, you'll sue the city like yeah. they should have protected you. So I think a lot of that got out of hand, so I don't even know why you signed the releases in the first place, but it's just slip and fall stuff, and, and but Indian Dunes was a great place. They had Friday night races. I mean, just a it just and you guys were racers. I, the whole Friday night concept was just great. And even back then, when I got into the mechanicing thing, aside from racing myself, a lot of the pros then, local pros, you could make if you were a CMC guy down south or you were a AME guy, CRC guy where I lived, you could make pretty good dough racing because you would race on the weekends and then you would race Friday nights. And yeah. a lot of the guys were making pretty good dough, you know, in high school. Todd Peterson and yeah. Ron Turner. Yeah, those guys were. Five days a week. Yeah. Ascot, OCIR, yeah. Indian Dune, Saddleback, SMX. Well, then me, me and my buddy, when my buddies were good intermediates and I was like a junior, to get faster, the Saddleback and Carlsbad guys were faster, for sure. The CMC crowd. So we started, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but we one day we, we said when we all, were all 16, we're like, we need to go to Saddleback and Carlsbad if we really want to try to get Compete. good. Yeah. And I mean, and I remember... I mean, Saddleback was like a national track, and practice, when they'd disc it, in the days when they would actually disc a track, that now they use brooms, but, but, but uh, practice, the, the dirt would, would be like as big as a helmet. And big clumps. Yeah. Oh, yeah, insane. And, but, but Marty Smith would be there, Tommy Croft. It was like a national on the weekend. You know, like local races were a thing. Now yeah. guys won't even do them. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, but yeah, it's sad the way that it's gone that way. Because uh, it used to be, who's been, I mean, Dr. D, yeah. all those guys that have come on here yeah. said, yeah, I would race three, four times a week yeah. Yeah. and make good money, yeah. you know, and that's how you got better. Um, so who are the guys you lucked up to back then? Who are the top pro guys? <laughs> there were a lot of local guys near me, Eddie Cole. I ended up mm. working for Eddie Cole, but there was Eddie Cole, Jeff Recker, uh, Dave Hall, Will Harper, John Hatley. Um, there was a hotbed of guys. In, in As I came up the ranks in high school, I ended up working for Al Baker R&D. We made pipes and things. And, and it was funny. I could weld, but my buddy worked there before me, and he kind of got me in there, I think, on a few lies, saying I was better <laughs> than I was. So he kind of mentored me and helped me, this guy David Humphreys, so I'm indebted to him. But, but I became pretty good at building pipes. And then uh, the guy that's still at Yamaha, Tom Halverson, then he was brought in a couple years later. I got hired and fired from Al's a few times because Al was dating a Playboy bunny and her daughter was kind of obnoxious. And then she was banging this one guy I worked with <laughs> in the bathroom when Al would leave. And, but I was, I, I was loyal to Al, so, and I'm just too honest, so I would tell Al a few times. So she, Al never fired me, but she would say, Osterman, you get the fuck out of here. So I would, oh, can I say that? That's fine. Oh, there we go. So, 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 yeah, she, she told me to leave a few times and then Al would call me back and but I was with Al a few years and he was a character he was like the Baja guy but he was in with Honda he was in with Showa in the in its infancy of Baja bikes there were all those Hondas and got a lot of great riders and stuff. he had XRs only right that was a hundred years later mm. but Al Baker R&D in Van Nuys right across the street was Bass Brothers Welding from the famous Bass oh, yeah. Brothers Speedway yep. family I almost raced a Speedway bike but uh, I was trying to orchestrate that. My folks weren't really supportive of that. Um, and the highway patrol was there. A bunch of crazy stories from being, it was just a hotbed. And then down the street was Ed Pink uh, drag racing engine. So in the middle of the day, 
it'd light up funny car <laughs> engines three blocks away and it scared you'd wet your pants and then in the same center we were in was Eldred Marine that did drag boats so between the two places Jeez. I was peeing my pants a lot because <laughs> you know they'd rattle the whole neighborhood but yeah but uh huh so um how far did you go with racing then how far did you make it like intermediate local pro? I, would, I would say I would say I, I was intermediate speed and I had flashes of brilliance as some people, like the illegal tracks, like where I live up in Valencia, there was an area called Drinkwater, a lot of good tracks, some national guys rode there. And uh, sometimes I would go there and I would surprise myself. Um, but again, I didn't have the family support. So I would always, I would always go back to the mechanicing part of it. Mm. And, 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 uh, and I, I got in trouble a little bit as a kid, as we all do. And, when my parents kind of one day sat me down and like, you know, it's <laughs> I like, like the way you it's like, <laughs> sat me down no, and, and it's like, it, like it, for that speech yeah, thing. No, it's, 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 it's like MTV, that video with, what was it? D Snyder. And he goes, what are you going to do with your life? You yeah. know, I, Dave pulled out a psycho magazine you know who was in it? Freaking John R. It was talking all about John R and what he did and how he did it. And I told my dad, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be that guy. And they didn't know nothing, right? So then when I, I'm jumping ahead, but when I worked for Al Baker, I was starting to work for local riders, good guys. And yeah. I, was, I was lucky, I don't know if it was my mouth or whatever, but I was lucky to get good guys. Yeah. I, I, I was very fortunate in my career, I must say, the whole way through, because luck has a lot to do with it, let's face it. But I was never with the guy that was a waste of time. Yeah. I had one waste of time guy, and I spoke up to the brass that he was a waste of time. But that was kind of political. And that might have dinged me a little bit. But they told me going in that if he wasn't here by this time, he'd be gone. But he was still there. So I kind of spoke up. That I know I'm getting ahead of myself again. But yeah. can, can we mention the name? Uh, I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> but it was one of those deals where the in-house management was but grew up with his dad. Oh. And he was a Michigan kid. We, I'll give you an example. We went to where Rex Staten used to practice off the 15 freeway. Um, and uh, you couldn't even walk this place. It was so brutal. And uh, a lot of the teams would test there. What was it called? Um, God, it's, it'll come to me. Central? No. It was uh, right off the 15 freeway on the east side of the freeway. At what? Like what? In uh, what kind, city? Kind of where that Cabela's is now, but across the freeway. Um, Rex Staten used to ride there all the time. A lot of the guys... It, it's escaping me now, but fac okay. Factory Suzuki used to test. And a lot of people used to test Not there. Not 6th Street or whatever. No. It, it had a name, but it's escaping me. But anyway, uh, that's my 63 years showing itself. But anyway, this kid, this kid, when he was there, he wouldn't even ride there. Hmm. He goes, we used to come here with Suzuki. I'm not riding here. So for me, I'm just thinking, pussy. You know, because when I was with the Langstons or the Pingrees or the Chad Reeds, it's your job to jump the triple, and it's my job to tell you to do it if you're apprehensive. If I was out there, of course I'm not going to do it because yeah. I'm not you. But, yeah, the guys that were paid to do it, I, I was always impressed with because you guys always have to perform, hmm. you know. That's part of the job. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah. job, I think, was always as stressful as my job was, even, even as a pro mechanic, you know, I wasn't out there trying, you know. As you know, in your generation, you're one of half a dozen guys or three guys going for the same spot. So that's yeah. well. All, all you can do is everything to get them to that point. Once they line up yeah. the gate, it's yeah. like you're just hoping for the yeah. best at that point. Yeah, yeah. I've had that feeling too, where you go, "Huh, 
Not much I can do now. <laughs> no, because even now that you go to a lot of the races and you're you're in on the media side, it, it's it's probably a little relaxing that you look back at your own career, going, "Wow, that was me." But now it's him, you know, and you're yeah. and then you're talking to him, and you guys know exactly what to ask him because you were in that helmet years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a neat perspective, I think. Well, it's funny talking to guys like my brother-in-law Phil Lawrence or Chad Pedersen, who's a buddy of mine who was right. just out here for a, a vital shootout, and we were talking about. Uh, racing today and we were all like man I'm so glad I don't race today like the guys are just they're gnarly they're just it, everybody's going so fast you know and maybe it was the same back then but when you're a kid yeah, but it you don't was. really think about it it was like but as you get older and you get that perspective yeah. you're like wow oh, this is crazy <laughs> you know but even I mean? like it's just become more scientific so you look at it and that's what's taken that level just keeps doing this every year like I think if you look at the sport it just every year it's elevated by a half a percent or but something but see when you he know? says it's scientific in his day, it's like we were talking e-bikes before. Yeah. If you're on a normal bicycle, as guys call them acoustic, whatever, it's just a normal mountain bike. If you're on a normal mountain bike, you're on a normal mountain bike, so you're suffering. An e-bike kind of kind of levels the playing field. Yeah. When, when, I'd, when I'd walk, you know, when we'd fly in and I was working for a team with a Langston and a Hughes, it was always a natural high as a, as a crew member because you knew one of those two guys could be on the box, and they mm -hmm. were on the box. So it was exciting to be, you know, there's only a handful sure, of guys sure. that could be there. But in his day, you actually had to change the gearing. There was no mapping. There was no yeah. cam. It was all, it was much, uh, the two strokes were pretty advanced, but it was much simpler. So mm -hmm. I think the rider, I think the rider brought a lot more to it. I'm not saying these guys aren't talented, but it's yeah. just different. Yeah, it's different. A, a good tuner can almost tune the bike without even getting the rider's opinion. Yeah, it's almost. You know, to an extent. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, it's crazy. I think uh, my it's my changed. comment was more a, a commentary on us getting older and going, "Holy crap, this sport's nuts! I can't believe I did this." Not not that there's so much better. Yeah, but what today. you guys don't realize, because I was the crew guy, you were the racers. When you see the jumps they're doing now, and as impressive as that is, you guys were still doing it on on one twenty five on one twenty fives and yeah. lesser bikes. Yeah. Sure, the tracks are geared more for the four stroke. Yeah. but trust me, you guys were doing some gnarly stuff. Well, I, I mean, I remember when I first came here to do the both triples fifteen laps in a row on a one twenty five was the goal. Yeah. I mean, I remember that. I remember my dad saying, "You got to get over the triples every lap," and I was like, "Okay, you know." Especially when we went up to uh, Utah, yeah, and the bikes were just like washing yeah, machines, yeah. rail the berm, pull up, and case the crap out of it. Well, that was Mitch's. You know, when I rode for Mitch, that was a, just just go out there and do the jumps, do both the triples, do all the rhythm sections. You know, that was his basically his advice: yeah. get a good start and do all the jumps, and you're going to be on the box. Yeah. So, anyway, different different time for sure. Okay, so take us through. How did you get hooked up with Factory Yamaha as a mechanic? Factory Yamaha, I, I worked for some local guys, like I said, <coughs> and some good ones. Gary Ogden, for a brief bit, I, I had a little impromptu with Terry Clark at Factory Kawasaki. Uh, but, but what happened, uh, like I said, I, I was pretty fortunate. I don't know if it was my personality or whatever, but I was always getting in the right crack, it seemed. So I was working for Eddie Cole, who was a... a a great racer in his own day, uh, Matrix now, 661, all yep. that stuff, Answer Products. When Eddie's career was winding down, he was still pretty competitive, Number national number 115. He had a Yamaha support ride. He was like, and to this day, best buddies with Bob Hanna. Yeah. So one day I come home and I go, hey, Mom, 
going to the Florida Series. So we went in Eddie's van to the Florida Winter Series, which was a staple then. And uh, we had the Golden State Series, CMC out west, but then we had the Florida Series. And Florida Series pretty much dominated the CMC stuff because that's everybody would go, all the factories would go. <coughs> so we went and uh, I ended up with Rick Burgett's mechanic staying in his room. I, he kind of, we became great friends. I ended up staying in his room. He ended up, uh, he was fudging me on his expense account and all this. And I did a few things during the week to help even those guys that they thought, oh, this kid's handy, you know, kind of keep him around. What was funny was... Uh, what, what year would that have been? Uh, 77. Okay. Or, or, yeah, late... Late late, late 76, okay. early 77. <clears throat> so, um, the... Uh, Keith McCarty and, and, and Larry Carpenter were best friends. And Larry's a mechanic uh, uh, a little bit after that. He, he, he died at 32 years of age, had a stroke. He, mm. he smoked and drank Dr. Pepper's like it was going out of style. But great guy, great mechanic, great mentor for me. I don't, I, I think, and, and Keith wasn't the supervisor then. He was just Bob's mechanic. And, and though I got along with him then, I, 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 don't, I don't think he really liked Larry doing that to help me. But my team manager, uh, we were in Florida at one time and the Omaha guys were sent a bunch of a bunch of pipe sections for the two strokes well that's what we had two strokes and they had to be constructed so they saw really early on I had welding skills because the the the, the first year Yamaha's the 250 D's and the 125 all the D bikes they had weak points in the frame so I was helping the guys weld them all up even on their factory bikes and whoa David's pretty good you know but I used to build pipes and, and even Hannah and I, back in the day, we had like a foot peg competition because they'd raise Bob's foot pegs with a gas welder in the hotel parking lot, as, as they say, like a rock star writing a song on a napkin. We would, that's what you did back then. Yeah. You, weren't, you weren't afraid to drill a hole in those days. So yeah, Well, that's what we said. Back then, you needed a welder on the team. Now you need someone with computer skills <laughs> yeah, to yeah. dial the bike in. Yeah, so, so I was that guy. So I did things. They saw I was handy. Then I built a pipe uh, for Burgett's bike. Worked really good. Uh, DG ended up copying it after that and so it, it just at the time Mike Bell was burning up the local tracks Saddleback Carlsbad CMC guy and then and it just we were kind of melded together uh, we did Mammoth as a test run on, on one of Cars Maker's old works bikes and as the story goes the bike was in pieces the frame was like broken half and I'm looking at a diagram I had to put it back together but I did it all myself and, and the guys on the team were helping me, don't get me wrong. And then we went to Mammoth. We almost won Mammoth that year, but it was aluminum gas tank. Again, this was a used bike, and Mike was running away with it, but that, the gas tank split, oh. which wasn't me. Yeah, just, what are you do? It was just used parts. But so Mike and I bonded, and he was a good guy, and the family was really cool. Um, and, uh, and then we became a team, and then I wanted to be like Hannon McCarty or, or Lunas and his guy because... Like when you came up, there were there were uh, teams uh, within a team always. Yeah, yeah. because uh, I I saw early on the mechanic could really be a buddy yeah. with the guy, and you're like a team within a team. Yeah. Um, Especially back then. Yeah. When in the box band, I was gonna say you yeah. guys drove together, yeah. you stayed at hotels yeah. together. You know, it was a team. Yeah, the riders didn't always 
in Supercross, the riders would fly a lot, but in the outdoors, they tend to stay certain rounds because it was, you know, hot and humid, and they'd have to get stay used back. To it. Yeah, get yeah. used to it. And then most of the guys then rode, uh, or excuse me, ran. They didn't really ride bicycles per se. A few did. Training back then was an individual thing. There was, there was no man friends. It was all, yeah. you were doing the push-ups and sit-ups like, you know, I'm sure Grant and you you guys would be running the hills by yourself unless you ran with another rider. Well, when I started riding, that's when my dad was like, oh, that's what these guys do. We'd watch videos. There's David Bailey. He does sit-ups, push-ups, and he yeah. runs five miles. All right, yeah. do the same thing. It yeah. was very unsophisticated, but yeah. if you just did the basics, it made you better than most people anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get I get the modernisms of the Alden Baker system. I, I applaud that, but, but I'm also uh, disciplined to know that not everything works for everybody. If, if, if all three yeah. of us go to lunch after this, we're all probably going to order something different. So, And I know it doesn't work for everybody. Some guys, like Chad Reed, when I worked for Reed, that guy would show up, as you guys know Chad, and Chad likes to eat and eat well. He'd show up like he wasn't ready to get on a dirt bike. And then in a matter of a few weeks, with his training and his diet and his commitment, man, he, he, he would end up looking like Ryan Hughes in just a few weeks. Yeah. Just a transition and that animal... Yeah instinct and, and he was all in committed and you it showed you the the power was, of the mind you put your mind to something what you because i do. gotta tell you i'm fortunate enough at 63 years of age i've been with most generations of riders and i could even say that from drum brakes to disc brakes to water cooling and now efi i've seen so many generations of riders and, and i've told everybody there's like the langston era i was in that area and there's this there's there's certain guys that stand out that even when they walk around you know that guy's a winner yeah. I could I could see it, you know. I remember I remember when I was working for Bell and we're just three digit guys. I remember when I first saw Mark Barnett, I went, That guy's trouble. You you can just see it, you know. And and he was trouble. You know, it's yeah. not that I was I could pick talent, but I knew in Grant's day First of all, his reputation preceded him. You know, I knew he was gnarly because you heard it coming from Europe. He had a reputation like Hurlings does now, you know. And yeah, well, I didn't know that. No, you, <laughs> this no, is news to me. No, you did, really. And, and, and uh, the, the domestic riders knew it. So he, he had them beat already. Yeah. I, you know, in a sense. Yeah. You, you still had to race them. But, but, uh, so I've been pretty fortunate. I've been around... Uh, like I said, I I know we're jumping around, but but I've been around a ton of the best people. Yeah, well, you got the 80s, the 90s, yeah. and the 2000s. So late, late 70s. Late 70s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. All right, so when did Mike, you guys won the Supercross title in 1980. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. was his first, what was your two, your first year doing the Nationals and Supercross? Uh, 77, we were a support class guys. Okay. Which they used to have that. We used to have the Trans Am when the Euros would come yep. here. So we had, and that was in the late winter. God, plenty of mud races, you know, my God, and, and everything's so different now, but we didn't even have pressure washers on the on the trucks. The Honda guys did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Honda guys always had everything, yeah. but but uh, uh, Yamaha guys played catch-up. And then the Honda guys, the way it would work in the old days, Honda would just contract to Joe Blow, drive all their vans in there, and get them all done in succession professionally, like an RV place. Oh, really? The Yamaha guys were... Well, it way. was all individual. We built our own stuff, and maybe I had your stuff, but it was me and my buddies and my electrician friends. You know, it's like, 
It's not the Yamaha was cheap. It's just back then, that's just kind of how but you did it. Hon that was that era when Honda just was like fully committed into racing. Honda, I got to tell you, I used Th to... That's why they were known to be the best brand was, you got to look back then, they had all the best riders. Yeah. They had the biggest well, teams, yeah. the biggest yeah. support, the most... I thought that kind of kicked off with the 80s, though, like 80. No, but, but, but it starts in the late 70s but if you even, look at it. Even in the Marty Smith days, I used to, I used to kind of be at the same hotels with Dave Arnold because we were friendly... And I didn't look at his stuff, and he didn't look at mine. But three, like like Grant was saying, from one month to the next, Marty would have a new 125 engine. Mm. I'm, I'm, a new engine. I'm not just saying a new pork yeah. job or a new pipe. He would have a new engine, and 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 Honda was so advanced. It was it was like Cowie, Yamaha, and Suzuki were the were the poor boys, or they just didn't they just didn't engineer that fast. Everything it was a different timeline. Honda was just pulling stuff. It was like rabbit out of a hat every few months. They wanted to win, and they and they were they were progressing faster yeah, was, than anyone. It was unbelievable. Well, I was thinking about it. I'd like to do a list of all the names that rode for factory Honda in the eighties. Just think about in the eighties. I mean, they had it's well, and everybody, so many everybody big that names. was everybody that was anybody. Even if you were on that other team, even as a winner, you'd always end up on a Honda. Mm. Like he just said it, you always would end up on a Honda, you know, and, and even Roxon and the modernisms of it, Tomac was on a Honda, Roxon was on a Honda. Just when you're a little kid, you know, you know we, we all go through high school, you're looking at the Playboy Bunny or the Corvette or this or that. If you're a racer, you just always, yeah. even on in Europe, you just wanted to be on a Honda. Yeah. And, and do, you, do you think that's because they have more money? Do you think it's because they have more of a focus on racing? What, what was the I, reason? I, I would definitely go with had. Or both. Had. Because things have changed. Yeah. Everyone else has stepped up, and I think Honda's not putting in that... Effort yeah, and everyone else being below. I agree. Uh, right now, we could argue there's other teams. I mean, I think KTM puts in more of an effort than the, yeah, the Japanese K brands. What's funny about KTM, like he just said, they just sat back and watched everybody. You know, like when Alta came in with the e-bikes. If you don't think all these companies have e-bikes behind the back door, you're oh, dreaming. Yeah, yeah. And, and, They've and, got and, all the technology. Yeah, and back in the day when he was factory KTM, they had Yamahas and Hondas there. And everybody buys everybody's yeah. everything, just like the auto industry. That's how you learn. And, and I, you know, at some point... I used to say you could take a negative of everybody and almost overlay them, but that's that's how the world works. But but Honda has just done a great job over the years of whether it's sales and marketing or something. But even to this day, you know, it's you know, it There's just a stigma with Honda. Something, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a positive one. For but you sure. know, they they've yeah. had their years. You know, they've had their years. Everybody's had their years. You know, when the Pistons break off and this and that and nothing. Or the, oh, of course. You know, like Yamaha. They like now. I'm watching. We just got a 450 for my son, a 21, and it's like, it's like, I, I'm impressed with Sewer in Europe, and Barsha here finished out. I, I'm sad he's not staying there because because it was really coming around. Sure, the bike's heavy, but you know when they ride it, they don't feel the weight. But they really started to make it look good this this season, and and as opposed to the 250s, you know the mm -hmm. 450s always had that stigma. Meanwhile, in the U.S., you go to tracks and. You see Yamahas, and they, they, they're high up in a lot of the shootouts, you know, and, and everybody seems to love them. So, so. Well, and we've had that discussion on the show about the, the production 450 Yamaha versus what they're racing. Something keeps getting mixed up because the production bike scores very well. I it's a great bike. I predict, because he's been around with some of the same people that I know, <laughs> I think, I think Star is going to do well because I think there's a whole different – 
management there now. And I got to tell you, when I was... Sometimes a fresh look when I all was, that's needed. When I was with YOT, I battled that mentality. And nothing against those guys. They had a great racing background like I had. But, but I think Grant knows what I'm talking about. And even recently when Reed went back there, Chad said it. He was so happy to be back there, but then he found out real quick it wasn't what he thought he was getting into. Mm. And and I'm not going to name names, but I think... Some of the old guard on that team were stuck it, look, in their ways, right? We all have to change our socks. And I think even in our government now, what's going on, you know, every now and then you got to change your socks. So I think, I think that... That company in itself was long overdue for changing its socks, let alone its underwear. And I think, I think they did that. Star is a, they're not corporate. You know, it's a different That's, mentality. That to me is one of the biggest things. Ra racing can't get caught up in the corporate side yeah. of things. That's what always holds a team back. That's why I'd, I've always been a believer. You got to look at even Formula One. Um, NASCAR, IndyCar, that they're all privately owned teams that get support from manufacturers yep. and factories and big sponsors, but teams can hire the right people to race. Corporations hire people to run a corporation, yep. and then the, the team ends up falling under that corporate umbrella, and it's... I, I always bureaucracy, thought it was never... Bureaucracy slows <coughs> it down. I left yeah. Pro Circuit, which Mitch is the opposite of corporate, yep. you know, if there was an issue, I walked up to him and said, hey, man, blah, blah, blah. We had a discussion, and yeah. it was we had an answer right there and yeah. then, and we worked on it. You, and then I went to Yamaha, and I, and I realized quickly, I don't just snap my yeah. fingers and get yeah. what I want. There's a whole pr process, and uh, there were times it was frustrating. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, yeah. I want to freaking win, and you I feel like you're tying well, my you, hands. Yeah, you know what's in the drawer? <laughs> they don't want to open the damn drawer. And, yeah. and my experience with Factory Cowie being at Mitch's and with Chad, Cowie is... is very powerful within themselves because they, they have that separatist mentality. You know, they still got Kawasaki Japan and Kawasaki Europe, but but they understand their place and and I think I think Yamaha now finally figured it out after all these years and made all these radical changes because now it's a whole new ball game for them. Whereas Honda though, being Honda, they want to get back very badly to where they were before. And, and now they have HRC involvement, which was promised when Reed was there, and it never materialized. Um, that was part of the reason we left there, but broken promises, as they say, but it would be a good name for a band or a boat. But, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I think, and Grant's seen it, you know, when he was at KTM, they were pulling out all the stops because they wanted to be the Japanese. And in Europe, they just sat back and they had the support and, and, and the money and the engineering, and they, they, they really looked at the... I remember the first time I worked on a KTM, I thought, wow, this is so silly. But then the more times I worked on it, I went, this is actually simple. It's, and it was just someone coming in with a different look yeah, how to build a machine. It was so simple. And when, uh, even though our design path, I know I'm jumping around, at, at Buell was to, was to go off of, of a Honda somewhat, a lot of the hardware I was bringing in was was off a of KTM because it was so stupid simple, mm. like like just to assemble things, the shrouds to the tank and this and that, those corkscrew things. Mm -hmm. I tried to buy all that out of Europe, but it was proprietary, so we were going to knock it all off. And and I was dealing with what's called purchasing engineers. Never heard the term before until I was there. But but in other words, so but but I was I was pulling things out of this. Yeah, these men and women they fly all over the world just purchasing knocking stuff engineers. off. Engineers, I like that. That's what they were called. Huh. You know, because we, 
I like that. I don't know how to make it, so I'm going to copy his. I want yeah. to have someone else make it. What well, are you? I'm an engineer. <laughs> I'm a copycat engineer. <laughs> no, but they would fly all over the world. It, it happens all the time. And, 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 find, and find sources or factories that can physically produce it. Well, because yeah. some of the stuff, believe it or not, in a... I, I'm jumping way ahead. You probably don't want me to jump ahead. That's okay. We'll get Ping well. likes his timeline. I'm like, <laughs> okay. let's freestyle it. No, let's it. do the timeline. No, we'll no, stick to the timeline. Well, if it's... We can get back to that later. We're going to get there. Take us through then. So so you start working with Yamaha. You yeah. and Bell, you do the rookie season. The Yamaha thing was was really cool because um, we were... It was works bikes. Mm. I mean, a lot of the guys that were on my wall, I was with. You know, when the Euros came, Heike Mikola, Hawk and Carlquist, I was with all those guys. I interfaced with those guys. I was just a punk 19, 20-year-old. Real quick, I wanted to ask you, because you were there. At that point, you know, you talk about the reputations or the, the you know, stigma or whatever. When those Europeans came over, was it kind of like for you guys, like, whoa, that's, that's so-and-so and that's this guy? Mikola, like, yeah. I mean, had to be. Did, wasn't, wasn't that a little bit at that time where, as an American, you were almost like, Oh, well, no, you got to realize. Bowing down a little bit. They were like John Wayne's to me because you, you heard of Roger DeCoster and Pierre Carsmakers, certainly, <laughs> but Mikola was like Mike Tyson with handlebars. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? He's scary to me. Like, looking at photos, I'm like, ooh. But he was a nice, quiet man. In other words, Roger was scared of that guy. You, you know what I mean? Because he could put it to Hannah, he could put it to Roger, and he was just this. He was like a Mark Barnett European guy. He was a yeah. Viking. Yeah, he was a Viking. They're bad dudes. They're <laughs> yeah. the ones bending nails with their teeth. Yeah, but not me. He was a, no, <laughs> but he was a super nice guy. I chipped my tooth trying to do that. <laughs> he was a super, super nice guy. Carlquist, like he was the Euro version of Rex Staten, people used to say. Yeah. He even had the big ping, but, pingry cookie yeah. duster. But he was a sweetheart of a guy. And and the whole entourage was was very nice. Really, it, they were nice when they'd come over. They they were great. They just did everything different than us. The 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 bikes. You know, they. I remember we had a big meeting at Yamaha because I was a 500 guy, and uh, in Europe they had three speed 500s, and they right? were they were asking me and Mike Bell yeah, and Rick Burgett and his mechanic if we thought we could use three speeds in the U.S. And we ended up four speeds were better. But I mean, they 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 had these big plush seats, and their suspension was different. Because I'm I'm jumping around, but I was friendly with David Bailey, and when David Bailey went to Europe one of the times, he came back, and I was talking to him, and he goes, you know, I said, how was it? You know, he went to the Ferrari factory. You guys probably heard of. He's going to order a car before his injury, and I thought, man, this guy's got the world by the balls. And he was telling me that I said, what was it like over there with those guys? He goes, you know, and he was on the RC500s, the water-cooled ones, opposed to Glover's air, air hammer thing that, that we worked on. And our bikes were good. But Bailey says to me, he goes, you know what? I never knew our bikes went so fast. Because in the States, on the national tracks, they, we never got the 500s into top gear, per se. When he went to Europe, he's like, dude, yeah, I would... those tracks. Yeah, he's like, I was scared at first because... I'm going down a hill and up and around the bend at some of the places that Grant's probably been to. And he's like, I had to grab another gear that I never grabbed before. Seriously. Mm. I had the same issue was riding at a speed that you weren't used to. Yeah. I remember like Fox Hills in England. I didn't qualify my first year there. And I realized just it, I was just tentative on every yeah. hill everywhere. And those guys were just barrel through everything. Yeah. And it's scary speed when you haven't done that. Like the year O'Mara with Dave Thorpe. It was the reverse of that because Johnny was on a 125. He was at the top of his game. He he rode that thing the way he could because the track allowed him to, and he yarded those guys. Mm -hmm. on, what on a, what on year was that? 
God. Was he on the Mugen? Honda no, no, it was a factory Honda. You're talking about Majora? Yeah. Yeah, 86. 86. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know. Um, yeah, that track was tight, relatively speaking, for GPs, yeah, right? Yeah, so the 500 maybe for the 500, yeah. but, but w he was able to shine yeah. beyond what we would call shining. You know, he made them look kind of silly. But even when we won the donations, we were there. Mike and I were walking around the track. I was a little up, you know, I felt like a, a white kid in a black school or vice versa. I know that's not good to say right now. Sorry. But, but we were walking around the Euro track because we were, we were in What Amps year was this? Uh, shit, 78 maybe, 79. Oh, Mike was on, okay. We, we were there for the Amsterdam Supercross. First ever Supercross in Europe in the Velodrome, Woolsink, and mm -hmm. a partner promoted it. And all the top Euros were there. You could name them. Again, everybody on my wall. And they were Wilsink was begging Mike to do all the obstacles to show, to show those guys how to do it. You know, we ended up winning, and and then days later we're at the Donations when we won the first year with Hanny Hansen and 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 uh, um, you know Laporte and those guys. You were just there watching, or yeah, we were just there watching. Okay, had like VIP treatment, but we were walking around the track and we felt like oddballs because we're clapping for the Americans. Everybody was just, who are these guys? The B team guys, but. And Lummel, as he knows, Lummel's just, we don't even have a track here like no, Lummel. Like, no. we, we, we had not that, some. Not that I know of. No, but we had some tracks in Florida in my day that the guys, the national guys would race outdoors. And Southwick used to be brutal, but it's not as brutal as it is anymore. Good, just years. But, but we had some sand tracks in Florida, but Lummel's sand is like. Beach sand. It's and, beach sand. And there, I mean, were, bottomless. there were three and, yeah, digit. And it has no base. There were three digit guys there you never heard of that, that were. That were bullet fast. But O'Mara and Hansen, they just, everybody, you know, our team was really young, had nothing to lose. They were written off as losing. And, and they just rose to the occasion and wrote it exceptionally well. But, but, but uh, and that's when we were kind of still dominating them, which I think Supercross made us like that. Because uh, Grant knows the Euros had that mentality. That if they weren't really in the points, they would just kind of go slow and maybe even pull in, mm. you know, the top guys because it, it had to matter. And if it didn't matter, they would just kind of give up. Um, and sure, it flipped. I think I think they they get us now outdoors because all they do is outdoors. You know, if we had a Supercross MX Donations, we'd kill them. Yeah. yeah. But but it's just a different. It's just different. I think yeah. they've also improved a lot. Like when I raced there, I remember I could make a lot of time up on jumps and staying low and yeah. stuff. Now, if you watch the GPS, they're all really good at staying low and and and, and they're fast everywhere. They they yeah. always had good corner speed, um, but I think they lacked in some of that. Like you said, that Supercross type. Yeah. Back settings, the more technical, the more they may have struggled a little bit, but that's changed as yeah. well. I think their technique just lagged behind. Because if you watch, they were very stiff, yeah. elbows down for the longest time. And then now, if you watch a GP and then watch a U.S. race, you can't, you can't tell. tell but see what they did? They used our, they used our ammo. Again, you know, they, they watched... They watch movies and videos and videos and movies. And while we were, while we were busy racing... They they were busy learning and, and then they're working on it. Yeah. yeah, their generations, their generations started scrubbing and they, they emulated yeah. Stewart and mm -hmm. Langston and Reed and all these guys. They 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 really embraced it because it was out there in a big way, and then uh, 
you know, again, our guys are thrown into the outdoors. It's not an excuse. Reality, they we're thrown into the outdoors so quick and so fast. And that's meanwhile, they've got half a year on us yeah. in the same conditions. You, you can't expect to be as good as somebody when they do it all year long and yeah. you do it for half a year. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Chewing bubble gum, doing jumping jacks. You know plus, what I mean? It, you can't be as plus good I as somebody tell else you, who does it more. Doing that event. I've done it a couple times. Doing that event is a huge expense for the U.S. side. It's a huge undertaking, huge expense. and It's an inconvenience. Yeah, and for the riders, you know, our season, 17, you know, we... we yeah. 30 like, races. Like you guys are on the media side. So you guys, I'm sure, have talked here a bunch uh, about, uh, you know, the Dungies, Villa Potos. They, they're, they're, you know, Reed is an anomaly going so long. When when you see a Dungey or a Villapoto and whoever's next just calling it quits after at twenty six yeah where, where, whereas Reed and Wyndham went a lot longer yeah you know it's it's the, the poor guys are getting burned out and you guys know that just the training and the lifestyle and 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 some of these guys have dogs they barely know because they're they're just they're just training and working so hard so it's different. Uh, it's just different, yep. you know. It's more professional. It, it gets it gets gnarlier every year, even from that aspect, you know. Okay, so let's go yep. back. Yeah, nineteen eighty. Take me through that championship season. What was that like? Was Mike was, expected to win? Like, was he a? He was a favorite. That was the year Hannah was hurt. You know, so it, I guess I guess people. I've always said, you know, you got to be there at the end. You got to be in it to win it. Yeah, and unfortunately, Bob How's had that happen. His uh, broken leg. Yeah, and and. Uh, but he still he still was competitive the year after trying to support that plate as you know trying to keep the plate is almost harder than getting it but but no it it, it was good I don't want to say it was a dream season because I worked my ass off the I've always said the Yamahas were never we were never the best bike like being a pro mechanic is probably like it is now. well I don't know what it's like now really it's different I we used to go to certain tracks. And I could tell if it was a Honda track or a Yamaha track. Because the Yamahas, the Yamahas and like Suzuki's had great suspension where the Hondas and the Cowies had the horsepower. So you could go to a Supercross and if it was hard packed, I'd know that they would suffer and we'd do good. But I always used to say the Hannas and Glovers, uh, and even Glover on that, on that 490. Our 490s were great. And, and... I took great pride in those bikes because they were they were bitching. I even had a bike that I you know we always have that thing we sold when I got married. Uh -huh. I had a I had a 490 I built and I would hole shot every year at Mammoth and that was my win, right? Because mm -hmm. Mammoth would kick my ass. But but the hole shot was good. But I sold it because I got married. I needed the money. But but we had good 490s. A lot of good guys rode them. Tim Losey, Warren Reed, even Glover was going to ride the production bikes that we had built. And the Japanese kind of flipped out at that. Because the, our production bikes were kind of better than the OW in a sense. But Glover was, uh, I've said this, you know, uh, he, he, he's one of the greatest of all time too. Because he, he, he didn't, you know, the let Brock buy thing and a lot of that stuff kind of tainted him. Uh, which was maybe part of, part of the Yamaha sales and marketing. But, but when Brock was chasing Bailey all those years on that RC500, it's just like Martin now against Ferrandis. It's even worse. You know, it was I, I guarantee you, if we were to bump into Martin somewhere in town now after today, he's riding that Yamaha, he's probably going, man, if I had that with red paint on it, it'd be a different story. Yeah. Because even the tracks that weren't elevation, even the last one, you could see he was, he, it was almost like he was just a sprocket away, and, and he's wringing the thing's neck, and, and, and Ferrandis, they're still giving it 300%, but there's no way Ferrandis was over the meter the way he was. No. No way. He was, uh, 
Martin was always stretching his throttle cable beyond. Yeah. Beyond. You could see it. You know? Luckily, he's not a big guy. Otherwise, it would have made it even worse. Yeah, yeah. But you could he just see it, much. you know. And, and he'd rail some of these corners. So I think, I, I think in our day, I always used to say that the Yamaha riders of the day, I think, wanted to win more than the other guys. Like when Hannah used to have those epic battles with Howerton, and Howerton was a great rider, but the Suzuki's were a phenomenal bike. I, they're hands down better than the Yamahas. And, and, and I think our best bike year in and year out, was usually the 125. Mm -hmm. In fact, one year they tried to make, and all the riders said that, so one year they, they sent over some special chassis that were 125-ish, with so the 250 and 500 motor would fit in them, because that's just the thinking. You know, not everybody had laptops and data. And yeah. Your data was just a beer with the other guy, and so, <laughs> uh, or the engineers, and, and but even engineering was clipboard stuff, and slide rules, you know, it's different, so... Uh, no, but none of it worked, yeah. you know, but, but, uh, but it was an interesting time because everybody was breaking frames and everybody was developing suspension and everybody was, every week you'd have a different linkage or some garbage going on and it was, it was insane, really, but it was a magical... That was the era when there was so much... It was a magical time. I, I'd trade it for nothing. You know what's funny is they, they actually do that in reverse now. Like, they'll develop a frame that works for the 450s, and then the next year, the 250 gets the same frame. <coughs> Have you noticed that? Because it's way easier to make a lighter bike with less horsepower handle. But, I mean, I mean, I mean all the companies have their... their their what, what do they call it? Their their production mannerisms, where it's a what is it? A three-year plan or a five-year plan? You know, because tooling and all that's it's big bucks. I'm amazed they do what they do because the bikes are just so good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, well, it's going to be hard to make something head and shoulders above anyone else right now. Yeah. I think, like you said, they're all close. It's going to be minuscule changes here and there every year. Yeah. The only thing I think. I don't want to sound like some sales and marketing guy, but I think I think the modernisms of the bike, and he probably sees it as a dealer. They're so good and so expensive that 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 again, not every bike goes to the race course. So I think I think with outside influences like electronics and things for the youth, you know, like Harley Davidson's having that now. How do we attract new people? It's like a lot of the bikes are so technical and so scary. It's like why don't they just get back? I understand the two strokes with emissions and stuff, but they could do things that make it fun and more affordable. I, look, I like all the high tech stuff and and all that. I think it's cool, but but uh, but I also think they're hurting themselves because yeah, you know you grenade a four stroke one time, and see the difference of four strokes. You can't pull in the clutch anymore and just roll to the side of the track. Even off in in your day, if you missed a triple and you heard the gearbox or the crank go, you could still kind of pull in the clutch. Now. These things have a hiccup, and you're kind of going to the hospital, you know. And and I got to tell you, when I went from two-stroke oriented teams to four-stroke oriented teams, like I was on the first team when Mitch went from two-stroke to four-stroke. I was there, and I never I, into you know down here in this mecca because I don't live here. I met all the damn doctors. I knew where all the ERs were. I mean, overnight, I was in your guys' neighborhood. And, and, and now I'm telling other people where the ER is or who to go yeah. see because... Throw uh, my name out. You'll get, a, you'll get in quicker. <laughs> yeah. You'll jump the line. No, I mean, it was, it, it was, it was unbelievable, especially in the lights class, you know, because most of those guys were, they're young and they don't listen. And Mitch, Mitch even in the beginning, uh, laminated, we had pap papers laminated with the dyno charts and, and we had the two-stroke sign-off and a four-stroke sign-off to show the guys 
like Sorby and some of those guys that were just stretching the throttle cable. When you do that on a four-stroke, you're hurting yourself, mm. you know. And and so we, you had to educate these guys how to ride because they weren't coming up from 80s and starting fresh. These guys were already on top 125 guys. So when 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 it was still like, well, you could ride this, you could ride this. They didn't. There was a big disconnect, you know. Yeah. They, they would ride the four-stroke like the two-stroke, which was a problem. And mm-hmm. then they'd, they'd suck a valve or something and or break a valve spring and you'd go to the hospital. Also, the beginning uh, four-strokes were, you could blow them up. Yeah. Like now they're, guys try and no, blow them up after the national. They sit and then 20 minutes later, they're still going. Yeah, that was like, blows geez. me away. No, when I was at YOT, we had a big meeting and the Yamaha brass told me, Dave, your guys cannot go through the whoops in this gear. They got to be in this gear. You got to tell them because it, they'll have problems, right? And and because everybody had to catch up. Mitch was the first guy. You know, Mitch would just make a phone call to England and spend the money to get his own gearboxes and stuff. You remember? It was he actually had his his gearboxes made in South Africa. I know the guy that. Did oh, okay. Them. But he would. He they was, were they were made in England for the longest time. That, when I rode one twenty five, he had them. Yeah, made and so he had the same guy. And I was in. I was involved in all that from the outside. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't. The technical guy, but I was aware of what we were getting, and, and uh, so so he yeah he made all the phone calls to the to the F one guys that did the two strokes, but it was a big catch up. It was Cosworth, I think he yeah. used for quite a while. Yeah, but it was mm. it was unbelievable. And even Cosworth, when they got in and started making some of their own stuff, it grenaded because it just wasn't it, it wasn't it wasn't good enough, you yeah. know. But but so the four stroke stuff. I remember talking to a Kawasaki head guy, Bruce Sternstrom, pretty knowledgeable guy, been around a long time. And he goes, no, Dave, you're thinking about this all wrong. And I said, look, more families are leaving the sport than coming into the sport. But he looked at it from the company standpoint, that if you bought a 250F and you grenaded it, you know, that's, wow, that's thousands of dollars to the parts counter at Langston Motorsports. But at the end of the day, Little Jimmy now has a compound fracture. He never would have saw on a two-stroke. Yeah. When my kid was racing 80s, the CR85 was a very fast bike. And I, and I said, look, they got a bad gearbox, Junior. I didn't make it. So if that thing ever clunks, I don't care if you're in the air or going up or down a hill. Just pull the clutch in and roll to the side. And we were at a legal practice track, as the story goes, near my house. And all of a sudden, it got really quiet. I go run into the back. And there's a big, long downhill. It was like a pro-level track I put my kid on. But he's sitting at the bottom of the hill. It's all dusty because he skidded down. And I, I, I didn't know if he was alive or dead. I get over there, and he's sitting there. He's had his goggles off, a smile on his face. He goes, it clunked, Dad. I came right off the top, and she just freaking made a big clunk. He pulled the clutch in, and he rolled down this downhill. And I thought, wow, you know, if, if it would have caught, oh. he, he would have been in the hospital. So... And you can't do that on the modern yeah. stuff. You just can't. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big believer. The two things that we need to f- to focus on to bring people back into this sport that stay psych, that little yeah, bike. Yeah, I think that's the best freaking thing that it's, to get yeah, new kids started. We've sold a lot of those. Yeah, and we've got to have 125 racing again. You at, know, at an amateur and local level, that's yeah. got to become popular yeah. again. Because if you if you're like, uh, well, if you're a young kid, you start on that stay sick, yeah. and if you're teenager or whatever and you go i want to try this what could i get get a 125 even if it's not a what's this new bike uh that yamaha it's basically yamaha but it's an italian machine Uh, i've seen that yeah 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 yeah. electric start i think yeah it it comes with a couple but but something like that you know what i mean something affordable uh a 125 that if you screw up and didn't put the filter in right and you blow it up 
you're back in business for well, a couple Well, even if you get off an 85, like if he sells a family 50, 65, it, it, depending on the, 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 the puberty ratio of that yeah. family, that kid may not be ready for a 250F. So mm. why, you know, so yeah. get a 125 KTM or maybe you get a, but but then even then there's there's two hundreds and my, some of my buddies ride three hundred two strokes. So I think I like all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like like most most of my pals that have four fifties, they never get them out of third no. gear. You know, there's only a few guys on the planet that can really ride them. Really em. ride them, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, when I was at Harley, I, I know we're jumping around again, but I'd be in these big meetings with thirty guys and. and and nobody would really like what I had to say because I was just talking from experience, not from some slide rule. And they they bought a couple Hondas and ran them to failure, sent them to some company in England called Lotus, and they sent back a data book, like three phone books thick, on running a Honda to failure. And I said, look, most of my vet buddies that ride Hondas, they're getting 120 and 140 hours out of these things. I don't know how you guys ran that Honda to failure, but... Yeah, maybe you're trying to suck the Titanic up with that engine, but 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 you guys are for the normal guy. You know that's an extreme. Um, most of the modern bikes are going a ton of hours. You know, as long as you do the just change the, the air filter yeah, yeah. and the oil, yeah. they'll go yeah, forever. Yeah, they go forever. You know, and again, if your kids like, I tell all the dads, first thing you got to do outside of putting gas in is put an hour meter on that thing, especially on a 250. Because you're always going to lose track. Yeah, because an hour meter. On a two-stroke. Well, you know, you know, these fancy Yamahas now come with their little, where you have the app. No, so that's, that's funny, yeah. Cause so it can give you all the information, how many hours you've got, yeah. where you were. No, my buddy my buddy runs Twisted, you know, Jamie yeah. Ellis. And uh, I love that guy. But anyway, so I call him the other day, and he's like the four-stroke guy. I'm not. So I call him for a lot of stuff, and I go, dude, I need, I need two of your hour meters. Send them up to put on my son's bike and your buddy's bike. And he goes, I'm not going to send them to you. I'm, Pardon me? He goes, no, it's, it, once, once you sync the bike with your phone, like our specialized bicycles, it'll keep track. You oh, still want to put one on there just for visual? I'll send you one, but you really don't need one. I had no idea the Yamaha had that, so I'm excited. I think there's a lot of people that don't know. It's amazing. It, it gives well, they had you, it in the 450. Now they go on the 250. Yeah, it gives you service intervals. It gives you... Yeah, and I heard there's like, a, there's like a Travis Preston map, number three, I think. And my one buddy that used to be a, a local pro at Glover... He's got size 13 feet. He's six one. He's a former vet, uh, a pro, but he, now he's vet pro speed. And he goes, dude, I put it in the the TP3 map. I haven't changed the gearing. Ride the whole bike in third gear. It's it's just yeah. phenomenally fun. So so I'm looking forward to that because hopefully it's what I call stupid simple. You know, yeah. it's, um, even though I I'm a former pro mechanic, I don't like you know going through everything uh, the bikes are so reliable you know you change yeah. the tires and filters and i i do that for my son because it's fun for me but but uh but outside of that we're off track again <laughs> i kind of do that a lot so if we ride bicycles together we are going to stay on the trail i'm not going to go veering uh, I, off. I don't trust you at this point <laughs> go okay. off the cliff so that 1980 season yeah tell me was there any at any point where you guys were felt like you might not win or like you know mark barnett was a problem yeah. Because he was just a bulldog. Did you see the... Speaking of that, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Wardy posted a picture on his Instagram page the other day of uh, Barnett and his bars yeah. bent down to here. Yeah. Open, you know, got the open face helmet, which is a Jofa mask, and he, he's got the throttle down here sideways, just twisted. But even, even you know, a lot of people, like Grant re reference, you look at Bailey and O'Mara, they set the bar with Donnie Hansen with training, but Barnett 
even even outside of Hannah, I think Barnett took a play from the Bob Hannah book. He went down to his grandma's in, in Alabama, as he says, and 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 I think Ricky probably took from that playbook too because he was the second coming of him. But Barnett was was brutal. He'd wear out bikes and and. He was tough. We broke our frame. There's a there's a famous race on YouTube, I think it is now, at Kansas City. We were change, chasing Barnett that night. We ended up breaking our frame in the race. And when Mike came in after Tech, and, you know, Mike was saying, man, the bike was vibrating terribly. I'm thinking mm -hmm. something came loose. You know, I was mad at myself like a motor mount. But just the way the pipe was, you couldn't see it. But uh, our frame broke because mm. those guys were, in those days, they were, Barney was pushing him over jumping and over, you know, and it was gnarly. And I, I they didn't have nice what down did, downside <laughs> landings. It was usually onto flat. Yeah. How much did Mike weigh? I mean, he was six. That, however, but the was interesting he, thing about Mike was he was very smooth. Rides a lot like Lachine rides a lot like him. Tall guys, they kind of move their head. You know, yeah. I don't know if they're trying to get it under something, but too tall had a really good style. Yeah, for he was. A tall guy. He, he was very smooth. The thing about Mike, it was a little tough as a mechanic. Was, um. Like, say if Grant and him were the same weight, say, say 180 pounds, but then he's his height, but then being his height, certain times on the track, he would load the rear suspension like a lever. Right. So sometimes, sometimes the suspension guys working with me, we'd be a little different than the other guys, just for that, because most, most of the riders were what I would call normal. Mike was above six feet, so... Sure, he had that advantage in the whoops, but then he'd throw it forward going into a corner. So, a lot of times, I was always in my in my box van. I would all I, in those days preload spacers. I, I had I had I had two and a half millimeter fours. I, I had more increments of, of of preload spacers and things like that to compensate Mike than the other guys would, mm. because the other guys were what I would call more normal and compact. Um, yeah, he can get further back off the back. And, but then when he got way forward, yeah. so it, it was really... Um, but he, amazingly, uh, fork spring and suspension-wise, shock spring, we were kind of okay. But I would have to adjust things just like the preload and things beyond what most of you guys would have just to compensate for that. Um, yeah. But you got used to it because you'd get to know the guy. you know. But he was easy to work for, very smooth, wasn't hard on parts. I think the hardest part he was hard on was his knees and the rear fenders. In those days, because mm -hmm. the rear fenders now, the engineering—you know—they put ribs in them, and 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 he—he uh, he would tend to bend the back down of the frame, so I would always have to beef it up, and just the the, the fenders themselves. Yeah. Um, but even back then, the frames—you could probably just take them and bend them with your hand. Huh? They were—they—they they were different. <laughs> no, they were different. Yeah. You know, um, the engineering of the bikes wasn't what it is now. So. Yeah. And you just get a cheat bar. And go, yeah, we, we didn't have subframes or anything, yeah. you know, but. But uh, it was interesting because even on these modern teams, like I, I, I remember walking into Pro Circuit, you know, most of these guys didn't have tin snips in their toolbox. They, they barely had a rivet gun. You know, they, 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 in my generation, you weren't afraid to drill a hole or weld something or you had to do it yourself a lot, you yeah. know, and, and, and uh, not that we're better or worse than them. I mean, the new guys do things that I... I'm not capable yeah. of. It's just I mean, different. It's yeah, it's changed. just different. I respect yeah. everybody. I mean, I've worked w recently even at 2-2 with some of the best, you know, and I, I liked working with Goose because Goose is kind of a throwback like me, <laughs> but then you work with Oscar. But but Oscar did a lot of uh, European stuff on two strokes. Lars was probably the youngest one, and and uh, 
but 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 he was I, I learned a lot from him too you know so I I didn't really fault the generations I just noticed things you know they take I'd be out in the field testing and I'd grab my tea handles and they got Makitas hmm. I'm like what the hell is this you know <laughs> beep, 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 you know fenders off in three seconds and I'm sitting there with a tea handle so e even in my garage now I have Makitas you know you just learn sure it just learn the trick smarter not harder yeah you know so. What was the what was it like winning? Where did you guys wrap up the title? Anyway? Winning's always good because you guys have won, and uh, winning, winning to me is like, like ice cream or good sex or good anything. Winning is just bitching, you know. Winning, winning carries you the whole night. I remember even with Reed, we'd win races, and and you'd walk into the Circle Bar in Vegas, and I felt like I could hit any guy, knock him out, or grab <laughs> any chick, even though my wife was there. You just you just because you walk in there with that pit shirt, and I thought. You just kind of think everybody knows you, and most don't. Yeah. Most are hammered anyway. But 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 it's just a winning. Yeah, winning's what made me get on the airplane because I was it's, fortunate it's, to be with guys that could win. It's like there's three things: sex, winning, and pizza. <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing yeah. as bad. Any, yeah, any yeah. Of those. <laughs> they're all good. No, but I you know, I feel for some of these guys that get lost, like like say Barsha over there, because you know he's got it. You see it, but. What's the difference between him and, or like Cooper Webb was lost, and yeah. all of a sudden it clicked. So, and, and at least for me, I've been around so many greats, even if you were in the next color truck, I was still around you enough that I'd see you in the elevator or something. She got to know all these guys directly or indirectly, so it was, it was always cool in every generation. Like referring back to the Langston Hughes thing, like Hughes said something to me when he was training Metcalf. Hughes said this that, that I'll remember it till I'm six feet under. He said, Davo, some guys are good practicers and some guys are good racers. And and that kind of fit for a while with, with some guys I was with. And then and, and then he was Mr. Finesse, very fast, very strong, never showed weakness. And here's Hughes murdering every turn. It's like Rhino, if you would slow down a few RPMs, you'd win some more races. Right? Mm -hmm. He's blowing out corners. And but Rhino was always fast at practice. Yeah. I remember most of the times we tested, I was slower than him. Yeah. But you were kind of like Reed, where when I worked for Reed, I'd be walking up the tunnel at, 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 at Dodger Stadium. I remember I'm floundering, trying to remember where our truck is. And these reporters come up, and they're like, what do you think of this? You know, Chad's only eighth in practice. And I, doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. He's got that dead eye look, and he'll he'll get you. When it's game it time, it's game time. Yeah, yeah. he he never he, he didn't win practice. Whereas at pro circuit, Mitch wanted Mitch wanted to see you on the charts, you know. But but because he had his own philosophy, and you can't argue with his door, right? I mean that 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 damn door. Everybody wants to <laughs> emulate his door, you know. I mean that's a hell <laughs> that, of a door. That damn door. Yeah, it's a hell of a door. It's, it's true. It, even as a, when I was there working for him. I got to tell you, when I, when I went to work for him, he hired me straight up because he said, Larry, because he, he watched me, and we kind of butted heads years earlier for different things. I don't even remember what. And I, and I loved it. Well, the there guy. was some tension between KTM well, and Pro Circuit. No, but even when I had a retail business even years ago, uh, and I didn't even have a business card yet. But, but, but that's water under the bridge. We're all young and dumb. But, but getting older, I've got nothing but respect for the guy. You know, and you hear stories, well, if Mitch could stand up, there'll be a line out the door to knock him on his ass. And that may be true, because he's <laughs> tough. 
He's tough. <laughs> well, look in the McGrath book. He, uh, McGrath says he made him cry. But 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 I gotta hand it to the guy because no, you you guys rode for him, and he he. I would hire a mechanic in a heartbeat if he had that on the resume. And as much as I thought I knew, going into Mitch, I was better when I came out of there because it's it's it's. It's a gnarly place. When, when, you know, everybody likes the word racing. They put it on everything. And, but Mitch is, Mitch is the quintessential race shop. Yeah. It's like, that guy, that, guy, that guy wants to win. I think the only guy that wants to win more than him is probably me. But, but, and we were kind of the same that way. But he, the thing I admire about him, like Grant said, if, he, if Grant walked in there, called him on the phone and said, this is affecting me, Mitch would just open his wallet and do it or find a way to do it. But then, but then you just took your excuse away why you weren't doing well. <laughs> yeah. So you better, you better yeah. step up and do well. But yeah, and, and and look, a lot of guys couldn't handle his system. Yeah. Well, but a lot of guys can't handle Alden Baker's system. Yeah. Because so, at some point it's too much. You know, not everybody can do that. But, but, uh, and when I was there, there, I'm not going to lie. There were times it was kind of suffocating. You know. Yeah. Um. But but, you know. I'm not going to, he's gnarly, everybody that's ridden there, but, but, but then I'd see other things where he's really loyal to people and this and that. So it, it kind of goes full circle and he could, he'll get the best out of you. If there's the best of you in you, yeah. he'll get it out. Yeah. Cause I don't think anybody else will. He'll get it out. Yeah. But let me ask you this. I feel like those seasons, well, kind of through your whole career, there's been some pretty incredible technological advancements. Yeah. What, what year would you say was the kind of the biggest changes i think i think when all the bikes started going from from air cooling to water cooling and then and then uh suspension suspension was huge and getting back to honda again they were just showing up with stuff like they must have had a 7-eleven for a machine shop because they were just showing up with crazy stuff all the time uh, and everybody was trying to figure it out with their chassis so i so i think i think uh water cooling suspension and then brakes. You know, brakes, we all had yeah. we all had disc brakes or drum brakes rather. And then, you know, Yamaha with the front. You know, uh, Honda they added it in the front. They wouldn't have it in the rear. And then slowly they crept into it. You know, and 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 uh, it seems it seems like the older bikes kind of remind me a little bit of the older cars. People were able to figure out how to make them go faster first. Yeah. Then it was like, oh, they handle like shit. So then it was like, all right, we got to get this thing to handle. And then the suspension started catching up to the performance yeah, of, the, yeah, of the motor. Yeah. And then it seemed like the last thing was like, oh, yeah, shit, now we're going pretty fast. We've got to stop this <laughs> motherfucker. Now we got to get some real brakes. Because I've ridden some of those old bikes. And, uh, you know, like I a Mako 490 right. and, you know, a few of those bikes from that generation, say late 70s, early 80s. And sometimes I was pleasantly surprised at the horsepower yeah, yeah. going you know what it's not as bad as i thought yeah, it'd be yeah. it's actually pretty decent the suspension was usually okay maybe not quite yeah. what you're used to and then you couldn't stop the thing yeah and yeah. i'm like no wonder those guys had good corner <laughs> yeah. speed you, you, you had no, to learn to like just lean it over my buddies in the mountain bike suspension business the dvo guys he competes with rock shock and all them they're up near me and uh, what grant was saying in my day the factory bikes had like neural 36 and 38 forks 38s hmm. mountain mountain bikes now yeah. the downhill mountain bikes have freaking 38 forks yeah uh, you know and then i was in the there when they went from from 38 to 41 and 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 then when you guys were there then when when they went when i was at kajiva we we were throwing the wp upside downs and mike healy hated them he liked 
the Marzocchi regulars, and they were just like a steering wheel. They flexed so much. So it was almost like the pinch bolts were loose. But And even Bailey, when he got on the factory Honda, you, it was pretty pretty widely known in the pits. He he held out for the conventional Showa's opposed to the works upside-down Showa's. So it was that whole transition, you know, and 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 even when remember when Wyndham was on the four stroke and 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 Ricky was still on the, you know oh three yeah it was like they both shined in their own areas you know and I was always the guy saying man but, you can't mix that, them that was another time where you could say that was a four stroke track that was a two stroke yeah, track because yeah. every time you went to a four stroke track yeah. Wyndham won yeah yeah and then which was usually where it was hard and slick yeah, yeah. Unadilla Washu Unadilla Washu yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> all right eighty five you went to Factory Cowie why the change Factory Cowie what was the, what were you doing there Yamaha Yamaha got really political for me. Basically, I was promised things that didn't come to fruition. Sat down with my father and was telling him these things. Uh, I mean, I was promised some riders I never got. And there were things probably said about me that weren't true. You know, and it's the same today. People talk more about people. You know, it was the late 70s. So I remember there was a mother of a prominent up-and-coming rider saying that, you know, certain guys are doing drugs or certain guys. You know, when you drive the box vans around... How do you see the sun come up three three days in a row and still get there? So people said what they said, and and all I'm going to say about it is it was the 70s. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all I'm going to say about it. So I'm not here to rat anybody out, but but you could pretty much spin the dial in any direction, and it was the 70s. So that may have hurt me, and some of the people making the decisions, they were probably doing what I was doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, and that goes on in every generation, but... Um, I should have been so. So maybe some of my my manner, maybe some of my habits hurt me that I wasn't. You know, you know who knows if you got to take everybody talks behind your back. So, and 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 that's that's been a thing. But I've always been good at what I do. And and uh, if I'm conceited about anything, it's just that I'm good at what I do and I I do what I say I'm going to do. If you hire me to do a job, I'm gonna I'll be there even if the place is on fire. You, you may be sleeping or out on a date. I had a, I had an on again off again girlfriend that show you how dedicated I am. I was supposed to go on a date with her when I was working for Bell, and I blew it off because we had a test coming or a race coming or something. So I called her. You know, no cell phones, but hey, I'm not going out with you, sweetie. So and we were on again off again, but it was pretty pretty steady thing. Might have married the girl. Anyway, she went out uh, with a girlfriend and this rookie cop. She, uh, he was they were all drunk. He ran a stoplight. She was killed. And uh, that night, yeah, and and uh, that tore me up for a long time. I still think about her all the time, even though I'm happily married now. It's just it's just one of those things in your use. It, it was like a freaking movie to me. Wow. This shouldn't be happening to me, but but it did happen. So I, I I always put job first because I love to do it, and and I'm I'm I'm. Uh, there's a tape of me somewhere at YOT screaming at somebody about no I in team. I'm I'm the total team guy, you know. But uh, if I'm in a situation where you can win, I wanna I wanna perform and win, and that's you know like again, it's best yeah. feeling in the world. So, um, but uh, so what were you doing at Cowie? What was your role there? The, the Cowie thing, I I landed there. Barnett O'Mara was there at the time. They brought me in. They didn't really... Roy Turner was a good friend of mine. Wasn't Wardy there, 85? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was really friendly with, with all of them. And uh, they brought me in on a whim because I was available. They needed an in-house testing guy. They didn't have the budget. <coughs> they were in a... Not even at, not even at corporate Cali. They had an independent race shop. 
and I was there as a testing guy because they needed that. Um, and I was available, and, and then Roy was trying to get the budget to keep me full-time, um, and it just didn't work out. So, so, um, but I was there for, for a while with those guys, and I'd, I'd help the mechanics. While the mechanics were prepping the bikes for the test, I was swapping motors and doing whatever. But, you know, just kind of grunt mechanical work. But it was fun. You know, it was still a factory-type job. I, w I was hoping it would turn into a full-time gig, but yeah. they, they, they really didn't have the budget. You know, and there, there was no monster then or no rock right. star, so it, it was all corporate. So, uh, but we parted friends. So you then you started that year and into '86, uh, your own company. Right? Yeah, yeah. What, what was that about? Because I don't remember, I don't remember that. Answer Action Oz performance. I, I was friendly with Eddie Cole. Okay. And and we, I, I in Chatsworth, California. I started a performance thing, and I was going to basically handle all the stuff in his catalog for certain years, and and. That was kind of a short-lived thing because I was going to do ABC and he was going to do ABC. And without slinging a bunch of mud, what, what basically happened to me there, I jumped in with three feet, got the shop, set it up, da-da-da-da-da, kind of waiting for the phone ring. He was supposed to do a lot of sales and marketing. What happened was, and Grant can understand this because he's in business, a lot of his, it, in the time of Answer Products, a lot of their big distributors... Eddie could not have a retail outlet in California. Mm. And technically, that's what I became, even though I, 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 business was sh shitty, because um, you got to have, you know, you got to have the mouth letting everybody know you're there. There's no internet. Like, being in business now yeah. is much easier, because you could just, you know. If, you can get your name out there yeah, if yeah. you want to. But in my day, you had, to, you, you had to suck up to the magazines and this and that. It was, it was, I, I always hated the, the press. Because uh, you always had to have like an insider deal or this. Uh, Jim Hale, late Jim Hale, tried to help me. Hey, I don't think much has changed. The press is still dated. No, no, but you, no, yeah, but you know what I mean. So, yeah. so, so, uh, ba basically, it it the plan we had. Uh, nobody read the fine print, so that kind of died because I couldn't really survive on my own. So, right. um, I obviously, learned a lot. It's one of those things you don't learn in school, but. But uh, yeah, those life lessons. Yeah, unfortunately, then, uh, but I, they can be expensive no, too. No, I got a lot of them. But but uh, so the following year, you went to Kajiva. Yeah, I, I didn't know that K when you told me that. Yeah, I, Kajiva. Was, Kajiva. Grant's probably familiar with. You know, they were killing it in Europe. I was going to say they had some. They, they had some success. In they Europe. were like the KTM. Yeah. Before KTM. Well, it, it was an Italian brand, right? Yep. Italian. Did KTM buy them, or how did they? No, no. no uh, Husqvarna, or no, Hus they they bought Husqvarna. It was the Castiglione brothers, yeah. kind of a, I hate to say it like this, but they, they were like, Castiglione brothers, their, their major company that Grant probably knew, they were like the master lock of Europe, Okay, is how they made most of their money. I, I heard they were also gangsters, hearsay, but at the end I, of the day. I heard some of that stuff. <laughs> they, got, they got the last name for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. At the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the communication I had with whoever was there was always good, but basically what it was. In the U.S., they handled Ducati and Husqvarna at the time. They bought Husqvarna. And Wasn't also MV under that yeah. umbrella? No, no, not then. Okay. But, but uh, it, it was Ducati, and they had some really cool bikes. And we were down there where Ascot Park used to be. And they had a desert presence, and they helped Dan Ashcraft off-road, but it was all on Husqvarna's. Their big, their big bikes, the 250s and 500s, were kind of, eh, but they're... Michele Rinaldi was winning on the Kajiva yeah. in Europe, in the GPs. Well, and I remember Healy. He actually showed up in Arizona at a local race when I was an amateur <coughs> kid on one, and I, 
it was so exotic looking. Oh, no, you know, so, I had never seen so, it. They are cool uh, looking. Yeah. So Charlie Halcom was instrument instrumental of getting me in there. He was leaving. He got me in there. Dick Burleson was my immediate boss, but Dick and Dick was Dick's, Dick's a great guy. Dick wanted you know, we were red, but it was like what I call a dirty red compared to a Honda. Uh-huh. And everything in those days was mainly perception, you know, so it was a dirty red, so Dick wanted to have, you know, fluorescent red hubs and all this crazy shit. And we had an in-house uh, engineer guy, if you call him that, Morielli, nice guy. But he would he would just go crazy with a porting tool and, and, and make Mitch look bad. But I got to tell you, as hard as he was to control or talk to, he made some really fast bikes. We were real competitive. Uh, the deal was it was Dubok, Healy, and A.J. Whiting, and whoever did good in the Golden State would go on the Nationals. It really should have been Dubok. Dubok, I think, hated me for a long time. He may hate me to this day. I got nothing against him. Because they, they accused me of playing favorites with the Whitings, which I was good pals with the whole Whiting clan. But the reason it worked out that way, the Kajiva in those days, Grant will probably remember, they. you could put a, a, a I think, I think I think Dubok was running a Kawasaki clutch and a Yamaha piston, and it it you know it it, it, it it worked, but it angered the Italians. Mm-hmm. They would rather see things break. Our, our silencer had this goofy road race clip on it to keep it together, I remember. like the old Pro Circuit one, right? They they would just wrap duct tape around it, and even though. I had the capabilities to make my own. The Whitings went to Answer Products and showed up with these silencers and flipped out the Italians. Mike George Healy, Mike's dad, wanted to knock me out at, at a race in North Carolina, I think it was. I was buying them Crown Royals, and I'm, I'm like, dude, you know, what's your sideways on? I'm paying for. And, and I know you want to knock me out, but your son has to be leading that race, and that silencer has to fail for them to fix it. Mm. If I just go ahead and fix it, they're going to fire me. I'm not getting fired. But remember, the bed you're sleeping in, they're paying for. Mm-hmm. It, you know, So it was one of those things with the dad. And I know George meant well. But like any company, you got to, you know, you, they want to see it and document it before they'll put a rivet in it or redesign it. So, um, But the Kajivas, in their own right, I think you guys remember with, with Dubok and Healy and Whiting, we had some phenomenal results. If you remember, I called it the Christmas tree gear. To get us noticed, I went to answer products, and I said, we need some gear that just lights people up. Mm-hmm. So I went in the sewing room with Eddie, and I'm looking around with him, and they had that bright red uh, from the Honda pants, but they had this green from Kawasaki's. So I said, the Italian colors, red, white, and green, let's put that on the gear. So if you remember our helmets and our gear was all that red, white, and like a neon green, yeah. and you could find those guys in a dust storm. So it worked. And and for well, that seri- wasn't the most attractive, no. I would say, but definitely no. got definitely got the point no, across. No, it was pretty <laughs> repulsive, actually. But but with the hel- but when they were on the starting line, you could find our yeah, guys, yeah, and yeah. and that because they were lo- you know back then it was predominantly Hondas and stuff, so we were lost. And plus we had a dirty red, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it it with the Falk fenders, those much. Falk European uh-huh. fenders, it didn't pop at all. And and in those days you couldn't just. You, you couldn't just dial Sykra or Service and say, hey, Talon Volan, I need some neon stuff like they do now. Nobody even knew what that was, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was an interesting time. I learned a lot. So Whiting ended up going to the Nationals? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Whiting yeah, and, Whiting and, uh, and Healy. Okay. Yeah. No, Doug was the only one that got clipped. Yeah, and, and, and a lot. <laughs> and no one no, doesn't like you. <laughs> no, no, but a lot of that happened because Paul Feed was his guy. 
uh, doing all the outside stuff. And Paul was a great guy. Uh, I'm still friendly with Paul. Super bright guy. He's an engineer. I mean, his company's still going, so that's a testament to, you know, he's sure. survived the 40 years. But I said, I, I, I told Doug, if you, unless you can lose your entourage, this isn't going to work out for you. You could win all the races, but unless, unless you do it the way the Italians want it done, I'm just here to steer their ship. Yeah. And a lot of this is wrong, but we can't ride it till they see it wrong. That's just, yeah. wherever you go in your career, it's going to be that way. And, and they just kind of looked at me like I was just a nut job. And, and, and that's basically what happened. It wasn't personal at all. Sure. And, and just whiting, whiting was there. And whiting did a few things to get his hand slapped, but they, they quickly got away from that, you know. Yeah. And then how come they didn't, what happened to Kajiva? Why did they, they just stop their effort over here? Uh, something like that. Yeah. They they had a lot of issues and and management and all this stuff and and uh, they had an off road guy here which I won't mention his name but he was like really good in the desert won all the time on a Kajiva uh, couldn't stand the guy because at night he would hop over the fence into our area and take all our shit and we'd show up the next day and a lot of our shit would be gone and the management here in uh, Gardena was more on his side. Like, we got his box van. We had a box van. This diesel Ford, what a piece of shit. But we, we took his box van. and But, but it, was, it was management decisions. So I, I, we weren't very, the motocross guys weren't very well liked there. Mm. Because this guy was their baby and off-road. They even got him into road racing on Ducatis. And he, and he did really well, a talented guy. But I couldn't stand him because he was, like, against me. I, I've had people against me in my career, but I would go to those people and I'd say, I know you hate me, Grant, but I didn't hire myself. Nobody hires themselves. Yeah. So if you, if you hate me, go talk to that guy or that girl and bitch to them. But I'm just, I'm here like you are. Yeah. Y you know? <laughs> well, the thing too, though, that in, in racing, like you talked about, it, you're, I know from being around you that you, you're not just there because it's just a job. You're passionate about it. And when you've got people that are passionate that maybe have different outlooks, that's when you can get that tension or friction. I've had it in teams where I've butt heads with people on the team because <coughs> they took something that I said personally. I'm like, no, we're here to make things better. If I say the rear shock sucks and you're the suspension guy, don't get your feelings hurt. Yeah. Let's fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's work together. Yeah. But sometimes personalities, some people are like, well, you know, he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, you know what? He's a little whiny bitch, so let's call it a day. <laughs> so you were one year at Kajiva. Yep. And then you kind of disappeared, because I, I have from 91 to 94, you started wide open racing. Yep, That's yep. where you and I met. Yep, yep. What did you do in that interim there? I just uh, kicked around odd jobs okay. and, and, and uh, uh, some construction with my buddies who were in the trades, and, and, and my kid was born, so I did a little Mr. Mom for a while, and, and I was able to do that. So... Um, just kind of in and out of things, yeah. kind of odd jobs, but I but I was always sucked back into it, as you see there. Yeah. So, and this yeah. is where I met you. Ninety-one, you started wide open racing, which right. was, if I remember right, seat covers with the gripper, the MXA seat covers, covers, graphics. I, I imported some stuff from Europe that I believed in. Um, Spez pipes from Europe. I had a good That's relationship right. with him. From we used those too. Didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and and. Uh, and the sun is Doma. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Spares oh, is right. the dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah it's a whole, Chip off the old block. Yeah. But he uh, he was a good guy. So I, so I did that for a while with a partner. I, I, I used to do some guy's bikes out Which of my... Which is Spencer, who now works at JGR, right? Right, right, yeah. right. And, and I gave... I, I'm, oh. probably, I'm probably also, also famous for giving more guys a leg up 
than people would do for me. Mm. But I'm just that way. You know, yeah. if we're walking up a hill, I'll give you a sip of my water. I don't give a shit. But, but I've gotten guys into the game more than have helped me. And that's just the way it is. But and you remember those kind of things. Sure. But Spencer's a great guy. Uh, a lot smarter than he knew at the time. And he's brilliant now. Does a lot of CAD. He does a lot of their stuff. And we're still buddies to this day. And even in my career, I've, I've had to fire guys, which is you never want to do. And I fired them for some stupid stuff, you know. But but at some point, you got to be that guy. I remember once I called Mitch to get mentored about firing people. And he goes, man, I hate it too. But they really got to push me before I'll pull the trigger. So I've had some good advice, bad advice. But, but yeah, I, I uh, did my own thing then for a while and and, uh, and then I got sucked back into it. So yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's, see, if I remember right, and this was a long time ago, it was 91, 2, 3. Yeah. But uh, didn't Metzger use that stuff as well? Yeah, I, I, helped a, I helped a lot of guys, up-and-coming guys from that generation. You know, Pingree, Decker, Metzger. I, I made these foot pegs extensions, some yeah. seat and graphics. And I, it's funny. I remember there, were, uh, there was a kid whose dad used to always buy stuff from, from the States, and he had this full NCY YZ80 done up, and, right, and we I did. think I think they had your seat cover because yeah. that was when I heard of it. We did we did some of the early NCY stuff, and because uh, here in the states it was mainly seat racing, mm -hmm. C E E T, yeah. Clive, nice guy, uh, and then there was uh, Terry Good from On the Line Racing brought in Technicell. Technicell, yeah. And I used to buy from Terry, but the Italians were crazy, and then with delivery and stuff, I'd wait forever, and you'd go somewhere else. So so the Dobb family, I was very tight with the Dobb family. So Jamie and Julian hooked me up with the MXA guys in Europe and furthered my deal with, with uh, Piero at Spez Pipes and and uh, went to the Cologne show one year with my partner. But but I had a family uh, buddy I grew up with as a partner, and as, as they say, uh, friends are friends, but, but, you know, sometimes in business it's not good to do. So Yeah. And in any business, you got to pave the way sometimes, as you know. So, and, and we were making sales, don't get me wrong, but sometimes I'd have to, like, if you were with Tom White at White Brothers and you wanted to buy in, in those days, as you know, you had to buy $50,000 in product to get the good guy price. They just did that for me because they liked me. So I had a lot of those deals, but sometimes I was late on paying bills uh, to Jim Hale at, uh, with Renthal or this or that or, or White Brothers just due to some of the things my partner wasn't putting his investment in as 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 said in the contract. Mm. So push came to shove. <coughs> Our family accountant just said, look, you got really got three choices here. You can go beat them up. You can try to get the money out of them or shut down because on, on the books here, you, you lost a lot of momentum trying to be the good guy and it, and it kind of bitch in the ass. If your yeah. friend isn't going to step up right now, it's, it's, it's just not feasible. So even though we were doing well, it, 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 and I was the hood ornament for the place, it just, it, it, it just, it, it just became a loser because of that. Um, and you didn't go beat him up? No. Did you consider it? Oh, I considered a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not in charge of anything like that. I'd, I'd pull a lever with no problem. But, but uh, um, yeah, so it, 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 it just went the way it went. And then, then at one point, even through it, I was, I was threatened with, with, with a lawsuit. And it was just, it was just crazy. And, and, and the guy was like my brother. But we're still friends to this day. Uh, but it's not like it used to be. Sure. And, and, and to this day, he's void of everything. Mm. which I don't get, but, you know, that's in the past. You know, you can't, it's, it's, 
you know, you could, you, they make movies out of this stuff. You yeah. know, I always say with families and this and that. So I guess they can make a movie out of that too. But, but, but so no, no, I moved on, you know. Well, then you disappeared again. Yeah. Uh, 95 yeah. to 04. Well, because after those things, it's almost like an injury. You, you were know, soured, you, yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean, it, it just sucked being me in, in a sense. I'm like, man, what do I got to do here? So, yeah, I would kind of get out of it, be a little lost, do whatever, you know. Um, I remember Roy Turner was trying to help me get in a mountain bike thing. Um, and that was right around the days when a moto guy, you were valued, but then you had to have an engineering degree. So some of my moto buddies that got into it were lucky to get into it when they did. But uh, so I tried that, but didn't work out. And, and uh, But anyway, long story short, you know, it's just went forward from there. Okay, so we're going to pick it back up. We're going to take a quick break. 04, you went back to PC. That's when you were hired as team manager there. We're going to take a quick break, though. We're going to be right back with more Dave Osterman. Stay tuned. I want to introduce you guys to PowerDot, a wireless muscle stim unit that is controlled by an app on your phone. It's incredibly simple. This is something I've used for a little over a year now to help with arm pump and nagging injuries, and I've had amazing results with it. They recently worked with Adam Cianciarello to help rehab his knee after surgery. He had an ACL replaced, and after talking to him, it's something he swears by. He's adamant that this is the one thing that got him back on the bike quicker and got him healthy. So if you have any muscle pain, any nagging injuries, or you want to recover the best way possible, head over to PowerDot.com forward slash Whiskey Throttle for a chance to win a free unit or get 20% off your next purchase. That's PowerDot.com forward slash Whiskey Throttle for 20% off and a chance to win. You can thank me later. See the sunrise. I wake up in the morning feeling so nice. I burn a couple bowls of the alright. I look out to the world and it's all mine. Yeah, it's all mine. I see palm trees and joints, kids smoke palm trees like ointment. My wee breath is fresh cause I keep my appointments. Now I can finally see like I smoke some DMT. What you think we should sound like? What you think we do at night? Cause we the best of this shit. We made a mess of this shit. We wrecked the rest of all the western with the recklessness. If you's a bitch, you might get snatched up like some necklaces This where the rest of us live You, you, you say You say we feel like the West Coast I say we sound like the past You say we feel like the West Coast Hey, welcome back. That was the Troyly Designs timeout. Give us a quick little break there. While we're talking about Troyly Designs, I want to mention all of their new Yamaha gear that is available and out. This is the SC4 helmet that goes along with it. Comes in multiple. Um, uh, the SC4 comes in a carbon, a polyacrylate, or a composite. Uh, just three different styles. Obviously, different prices for each of those. The carbon is the high end. The polyacrylate is much more affordable. Uh, only slightly heavier than the carbon, but same safety features, uh, same safety scores. And they make gear, pants, gloves that go along with this, all Yamaha uh, styled. Very, very cool looking stuff. So check that out if you are a Yamaha rider, part of the Blue Crew. And then as we do on every show, we got some uh, fire department coffee here. This is for you, Dave-O. This is extra strength, so take it easy. You're going to yeah. you know, get out on the mountain bike and yeah. blow some stuff up. But okay. there's a mug and some fire department coffee for you. Thank you. Thank um, you. And if you like it, check out their website. Get yourself signed up. I don't think he needs more energy. Well, you know. I I have coffee every day. If I don't have coffee every day, look out. Yeah. I've tried it because the wife will say, hey, try to be normal. But I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then, then, then I get headaches and stuff, you know. It's try like, to be normal, we yeah. wouldn't recognize you. 
Uh, everybody's a little spun. I've said that for years. For sure. Uh, my least favorite drinking game is to see how long I go without coffee and how I do. Yeah, because nobody just, wins. No, it's a terrible game. No, it's a bad headache. Yep. yep. Yeah. All right, let's jump back into '04. Uh, you came back into the sport. <coughs> Mitch brought you on. He needed a team manager, and uh, you mentioned that you you really learned a lot in that experience. So well, you know, it's funny. Again, Mitch is gnarly. Like I went there to interview, so to speak, and you go into the lobby, and it again, it's impressive because yeah. it's not like Mitch is running the place for somebody else. Yep. I mean. He's a guy, he has a handicap, and he's, he, owns, he owns all that real estate in the corner of the Corona there in the freeway. And you just, you got to be in awe of it. And I happened to, when I got hired, jumping a little ahead, I was there when his mother, Norma, and his brother were orchestrating the building, mm-hmm. you know, expanding. Because yeah. we were in the one building, then we moved. And I was involved in, in just a few little duties. But it was gnarly, you know, Mitch Mitch would just sign off on things, and mainly Jimmy, who's a great guy, and, and the mom handled all that, and Mitch would say yes, no, or maybe, but, but and so I saw that grow, so, so, and being in a performance business and seeing, seeing what he had, it was, you know, I was in his chair, breathing his air, so it, it was a neat experience. I remember when I got the job and I was introduced to the crew, I might have been acquainted with some, but I looked at them as a bunch of pirates, because... Mitch isn't a factory team. He's beyond a factory team. So I walked back there, and everybody was looking at me with, like, I, I didn't know if, if they wanted to slip my throat or what they wanted to do. So Mitch just announced that I'm the new guy, and if they have a problem with me, they got a problem with Mitch. And then he rolled out through the double doors as, <laughs> as soon as he dropped me off, and I'm just standing there with six guys, whatever it was, Dino and all, you know, Brent, and very accomplished guys they all had championships and I was just standing there they didn't know me I really didn't know them so it took I I was the new dog so it took a while you know I wasn't afraid to wipe the toilets down or do that so I think they saw all that maybe I couldn't just start throwing my experience around because they really didn't give a shit about me they had their jobs to do and they, they and they did it well I wasn't really there to teach them anything but but so they had to learn me and I had to learn them it it was different than a factory team um yeah, it was just different. You know, they... they did they, you have any kind of speech prepared, or did you just kind of like... That's you an know, awkward <clears throat> position to be in. It was very awkward. It was like, it was like, you know, you're on a blind date, and the dad opens the door, and he's nine feet tall. He looks like Sasquatch. He's a big <laughs> football player, and you're out to go monkey around with his daughter. That's kind of what I felt like, yeah. you know, and... and uh, um, but, but, but it ended up working out. It, it, it uh, But, you know, and Mitch was tough. He expected certain things out of me that... That maybe he got out of other guys that that uh, maybe I'd let him down in certain, you know, uh, you know he wanted me to be more involved with the dyno and this, you know, he wanted you know Jimmy Perry ported cylinders. I mean, when I got hired there, I was just to you know manage the team under him and you know hotels and testing and all this stuff. So sometimes I was in the office a lot because I needed to be in the office, but he didn't want you know he would rather I was helping with cylinders or or I don't know. So we kind of maybe. We didn't see eye to eye on that. So, so sometimes he would unload on me, which, I, you know, I kind of a few times I was on the other end of that. I wouldn't even have, I wouldn't even have uh, gone off on my dog that way. But that was just the way he was. And and, but he tests your metal. Most people would just say, "F this, I'm out of here." But I stuck it out, and I'm glad I did. We won a championship with Ivan, and it's. I learned a lot there. He's a great. 
you know, all of us have our ups, downs, and sideways. That's all I got to say. But, but, you know, Mitch deserves the accolades he gets. And, and, and uh, you know, there's always the haters out there or people that maybe we're all on the other end of it. So, you know, but again, we, we, we've all slammed a few doors ourselves. So now that I'm older and wiser and out of there, we're still friendly. Um, and uh, so I, I got a lot of respect for him. What, what was something about working there that you didn't expect? Was, what was the kind of the biggest shock for you? It was smothering. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I like, like when we would have a weekend off, I would, you know, maybe you want to go surfing, you want to go snow skiing, maybe you want to chase some chicks. He wanted you down there washing the walls down. You know, it's like there was no, there was no off button for him. Mm. Um, that was one thing that bothered me. There was no off button. And I'm like, I would go to him sometimes and go, hey, you know, the guys really need the weekend off. And he would look at me like I was weak or out of my mind. But all the biggest corporations in the world, sports teams, multi-million dollar companies, everybody has a break room. There's laws against that, actually. I remember when, hey, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember when, Jimmy, no, I remember when Jimmy Perry got hired at Yamaha. We were talking about it in his infancy being there. I said, how do you like it at Yamaha, Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy would go, Ozzy, you know, the, 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 they got breaks, and then they got another break, and then, man, they get another break, and I go looking for the guy, and where's he at? Oh, he's on a break. They got more goddamn breaks than they work, you know. And, but I'm like, welcome to human research. That's, that's yeah. the working world. You know, Mitch, you get in there, you have lunch. That's it. Yeah. You know, but, but, but I don't fault their way of doing things they've been very successful again you got that door I think you know Mitch also changed from that time well I think a Mitch, bit. Mitch is different now with the kids well, and, I was gonna say, and Kristen's been great with, with getting ma that was around the time I think right at the end of where it was about Mitch and racing yep and then he became the family guy and yep. I, I've kind of seen it where even even people that have been in the team for a while they're like Oh, he's gotten a little softer yeah. in his old age. Like, he's kind of mellowed out, and I'm sure they have a break room and some breaks now, but, but yeah. But, you know, you got to define soft, you know. Still hard as a rock, yeah, but he, he's, he's not, softer he's, than he he's was. He's miles from a pillow, but, but you know, he has little kids. They, they, his boys are older now, but, but I, no, I, I agree with Grant. I used to tell everybody, look, he's married now, he's got the boys, and he's seen the ups, downs, and sideways of, of his own family, so. Um, well, also, too, Mitch... Of course, he was in a wheelchair. He's limited. He didn't go surfing yep. or do these other things. His passion was making horsepower and yep. winning. Yep. So to him, other people are like, I'm looking forward to getting home, seeing my family, and yep. kicking back, watching TV. His He would sit there and stare at stuff and think, how can I make it better? Yeah. And then I think because of the way he is, it's like, all right, I've got an idea. Let's do this. And other people are doing that. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. no, yeah, he's in a different situation. So, but, but... <coughs> Again, he's he's a tough sob, and and everybody knows it. And but he's he he really set the bar high, and and he continues to do that uh, with his business and his products and how he does things. And that all those guys there working there, they can go anywhere in this game, even to the four wheel side, because Mitch just has that reputation you know he'll yeah. make a man out of you and and, and, and those people have been like you said they've been tested yeah so you know that those guys are solid I, I mean scott knows i was factory guy when i was still a punk and and i grew up in the factory way of doing things but but man when i got to pro circuit mitch kind of he told me to my face that a lot of the reason he hired me he saw he saw how i was and he was kind of smitten with that i guess 
But then Larry Brooks was throwing me so far under the bus that he couldn't understand from what he saw. It, it was like apples and oranges. So he goes, I just, I just had to give you a go just to see if Larry... You're talking would, about from the KTM yeah, days? Yeah, because when I was at KTM, I was Ron Heben's guy. I bumped into Ron at, at Glen Helen. And Ron took over for Mike Bell when I was there. I didn't like Ron at first. Because Ron was... A, I love Ron. But Ron was the kind of guy... He came into the race shop, and Bill West and I had the radio station. You know, I'm Ozzy. I was the music guy. So Ron comes in there, and fuck, he just changed the radio station. He was the off-road guy under Bill Bell. And Ron was very accomplished with Larry Rossler and just... Ron has a good resume, too, and we're good buddies to this day, but I'm not going to lie. It was a little adversarial, you know, but Mike and I split for reasons that we split, and, and he took over, and he did a good job, you know, but um, so, so I mean, it, 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 Ron brought me in as I bumped into him at Glen Helen. What are you doing now? Blah, blah, blah. And he, hey, come down. I need a coordinator. So I came in there. Then the powers that be at KTM booted Ron out of there which he ne they never should have done. They brought Larry in there. And all I'm going to say I about... Think th I think there was, a f the, the, they, they, there was a lot going on at that could time. Be. And And I think when when McGrath hung up, hung up the boots and Larry was kind of sitting without a job, I think he had somewhat KTM in the ear. And I think it was, hey, I could do a better job sort of, sort of thing. And, and I remember KTM talking to us saying, what, you know, what do we think? And at that time, I had also had kind of butt heads with Heben a couple of times on just, we didn't agree on stuff right. the way with the team. So I could tell KTM were like, what do you think of Heben? And I said, can't say he's yeah. my favorite team manager. Yeah. I like Ron as a person. But uh, they were like, well, Larry Brooks says he's here to make turn this team around and win. And I remember I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. No, and there's always those things. So I got it that I wasn't Larry's guy. I was Ron's guy. And Larry was slowly weeding out all of Ron's guys, and I was probably the last guy, but I did everything. And a few times I got a little mouthy about things that were going on. Cause you? No. But Larry didn't really. La <laughs> now we know he's lying. No, Larry really didn't like guys that would have something Ch to say. Or yeah. challenge him. Yeah, yeah, or challenge him. And, and uh, you know, I respected Larry, but, but basically I was kind of railroaded out of there, and, and that's all I got to say about that. Uh, on another note, if Larry was hitchhiking through the desert, I'd stop. Then I'd fucking burn rubber. So, <laughs> that's all. That's all I got to say about Larry Brooks. I'd make that fucker run. And, For a second, I thought that was going to be a nice little story. I'd pick him up, give him my my no, sip of water, no. like as if we were going up that hill I was talking about. Not that guy. <laughs> no, I, but in the same. See, I'm I'm a weirdo this way. I respect him too because he's run some great teams. He's won a lot of races. You know what I mean? He's had some of the best riders in the world. Uh, he, he's a very accomplished guy. But I, I've also like I said, I'd Larry. still make him run a little. I think I think <laughs> people that know him can understand. Larry's also not the <laughs> easiest person to get along with as well, in my opinion. Larry was motivated by winning, but Larry also had his way of doing things. And I worked with Larry as well. Yeah, yeah. And there were some things I enjoyed, but there were some things that we yeah. just didn't see eye to eye on as well there. But... I could I could almost imagine seeing you in these positions and going, yeah, I, I could see why it didn't probably end too well. Well, you know, when I got hired at 2-2, just to jump ahead, Ellie said to me straight up, there were more people talking smack on you, Davo, than, than saying we should hire you. But 
I told Chad to give you a chance. Ellie's the female version of him. Because <laughs> no, Ellie's gnarly. But 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 Ellie said, Chad, everything they're saying about you, they're saying about Dave. You yeah. guys will probably be good together. Yeah. And and then uh, and and uh, we'll talk about that later. But 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 no, no, you know, in this sport, I mean, Scott's been around. You've been around, everybody talks about everybody, and sometimes you're like we were at Honda. And Shorty's mechanic one day was, I was at the desk, Lars is here, the Brooks team is here. I, I know I'm jumping around, but just to close this out. Uh, Why stop now? Nate, Nate Alexander says to me, Shorty's mechanic, great guy. Yeah. I think he's with the Penrite guys now. But I love this guy. But anyway, <clears throat> it was between songs on the radio. It was pretty quiet. I'm at my desk. And all of a sudden, he goes, hey, you know, Davo, you're not such an asshole. And I'm like, who said that? You know, so he was just working in his area. He said that to me, and I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you know, what does that mean? Oh, well, you you just hear all these things. Now that I'm here working and I see what you do, I don't know why do people say that. And I go, well, maybe I could be tough. You know, I could be tough because again, I just want to win, get the shit done. You know, so, uh, so th that was just his observation. You know, and he he felt compelled to say that. You know, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> and uh, you've you know, remembered that day ever since. I remember a lot of days. This sport's a little bit like high school. It's such a small little family. Oh, it's total freaking high school. <laughs> People are talking crap. Yeah. I mean, if you don't go to the company picnic, man, you're you're out. Yeah. I never went to the company yeah. picnics. If you because if I usually live too far. Well, here's away. the thing: if you don't go, you're the one being talked shit on. And if you're there, you realize who's getting <laughs> shit on. Yeah. While yeah. If yeah. you weren't, there. or if I was there, we'd be talking about that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's maybe one of the best things I've ever heard. I'd stop. But then I'd make him get a little cardio in. <laughs> I'd oh. stop. <laughs> no, Maybe hang out, hang out the middle finger and burn rubber. Yeah, I got a lot of ways to get back. I, 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 I fantasy, you know, these, what's your fantasy? I'd like to have a million dollars, or I'd like to be with three girls in a hotel. I have different fantasies. I'd like one of my fantasies. I'd like to be like a superhero guy, because if I could be Billy Jack for a day, I'd go kick some freaking asses. Yeah. I just lay these people out like they deserve you to be laid out. You got a list like that. Uh, what's his name and Billy Madison? Yeah, I, I've been <laughs> I've been accused <laughs> of keeping. List. A, no, but you know when you grow up in life, you know the people you always bought lunch for, and you know the people you don't. Yeah. yeah. And people say, "Why do you remember that?" Well, because I bought you lunch ten times. And you've always fucking forgot your wallet. How can I forget that? Yeah. It, yeah. You, you just ha it, oh, you just know that. I have a list. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's got a list. Everybody's got a list. Yeah. yeah. I I always think. Especially as politics veer closer and closer to the cliff, we're due for a purge. You ever seen the movie The Purge? No, those kind of movies I don't like. It's just where uh, society gets overcrowded, and as a way of means of population control, there's a 24-hour period of one day called The Purge where all bets are off. You can kill people, whoever you want. I mean, it's a free-for-all. Sounds like you've been watching some dark shit in this time yeah. of thing. Well, listen. Uh, I think we need to get back on at the, the fire station. We get a little, you know, the movies get a little. Hey, you rough. know what I think? Try not waste your time on yeah. people you don't care for. That's true. That's true. I, I've, or I've stock up on ammo and wait for the purge. There's that option too. <laughs> or see all of the above. All right, see all of you. All right, moving on. Oh five, oh six. You were with Yamaha Troy. How did you know? How'd you meet Phil Alderson? Flipper was a, a Phil, unique guy. Phil wasn't the guy. It was. Oh, he was already. He was kind of on his way out. And just to say, I got a lot of respect for him. Brilliant beyond his years with sponsors and starting that whole organization. But as people say, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of finished him off, and that's yeah. tragic. 
even when I, uh, when we moved, my wife and I were going through some of his files after the fact, he was working on sponsorship and future deals that, that rivaled even what you see today. So he was kind of ahead of his time. He just got caught up in all that, and that was tragic. But when I was brought into that, I remember we had a big meeting at Yamaha. Uh, they were all in there, Keith, uh, Jimmy Perry, Guerra, and, 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 and then some, and it's like, when I was walking out of the building I used to be in at Catella there, um, Jimmy puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like, all right, Ozzy, what do you think? What do you, you know?" And I looked at him and I remember I had this kind of, I felt really cold and kind of faint. I said, you know, I don't even know if I want this job because I didn't cause their slide. But Keith and Yamaha Japan, you know, there was so much history with YOT. It was pretty cool. They wanted, they wanted, they had to get it turned around. And, and they wanted to be the, the pro circuit. Like, they, riders, like Grant said earlier, riders wanted to go there. Now the families would avoid it. So they yeah, when, I'm, when I first moved over, Dude. yeah, YOT, when they came, especially with the four-stroke and that, yeah. when Ernie won in 01 yeah. on that bike, even I was like, man, that, that, even the team, like the, yeah. the, the, the look, logo, the everything. image. the Yeah, with the dragon, it was really aggressive. Yeah. And Keith said, we want to get our bling back. You are going to bring the bling back. And I, it scared me because, again, I didn't cause the slide in the gutter. And like I was telling you on the break, I did an interview, and Dean Baker that used to do the motors there, I think he didn't like me for a long time because he thought my interview was too harsh. But it had to be that way. Why? Because he wasn't me, and this was a different YOT. I had, in the first six months, I, had this, I never had to apologize so much in my life for things I didn't even do. Just sponsors and media and this and that. There were so many letdowns. You kind of needed a fresh start. Like, hey, yeah, this is a whole new deal. So I'm the new guy, and I, I just had to pick up where they left off and figure it out. And even when I got to the team, I wasn't well-liked. But again, I, I told my motor guy uh, that was there for a long time. And Frenchie? Did a, was it Frenchie? Yeah, Frenchie. Yeah. He did a good job. You know, his wife was working there. He was in the back. Like, she heard everything I said on the phone. So, it was very incestuous because I couldn't get a... Yeah. It was very hard for me to do anything. Like, like, I was better off talking in my car, you know. Mm. And I'm not saying they were against me, but they were. Because when I got to YOT, he was in charge. You know what I mean? Frenchie. Yeah, and I had to tell him, look, I didn't hire myself. I've had to say that a few times in my career. Hey, look, I didn't hire myself. Go complain to that guy. And then one time, uh, I'll remember this phrase also. French, but, but, if, but if I remember him, I remember he went from being sort of mechanic, just involved, and then it seemed like in a matter of a couple of years, n he was, like you said, running it somewhat. Well, he was like a crew chief. He did a good job, and, and our bikes were good. Even the two-strokes were good. So, uh, but he started drinking his own Kool-Aid. Well, you got to realize, I'm the kind of guy, personally, that... that I respect you before you respect me. I'm just that way. You got a gold star before you're tarnished. You know what I mean? I always put people that way. You got to wear yourself out. So I had nothing but, uh, I don't want to say admiration or praise for him. I knew what he did. I saw their bikes. They were they were in a pretty good spot with the Camaros of the class, I, I thought. Um, and, and we did the best we could. There was one day we had an adversarial thing. I'm sitting about as far away. I'm at my desk. He's sitting in the chair. And he looked at me and, and he said, you're not the boss of me. And I kind of laughed at him. And even to myself. And I said, you know what? 
<laughs> you're so lucky I'm not more in charge here because that door would really be hitting you in the ass. But again, he did do a great job and he's gone on to bigger and better things. But I get it because I, I was brought into, like I fired the truck driver the second week I was there. See ya. He was a French Canadian guy. He, it looked like they kept farm animals upstairs in the semi. <laughs> he was a nice guy, but he was like 6'4". And he told me, I don't clean upstairs, I don't cook, I don't this. So I called the team owner. The team owner was the kind of guy, nice guy, but you'd walk behind him in a hallway and go boo and he'd jump out of his clothes. He took over from Phil. He was somehow partners in the dealer with Phil. But that, that, that guy couldn't run a washing machine, you know, and, and he was my boss. I had like three bosses, four bosses. Mm. I, had, I had Rob Healy at InStyle. I had this guy, Dan, that chased sponsorships. I had Yamaha. I had, I had FMF. I had all these people hawking to me all the time. It was, it was pretty insane. And, and I still kept it together. We did pretty good uh, with what we had. The riders there, I didn't pick them. You know, Who did they have at that time? I'm trying they, to remember. They had Kelly Smith, Danny Smith, and yep, Brock yep. Sellers. All great guys on their own. But when all three of them were in the rent-a-car together, it was like them against me. Hmm. You know, because I didn't hire them. They weren't my guys. I just inherited them. They were all paid way too much money for what, what, for what they showed. And, and I, I just couldn't wait till they were all out of there. No disrespect to them, but they were just milking the career for the big check. Mm-hmm. They were they they should have been done two years ago, and two years earlier rather, and, and uh, that was just my attitude. So I couldn't wait to get some new blood in there. It was stale, and, and Frenchie did a good job, but but uh, and I was instrumental in getting Lawrence in there at the end, and I ended up leaving of my own accord because it got really political, and nobody was honest with me. I was kind of told, well, we we didn't talk to you and sit you down because we you know. You're, you're just not that way. Well, you know, it, you never tried. Hmm. So it just got political. So I bailed on the place. When, when they were kind of bailing on me, I kind of bailed on them first. Usually when you're in a uh, work environment like that, you, can, you, you start sensing things Well, what happened, I'll, I'll tell you straight up. Frenchie quit. Frenchie went somewhere. Don't remember what he, happened to him. I needed a motor guy. So what did I do? What would any of you do? I called frickin' Keith McC- Keith McCarty was the first person I called, even before my wife. I said, hey, who do I call? Who's 1-800-come-to-YOT-motor-guy? Then I called FMF. I called all the big players in the team. Does anybody have a short list of people I should call? Nobody had any, nobody gave me any, anything. They ended up going to DASA. And I like Dasa. Dasa's been in bed with Yamaha for years with quads and stuff. Does a great job, even to this day. But nobody, nobody said call him. Hmm. Instead, I brought in a friend, uh, did a little bit with FMF. But anyway, smart guy. He wasn't a, uh, a, a fix. He was what I call a Band-Aid just yeah, to get us sure. by. Even, even FMF was okay with it. I talked to Donnie Sr. about it. But I guess behind my back, they didn't like what I did. Then while I was going to the left, they were going to the right with DASA. All of a sudden, the box van isn't there. My young mechanics are kind of doing things behind my back. And I, I'm not an idiot, so I put two and two together. Uh, and uh, I just cleaned out my desk, never came back. Mm-hmm. That was it. Because I got that place out of the toilet. That championship that Lawrence won, 
I, I'm proud of them for doing that, but I put all that in motion. And then, like I told you earlier, Jason thought enough of me to thank me when it was all over with, at whatever that ending race was. Um, and uh, I think because he didn't have a ton of allies as well. And I think you oh, were no, that I, guy I, that, I, that had his back. They, they had my, I, I, I mean, McCarty was screaming at me about the Lawrence thing. They but, were pissed but, that you hired him? Yeah, but I was, uh, no disrespect to anybody in that generation, but Grant will get it. I was picking from the ashtray of what was left. There was nobody, uh, when I wanted to have a ride day at Glen Helen, everybody thought I was off my rocker. So we got together and we had a ride day at Glen Helen. We had Jared Brown, a lot of the good hot kids in. Lawrence shows up, got him to go with Sipkovic. We set this all up at Washougal. It was all like secret. Jason shows up, his hair's all out of his helmet. You know, just everything you've always heard about. But I got to tell you, he wasn't spitting fire or spitting nails. He was the nicest kid, and he went like three or four laps, and he came in, he's like, can I go some more? Like, can I have more ice cream, Mom? He was like, wow, this isn't the... I got to tell you, when he was plugged into a dirt bike, and he was happy... He was magic. Well, he was magical that day, and we were all in awe. I think we signed him that day. And and then I thought I was going to be fired. So so, and then after that, it it orchestrated to get me out of there because Dave will just do what he wants anyway. Um, and it, you kind of had to do that with the Omaha, as you know. That's you know you can't open that drawer. Yeah, but the shit's in there. Yeah, you can't open that drawer. We're not going in that drawer. And then you you, you being the athlete or the team, you're 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 upset because you know they have whatever in that drawer. Yeah. Let's go in that drawer. So. And I've heard all the pro riders have said that about that place. And now that they have a clean slate, I'm actually thinking that that things are going to happen. Because at some point, like we said earlier, everybody gets a little stale at some point. Yeah, you know, or move around. Like Honda, yeah. one thing Honda does, like when I was at Honda with Reed, the guy running the program now was our parts guy. Yeah, they move him around. Brandon Wilson, nice guy. But he was the parts guy not that that's lower than but he's Kehoe's boss now and I just find that interesting but they they rotate guys around yeah. to keep it fresh and and Brandon and I got along and and he's and he's doing a great job look at the job they're doing so so I applaud that you know um sure I would like to be uh like Scott remembers from from his his father's day that that like with Roger or Mark Blackwell you know or or even when you're in Europe you know you you have those guys that they're the team manager for 25 years. In certain situations, that could work, but but well, a lot of times they were also the owner slash team manager. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just a different deal, you know. But but uh, I, I think at some point everybody's number is up. It's a unique strategy over there because you would think you want a guy to specialize in one thing, but Honda says no. Right when you get comfortable here, we're going to move you to ATVs. Then we're going to move you to marketing. Then we're right. going to move you to you know. Well, like a two-two, what was cool. <clears throat> Like she, I was told to bring Shane Drew in. You know, he's the chassis guy now at at, at uh, Honda. And whether people say up, downs, or sideways about Shane, he's a great guy, great team player. And I, I, I was flattered to have that job to go get him because I've always liked Shane. But like with Oscar and Shane and Lars, I didn't have to babysit anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there were things I didn't. Some, sometimes the toilet bowl, p- toilet paper roll wouldn't be filled. That would piss me off because guys to this level should be able to change the toilet paper roll or certainly fill up the goddamn Keurig machine. So I put my little signs, turn the light off if you're the last one to leave, like they're 12-year-old guys. But So even 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 the upper crust guys can leave a light on. Um, but at the end of the day, 
Grant will tell you, when you're on a championship level team or you have that, that, that capability, you don't really have to babysit anybody. So, so that dynamic, like when you said you were dealing with the 250 riders and their parents, and my God, it's like, what are they, Cub Scouts or racers? You know, so <laughs> as stressful as that is, but, but like when you run a top 450 program, Everybody's adult. The guy has a house. You know, he has his own cars. He's not a lot of them now. Family guys as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. Well, I got different. that juxtaposition with I had Sean Borkenhagen, Chris Blos, um, <clears throat> Jake Moss, all very very young kids. Yep. And then the next summer I had Ben Townley. And man, you want to talk about a, a difference of a yeah. guy who just he knew what he wanted. Yeah. He said, yeah. "I'm going to be. Yeah. I'm going to Florida. Here's the what I need for bikes and parts." Yeah. And. As long as you get me this, this, and this, yeah, I'm gonna be ready on the weekends. Yeah, to go. and he he was like easy in a sense. Well, I wouldn't say he's easy. No, but, but he I tells know. you exactly what he wants. Yeah, yeah. no, and he's like Chad or, or Langston. Yeah. They they just yeah. they know what they need, and 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 yeah. and if and if they don't have it, they'll ask for it, and they won't jerk you around. So, yeah. no, I I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, tell us about how you got brought on with Reed's team. You were there for <coughs> five years. Yeah, Reed's team was great. That's like, as people say, the dream team. Um, you know, you want to look at Hart and Huntington. I, I'm not in a foot race with them. They did a great job, you know, Kerry and Ricky. But but Chad's team, you know, like Mitch really it reinvented what he did in that whole division. Then it was all factories, as you know, and KTM growing. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, Emig had a team and this guy. But they, they were kind of in and out. You know, you had MDK and some of these others that, that you kind of forget about. Chad, you've raced Chad, and, and you did a show with him. He's gnarly because he's very detail-oriented beyond what you think he would be. Um, I mean, my God, he did the clothes. Sure, we had Fox, but, but and he knew my talents because I would tell him. Uh, hey, I used to have a graphic company in this. So we interfaced pretty good, but... but and it's not that he always got his way or, as I used to say, spared no expense. You know, if you could run these foot pegs, but you could get the billet Honda foot pegs, he wanted those. You know, and, and he realized even when we went after Tomac one year, John Tomac, being the guy he is, you know, he wanted full factory stuff for his kid, as he should. I, you'd want that for your kid. So, but, but Chad spared no expense. And, and the thing about Chad to this day, like I applaud Honda with Canard. Because Chad would be the perfect guy to be an in-house guy. Sure, he's muddied some some waters with saying what he's saying. But if you really, <coughs> aside from the keyboard warriors, if you would just adhere to the contract of what Reed had, a lot of those people deserve to hear what he would say. Because a lot of places he got screwed. You know, Honda never lived up to the deal that I was in the room for with Astafin and Reed. They never lived up for it. The Brooks team came there. That was our money. Mm. We were supposed to have the second guy. It got all just whatever. But And people say, you know, kind of like Brad Lackey. Well, Chad reads the modern Brad Lackey because he's got a number one plate and nowhere to run it. Yeah, maybe, you know, that's the Aussie way. You know, there's his headbutt in a bar and he'll leave. And he'll go <laughs> dancing somewhere else. Chad's... <laughs> that pretty much no, sums it up. No, but he's... I got to tell you... When we were even the way I run around like a nut, like I wore out a pickup truck at two two. I had, I had a four cylinder Nissan extra cab. Wore that fucker out on two two because when we were at Castillos, Chad every few days he would drop a few pounds. As you know, the the the, the suspension's completely different. I'd be down at PC, 
I'd get out of there at midnight. St- stopping off getting fresh gear that's been God. that's been that's been trimmed down. <laughs> no, I mean Chad would it was just amazing his transformation in so few weeks and the lap times would go down and 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 I would never want to step in the ring with him and I, I developed that little saying with his eyes, you know, and he like, Oh you guys, I'm looking at you guys, but you guys don't he, he looks like a shark's eye. Shark's eyes, it's yeah, just, I get it. It's just dead driven and you know that guy's gonna get in there somehow. And and again, I've been around a lot of top guys like this guy next to me and and they all had that winning swagger, but Chad's a little different. And he's different than Stuart. Uh, you, all you guys are different. But the thing about Reed, I think, that's kept him going, I think when everybody counts him out and says you're... And, and, and I think when the internet... Like, I think he's hes like one of those cartoon characters that feeds off the electricity. I think <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a cartoony kind of way... I mean, there's there were people at Washugo, for example. They come to our truck. It'd be a freaking Friday when you park and set up for the outdoor. These two guys that look like they should be bankers walk up. Just nice-looking 30-year-old guys, yellow shirts with green writing, which is the Aussie color. It's just Chad Reed sucks. And really? I, I, and I would talk to those guys for an hour because I was enamored with them because you guys paid money for that. You know, and, and when we were but, – but everything they were saying was all internet hearsay. You know, or 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 in 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 Minnesota when when Stewart was getting the N word, I'm like, I don't care where the guy's from. He's a great rider. That's what I look at first. And and even when we were doing the donations with Reed, we went out to eat and all our stuff from a photo thing, and we got heckled. You know, because he's the Aussie guy. You should be for Dungey. And I'm like, I'm for Dungey, but Reed's a great rider, and he ended up winning a moto that year. I mean, who does that? You know, when he's Totally yeah. counted out. So, the thing about Chad that was really amazing is that is that uh, he, I I bet he'll line up this year. You never know because he's he he could he could. I, I'm not saying he could win, but but if if everything's right and for some wrong, he could still be up there because mm-hmm. he's still like I said he could he'd be the perfect test rider for for a company. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he could mentor the young guys, but he's also a little trouble. You know, he's got a mouth on him too. But, <laughs> yes. but, um, and, and love it or hate it. So, no, I got a lot of respect for the guy and with his wife. I mean, they're gnarly. Yeah. You know, people say what they say with the, with the magnets and all this bullshit. But everybody's got their little stuff. You know, I'm sure some Tour de France guy has a rabbit foot in his jockey or something. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't look at any of that. I just look at him as the athlete and the guy he is. And in this sport, he, he's he's he you know he'll be remembered because he's just a gnarly one. Oh, he's, you know? he's for sure one of the biggest legends of our sport, and and his mental toughness, which kind of plays into what you're saying. And insane. I got to tell you, every time he asked me something, you know, even uh, I, you guys, if you guys follow me, I, I'm very proud of the pit cart we built because oh, yeah. he wanted everything. <laughs> I built that with my fab guy. I'm not an engineer, but I'm a good fabber, but and I can work with guys. And and man, we were so under the gun, and he wanted to do it, and we got it for this much money. And and I've been accused of of, of making money off of that, you know, f- shit. I got deals for everybody. If 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 I, if I wasn't me, it would have been more money. But no, I never made anything. It was just fun for me. But 
but listening to Lars and Goose and Oscar, what they wanted in the pick cart when we did it, and it, you know, Anaheim won, we had to do it. And then I'm relying on the powder coater that's fighting with his wife or, or the sheet metal guys that got a drinking problem, and it was, it was the frickin' holidays. I remember we, we literally drove that thing down in the 11th hour, as they say. Total rock star shit. Stressing me out all this gray... Fuck, man. I mean, when, when, when I look back now, some of the shit we were able to do. I feel like we went from interview to counseling. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I can relate. I remember getting graphics Friday night before Anaheim won. Or Goose or picking them up on the way to the stadium oh. on Saturday morning. Goose handing me these parts. I go, what is that thing? He goes, oh, it's for the, for the carburetor. Oh, shit, okay. What do I do with that? Well, I need six of them. You know, when they were wiring the carburetors. Uh... When you need to buy, yeah. uh, yesterday. Yesterday. So it's like, so I get my, you know, Dave O's got a, a, a good black book. And it's not full of women. It's full of guys that can get <laughs> shit done. And, and, and when I would be accused sometimes of, why do you go to that guy or go to this? Or one time Laura said, why don't you use somebody local? Well, hey, you know what? When you run a team, you can run a local guy. I'm going to this guy because I know him, I trust him, and I'll get, I'll drive back here with all the shit done. Yeah. What's your next question? You know, it, it, it's just, why would they even say that to me? You know, but, but you get that sometimes. But um, I never got anything out of it except for me handing them the stuff done and ready better than they even expected. I remember when I told Goose about those six parts, he, he shit his pants when I told him how much they would cost. And, I, and he looks and he goes, wow. And I go, have your guy do them. Well, I don't have a guy. Okay, then kind of shut up. I'll yeah. do it. You know, yeah. no disrespect to Goose. I love the guy. But meanwhile, I got him his parts, and, and I think I gave him 10 or 12 of them, you know, because the machinist. So I've just always been that guy. I've always been pretty connected, and I've kept my relationships. When I got to 2-2, it was Bell Ray and Pro Circuit. We didn't have wheels. We didn't have this. I went and got all that, and... And now Chad and, and the wheel guy are good friends. In the beginning, he didn't even want the logo on the truck. But I'm like, hey, there's A, B, and C guys. You got Bell Ray, you got Honda, but, but you know, you got to have Mitch's here. But even the guys giving you filters for free, th that's a cost to somebody. So I value everybody. And I used to be a product guy to teams. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's expensive. So, so everybody's got to get some love so and, and and it took chad a while to warm up to that but but you got to realize he was at an elvis presley level where he got free fuel free this in excess if he needed 10 tires he'd order 20 yeah and they'd send him 20 maybe even with 25 and and, and then they pay him to take them yeah, yeah. And, and then the sport changed and the economy of the world changed yeah, so it did now you get X, free stuff. Now you get X gallons, and you got to pay for X gallons. And we, but we still want you to run a sticker on the tank. So I think that was a little hard for him to swallow as a team owner. Um, but I got to tell you, two two motorsports was a magical thing. I uh, I think pretty innovative. We followed. I think a lot of people knocked off stuff we did because he just wanted he just wanted a presentation beyond pretty girls. Yeah, pretty girls. He he didn't care about, especially with Ellie. So. We did some some things that are cool, right down to the red pants. The red pants were legit, but yeah. and that, that all came from he's he's very into MotoGP and F1, and <laughs> I remember the day at two two was my job, that uh, and I dealt with Beaker all the time. I love him, but but you know Fox did all that, 
and and we get the red pants and it was comical we're all trying them on trying to fit them and you know chad was into the thin cut but yeah. we're, we're crew guys we actually have to bend over and kneel down and do things <laughs> we don't just walk around and look pretty so i had to tell chad you know we can't we can't wear these fucking things and i'm not a even for me, they were, you know, God, I couldn't even pull them down to take a piss, you know, with that European cut. But so we, we, we changed some of the stuff, but, and none of the guys liked them. But I got to tell you, once we, I ended up digging them. I still have a couple pairs because they were, they were badass. Well, no, everybody. They were, they were outstanding. Everybody wears black. No, and I got to so. tell you, Chad sitting down with factory effects and some of this, he, he did everything. Him and Ellie did everything, mainly Chad. He's got a good eye with stuff. And even now, because I, I, I follow him. He's uh, painting I, helmets. He's painting helmets, yeah. and he's doing a good job. He's, he's, he's very articulate. And I think one, one reason we hit it off so well is because I could get the shit done that he would want to his, his like perfection. Yeah. He would, like, we'd come up with these signs for autographs. And then I said, hey, me and my fab guy came up with this idea. And he just, just head on, Dave -o. I don't. I trust you. I don't even need to see it. And we were doing all this stuff. Now, again, it's not rocket science, but I, Big B did it at Kawasaki. A lot of the teams, we did these autograph things, like the Red Bull things, kind of. Uh, and, and my fab guy ended up building some for Hart and Huntington. So we did some pretty cool things. Um, and, and uh, you know, I've always said plastic floors don't win races. I hate all that shit. Yeah. Kind of makes me laugh. But I know KTM has a certain footprint. They want Europe to look like here and here to look like Europe. But again, plastic floors don't win races. People do, not fucking floors. So <laughs> if I ran a million-dollar team right now, we wouldn't have a plastic floor. Fuck yeah. all that. You know, when my truck driver, when I got to pay a truck driver three days to clean a floor from an outdoor, there's something wrong there. Yeah. And then when it takes up enough space in your rig, even the second rig that a mule would take up. Now, so I, I deplore some of that stuff. Um because I'm old school. The people, they want to see... That one, one appeal we have is that you can go there and you could see Cincerello or Tomac. And, you you know, I think other sports have knocked us off. Hmm. You know, and I think, I, I think that's the greatest thing. We're still, we're, we're still personable, you yeah. know. Uh, and, it, and it lost... Even the semis, we lost some of that. Because you used to be able to... I remember yeah. pulling up and watching Rick Johnson in his underwear change into his yeah. gear and yeah. thinking, wow... That's RJ right there. Yeah, and you, and you could argue with a bean counter. <laughs> like, it's just, you can't believe you're seeing your heroes like he's that. Back, up close to the banana banana yeah. back to the banana hammock. Back to the banana hammock. Can't get away he's from that. Can't get away from that. No, but you, you can argue with a bean counter, semis or not. But I get it. It's all about the show. And, you know, if Monster Energy is out there, Yamaha Motor Company, they want it out there, the billboard. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still kind of old school with thinking some things are better and more efficient. But, of course, the world now is crazy. Like I told you earlier, in the old days, you could get two or three box vans in a rest area. You wouldn't dare do that now. And the world's nuts now. You know, 10-year-olds are walking around with tasers and cell phones. So I don't think I would do that. Um, so so the, it, it's just a semi, you know, it, it's grown into that. So it is kind of a circus. But, uh, and a lot of it's a show, but... but uh, well, that's a lot of it, too. Sponsors want that. Yeah, the I sponsors. Th there's a new word that I always didn't like with Steve Astovan called activation. You know, Astovan great guy but he would go out if he went over there to scott bell sitting there and and scott said here's a million dollars and you guys got to display these two elephants steve would sign away and then he'd call me and go davo you got to go down to long beach and pick up these two elephants well how the hell am i going to carry two fucking elephants he didn't care 
It was all about the money. Yeah. Like when we had discount tire, there was some shit that went on there that I'm like, we don't have an extra semi to put this extra circus tent in. So it's like when you sell sponsorship, do you even think about how you're going to get it there to activate it? Well, that's not my problem. I used to hear that all the time. And I'd lose sleep over trying to get this warehouse in the back of the van, you know, because we, yeah. we had a footprint. You cram a yeah. lot in. Even Chad one day got kind of hot at me, and he came down. I go, you're welcome to come down, Chad, anytime and see how much space we don't have for this crap. Yeah. But I, I will say, again, Devo, we always managed to do it, uh, and... Uh, and that's it. You know, my guys would be pissed at me, but I can't. You know, if, 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 if I didn't put the deal together. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. The, I'm just, I just got to bend over. And let me tell you, I've been raw plenty of times. So it, fuck. I mean, I mean, but you know, it's part of the job. It's part yeah. of the job. And and I don't want to lay down in a bucket of shit. But sometimes you have to do that. And and and. Uh, but that's part of a racing team. But but so activation to me is like, is like the N word to other people. Because I, I get it that you got to have it, but you got to have a way to get it there. And sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Like, I don't know if you guys remember our inflatable couches. Yeah. God, that was ridiculous. We had these couches, and it looked cool. Oh, look at those guys. But getting them inflated and uninflating them, and it was a whole process. At the end, you know, at some point when the race is over and everybody leaves, then you got to put all the shit away. Yeah, you oh. know, when the riders are gone and everybody goes to the after parties. We're sitting there deflating these couches and doing all this shit, and it's like, did that really help our cause? You know, they never and doesn't really. Doesn't it also seem when you go to pack up, you're like, how did this all fit in the first time? No, yeah. I can't get it back no, in. And you have a system, but but again, it's but it, you're doing that twenty, thirty times a year. Yeah, thirty times. I, mean, I got to tell you, I have a hard on. Scott knows I have a hard on for some of the guys. <laughs> no, you do. No, I have, a, I have a hard on for some of the guys that show up in the hat and shirt, and they don't do a effing thing. Yeah. You know, but I guess, but then I think, okay, I guess that guy's in that management spot where he doesn't have to do anything. You know what I mean? But I've been on some teams where you could really use that guy just standing there, you know, and, and uh, but they do nothing, you know. So, so I applaud seeing everybody on all the teams help that has a hat and a shirt because, there, as you, you, know, you guys know, there's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. You know, even when sometimes the riders would stick around and maybe help with a few pulls, they're like, well, they, they, may, be, they may only help you that one time because they realize that's a bitch, you know. Yeah. I'm going to hurt my shoulder with that pull, you know. And it's so, so um, I used to like the California rounds or certain rounds when the Scott Bells would be there because I would trust him to grab a pole. You know, he's not an idiot. So uh, I love that because some of my pals would be there, you know, from my life. So they'd. Did help you know what it's like? It's it's yeah, it's a yeah. major undertaking the, the circus, but but uh, but hey, you know what? It, it it brings in the money, so you got to have that. So so since you brought it up, we never even got to ask Reed about this, but I, there was stories about his he had certain magnets and he had like a his food couldn't be microwaved; it had to sit into something. Hey, all, 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 thing gonna, all I'm going to some of that was Jeff Spencer too. No, all, yeah. I, all I'm going to say about that, there was some Jeff Spencerisms, but look. I think he also kind of eventually went away from that as well. Well, they did have a guy, and they did have this advisor. But look, whatever Reed did, he did, and he paid for it. Nobody else's unless he got you to pay for it. And so he was smart that way. Whatever he did or he didn't do, I saw a lot of stuff. Maybe someday I'll write a book. But all I got to (laughs) say 
All I got to say, I'm not going to critique it. Don't well, hold back a, in the book, though. It's not a critique. I just, no, it's I don't, interesting to me. Yeah. I, I've heard, you know, people would say, go talk to this guy he was with or this. All I know is I did my job. I'd like to think I did it well. I didn't question anything he did. If he used to have, you know, uh, I ha he had to have this water and this, this, and this, that. Whatever. I did it. You know, I expensed it. Uh, it was on the budget. So so there were the supplements and whatever. Um, it got even involved with the AMA a few times. But, but when he came back from injuries, because they were always looking for him, that year that him and Villapoto were on the 24-7. Oh, yeah, when they were being that, tracked. That was really lame of the you know the ama does so many stupid things they should name themselves something else but but the ama just does so many stupid things you know you kind of got to have them but then you almost don't you know you wouldn't wear a belt if it was always pinching you you grab another belt they're they're the belt that always pinches you because sometimes they're just they're so effed up and when they did this thing with rv and reed i'm like they were on them like gestapo what about all the other guys hmm. i'm like you either I was always the advocate for, hey, team manager meeting. Oh, yeah. Hey, test the top 10. There's 10 guys that can win, not just two. Yeah. Oh, well, see, we're going to just test two because, yeah, it's very expensive and it's very this. Fuck that. You got to, there's 10 guys here that could possibly win. <coughs> test all of them. Like the thing with, with Tickle, there were other guys there drinking the same Kool-Aid and he got hung out to dry. We need the FIM here like a fucking three tits oh, on a bull. <laughs> You know, and I like John Gallagher, but but you don't need the FIM. It's mm. it's it's. It was done to contradict. No, I've been an advocate anyway. to get them out of here, but you know, it's all politics and contracts and. Well, it, the reason they got involved in the first place was because of politics. Yeah, no, it's just, and I get it. It's, but again, I, I'm all for drug testing, but but you know what? You either do it right or yeah. don't do it. Yeah. That that was Mitch's well, philosophy. That, that, that was, you do it right or don't do it. Is everyone wanted it? <coughs> we got testing, but. Then it was like, well, hang on. We, these aren't even our rules. We're following some European guideline that, that does Tour de France. Yeah. There was just such a disconnect. People weren't really sure, like you said, the way they did it. Because now if you track those two guys, you basically green-lighted eight other guys. Hey, you can yeah. get away with it yeah. now because they're being tracked. Yeah. They can't, but yeah. I got a green light now. No, it's like the tickle thing and some others killed me because you got to understand, my late father was an attorney. And, and I never saw him practice, but I'd hear him on the phone as I grew up. And I've always been, I don't care, I've, I'm always innocent till proven guilty, unless they got you on video with the, your gun down some guy's throat. So, so I've always had that attitude with things. And, and, and I don't know, they, they, you know, nothing should be a career ender. You know what I mean? It's like, I could go, you could go rob, Tickle could have robbed a liquor store and he'd have more rights and more things to say because he'd have legal representation. I got to tell you, the FIM doesn't belong here. The AMA's got no balls. Feld's got no balls. Whatever the contracts were, maybe that's why they have no balls, but everybody has their day in court. When they would hang these poor guys, when they would turn it into a career ender. Like Stewart. I mean, they ended Stewart, his career. Like Stewart. I mean, come on, you raced him. Stewart. Love him or hate him, I happen to love him. It's like he's he's the ba he was like a, a 
in our sport, like a Hannah or a Marty Smith, he was like a yardstick that'll never be replaced. He taught a generation how to fucking be. And everybody emulated him. And they hung that poor guy out to fucking dry. And, and, and I understand Roger even at one point when he, his hands were tied with KTM. But see, that's where Davo probably would have been fired. Because I would have been there in that hat and shirt going, hey, this is effing wrong here. Yeah. You can't, you should never ruin a guy's career. Even if they did it, it's, he didn't shoot anybody, fine him, sanction him, make him sit out a year, but, but, but the Stewart thing and, and, and some of the subsequent things were kind of, I, I like to say they're comical just so I don't lose uh, more gray hair over it, but it's like, those things really angered me because I've been in a lot of those meetings. I remember it, I think we were at Mount Morris when they rolled those clowns in there from the doping thing with, and I was with, we were with Honda and I was sitting at the table with Reed and Kehoe and all this and I, I was sitting there, not like I'm some legal scholar, but I've been around common sense more than most and I'm sitting there just going, this is just an accident waiting to happen. Oh, hello, yeah, what's you, what do you got to say? Hey, there's too much effing gray area here. You guys, this is just retarded and then like the fuel thing I was involved in several times. Oh, yeah. If, if he shows up and he gets fuel from some drag race guy just or, or, in a container. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything, everybody needs rational thinking in their day in court. Just, just this crap, like even when Reed got screwed on the fuel thing with Ricky years ago and then subsequent things years later, I understood Chad's hard on with VP. But the whole thing with Yamaha and VP and the AMA, that was all mishandled. Probably wouldn't have gone that way if Chad was a, 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 a red, white, and blue guy like, like, <clears throat> like Ricky was. But... And even in subsequent things, just hello, they mix this. They mix this coffee in that vat two weeks earlier. So, so something could be in this coffee. It, yeah. it, it's such a minimal yeah. amount. There That's has to the, be the some common sense to the rule. No, like, and even well, that, when even when Stewart with the Adderall thing, okay, they didn't do the paperwork. Adderall, it it everybody said what it was. wasn't It didn't make him ten feet taller. It it. Well, here, here's the bottom line. Did he have a prescription for it? If he did, produce it. If he had it, okay, we're going to fine you five grand for not producing it at the right time, but you have it, so it's good, for, and let's and, go and race. Because you are a manager. For his team, and we've all had kids, for his team to drop the ball on what I call the paperwork, it's like being, like, we all pay taxes. I've gotten extensions. I'm sure you guys have due to life or, or, or whatever comes in. Like I just filed mine. I'm good. <laughs> no, but when my folks passed away, we had to get an extension because stuff was just all sure. over the place. So it's like, and you follow through with that. Now, nobody, nobody came over and, and, and hogtied me and my wife. You know, it's like what happened to James and, 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 and Tickle and everybody else. When I was even in, in the trenches, I used to write stuff on vital because I was angry i mean it 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 it, it gallagher oh, this and all these things <laughs> i was writing some shit because i'm like wake up i told i told prater and these guys at uh, one time or another this guy sells a lot of tickets for you guys if if that's all you're concerned with you got to get him you got to get him back he didn't again if any of us right here leave here and go rob a liquor store sure we'll be in jail but you'll have more rights than Tickle yeah. did, Stewart did. You'll well, have your day in they court. They didn't even have a, a clarification. They weren't getting responses. No, and the FIM, the FIM is one of those businesses. You know, a lot of people now, it's email only. The FIM, they, they wouldn't even do what I call 
due diligence and good business 101. They don't even answer their goddamn phone. Like, yeah. like you'd read Tickle saying how frustrating it was. You couldn't even get through to anybody. Mm. So who... Why are they here? Because you could say it's a world championship. You know, it's it's whatever the politics were, whatever that contract. Like when we used to do Supercross in Canada, freaking hated it. I'm not against Canadians, but when we would go to Canada to race, I think the Canadians maybe drank more than most mortals in the U.S. do. Because every time in the pits after when the race was over, it was like an effing riot. Really? Oh, yeah. I'd go to Feld all the time and saying, hello, we need more security. It was daytime. They looked at me like I was on freaking glue or something. And I said, I don't want to have happen what happened last year. I, I had people coming in our semi that were, that were twice my size, high as a freaking kite, and I had to deal with it. And then Joel and Oscar had to help me. I thought I was going to get all beat up several times. And... And they park you nose to tail. We were next to, I think, Troy's guys or KTM or somebody. And, it, and, 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 and no security. You know, so I hated going there just for that. They didn't even, they put on a great race. But when the race was over, it's like, fuck you guys. Yeah, they were off to the bar. No, I got, and I've always said. <laughs> and everyone was stuck at the border. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's so many things. They're so involved with putting on the show. There's a lot of things they miss. Mm. But being involved in the show and then being involved in the after show, they need to talk to some of us. They would never listen to anybody. It was like deaf ears. Or they'd say, go talk to the stadium guy. And they're, yeah, you know. Stadium just, guy ain't going to do nothing. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah. So, so I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that can be improved. But, but uh, I guess we got to get back on track. No. <laughs> Your track's a good one. No, that was a good one. Your track's all rough and whooped out, man. It's a good workout. Um, high and low points. With you, like your your best moments there at two two and the worst. I th the best uh, the worst was when it was over. Well, yeah. you know, Goose and I were told to get out of there first. I understand it, didn't like it, um, but everything comes to an end. Um, and uh, the plan for two, I remember, I remember driving around this whole area looking for buildings with realtor guys that that uh, people would hook me up with on the racing side because Chad wanted a. There was a point. In its infancy, when Chad wanted to buy a building, and we were seriously going to buy a building as opposed to leasing a place, because there were big long-term plans with him being an owner, like the way Grant owns a franchise dealership, Chad was going to own this team. But a lot, so many things happened as a team owner, uh, and I know Chad would get mentored by Mitch all the time. See, the difference between Chad, you know, a race team... It's just a race team. It's like money out the door. You got to have money coming in. Whereas Pro Circuit's a business. Yeah, Troy Lee is a business. I've Factory Connections a business. The only way to make have a success a successful race team that will last <coughs> is if you are selling a product. You can't just because well, you're building a name. You can't just take uh, right. sponsor dollars in and run off that because well, the mean, minute a Geico goes away. Yeah, I mean, I wanted done. to do hats and shirts and sweatshirts from day zero at two two. Uh, that kind of fell on deaf ears, but that, that was all. Fox controlled. Mm. And even when Fox did it, they fucked it all up. Because they put our stuff into Fox's production line, which is probably the same way TLD does their stuff. And their calendar doesn't work. You know, the calendar... Yeah, in the, the same conjunction, the, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, so... Not a calendar year. And I had experience with all that stuff, and I had a lot of people that can do it. Then when they finally jumped in to do it, it was years late, and they jumped in with a guy they shouldn't have jumped in with, but he had done stuff for Brooks's team and this and that. And it was just, it, it was just, it was just ill-conceived. And and personally, a ten-year-old 
could have designed better stuff than they were showing. So I even tried to get my kid involved. But again, I, at some point I knew where I, Dave should just shut up now. So I did because it wasn't my place. Mm -hmm. But I mean, from day zero, we could have, you know, Chad should have had some hats and shirts and, and whatever to the level of a TLD mm. from day zero. And he should have owned it, controlled it, and, and been in charge of all of it. Let Fox do their own bullshit. But nobody knew anything except me, but I didn't want to say anything because it wasn't my place. The, yeah. the, the one or two times I kind of said something to Ellie and Chad, it, it, was, it was like a dog looking back at me that was going to bite me. So I, I, I was quiet. Yeah. But again, I came from that arena. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did the seats and, you know, I, I came from that. So I, so I, so I knew that. So, uh, and, and cause, well, cause Chad at that time on the internet was like a, like a movie. He, he woke up the whole thing for this sport. Then yeah. what Millsaps followed and a lot of guys. Now everybody has a stinking com. Yeah. You know, which well, is great. Chad said kind of the tough part was he was the product. Yeah. And so at the time he realized that, okay, like if I go away, the value of my race team plummets, you know, and then the money. They're investing in Chad. Not right. Not it was too, just too like when we were a one rider team, when we were vying for the championship indoors and outdoors, when he finally got hurt, you know, everybody was in this euphoric natural high. Yeah. Because when Chad showed up on the Hondas, even the pro circuit Hondas, we were like carrying the flag for Honda and we were like a breath of fresh air as Prater. That's where his words, you guys were a breath of fresh air. So we were good for the sport. But then, and everybody was on this, wow, wow, you know, he's the fighter knocking everybody down. But then one day he got knocked down. And you're just like. There is no team at the no moment. No team. And I got to tell you, he paid us the whole time. Uh, I, I could name team owners that, that would cut you or stall you or do something. He oh, paid yeah. us all. And, and, yeah, so people can say all the bad stuff about Chad and Ellie all they want. They're good people. Uh they got their up downs and sideways but they're really good people and you've known them forever and i just think that just the fact that he took care of his crew that says a lot about his character a, a lot yeah. a lot i mean I, again I, I i was waiting for the phone call to say tell yeah. him to only come in two days a week or tell him this is your new salary i was waiting for me to be told sorry dave it, you know yeah. I, I i mean like this virus we were talking, you know, people have been laid off for doing nothing. Um, not their fault. So just circumstance. So, so, and it ran its course, but I, I'm proud of it. It, what was the best win? What was the best moment? God, there were so many. I mean, people probably remember me in the manager tower. Fuck in Atlanta, him and James. I mean, that was a good battle. Unbelievable. Yeah, the, the place were, was going nuts. Yeah, there were some there were some memorable battles with Chad or come from behinds at Anaheim, or, or on the Cowie. The and, Anaheim on the Cowie. That yeah, way. and I got to tell you, everybody, I got to tell you, because uh, I'm an emotional guy. I cried a few times because it, 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 I'm, I'm getting teary eyed right now talking about it because we put in so you know everybody. I will say this about the sport because you've all been there at some level, even his family. It's like. Everybody puts in such a sacrifice, such a commitment. Even when you get on the podium in third place, that's a cry moment because most people never win at shit. Most people don't even get a fish on the hook. You know yeah. what I mean? Nobody, a lot of people don't, don't, don't fucking get, a, get a, a strike. You know, they get gutter balls. A lot of guys don't get the pretty girl. They get that girl. You know, so, I, I mean, Chad was written off. When you re read the internet, 
I love reading it because there's so much effing hate on there. And I used to laugh at Larry Brooks because sometimes in Larry's day, he would try to right the wrongs of these people for the programs he was on. I always wanted to write in saying, Larry, you're an idiot for trying to defend yourself or the cause. They'll, they'll kill you. And so I would never do that. Uh, but, but, and sometimes in the beginning, Chad would, would read a lot of my stuff. He'd go, I want you to write stuff because you say things good. And, and uh, so I would do that sometimes. But, but then Honda came to me pulled me aside, you got to tell Reed to knock that shit off. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Because Yeah, they don't, and big I, corporate don't, don't no, like anything but I look, I looked at Honda and I go, you guys don't know it now, but this is good for you. Any talk is good talk. Yeah. You guys, you guys are old school. This is new school. He's getting it out there. He's getting people excited about the season. Everybody knows he's on a red bike. They may not like the politics of the red bike, but he's... Every rider now is getting a dot com. You're not going to be able to stop it. Yeah. And I was right because I saw I saw this whole MTV kind of self promotion thing coming beyond the guys upstairs that didn't even know who Grant Langston was. Meanwhile, he's got three championships. Hmm. I remember being Factory Yamaha in Daytona with Bell and Staten and all these guys. And the Mucky Mucks from Yamaha came there. They didn't even know who frickin' Hannah is. They come down and they go, oh, yeah, who's this guy, Hannah? We want to meet Hannah. They didn't know McCarty. But we're in, in those days, Cycle News, full-page ads with yeah. Mike Bell, Brock Glover. They didn't know who anybody was. I found that fascinating because awesome. they're signing the budgets for what we got. I met so-and-so who was the so-and-so over engineering marketing slash something else, you know. And he's like, who are you? He's reading my name, Dave. What do you do, Dave? Oh, I work for that guy there, the tall guy. <laughs> well, well, isn't that guy too tall to ride a motorcycle? That's what he would say to me. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's call him Mike Too Tall Bell. No, it's just it's just an observation, but it's corporate, you know. It's just corporate, yeah. And that, that's why I said earlier when the I think when these manufacturers have management that's passionate about racing, that's when their racing programs yeah. advance. When you got a guy who's just in a suit signing the checks and well, like Suzuki, a budget, like Suzuki, you hear as bad as they are now. It's still a company and a big, big machine. You know, most people don't know that Kawasaki makes nuclear frickin' submarines. What are they? And ships. Yeah. I, I mean, Kawasaki's pretty ships. gnarly, but they keep it all quiet. Escalators. Heavy, heavy, heavy equipment. Escalators. Yeah, KHI. You know, pe a lot of people don't know that. But, but, I mean, a lot of these companies are diversified. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that, that Yamaha, the aluminum blocks for the, for the NASCAR guys, they were doing that. You know, that's their relationship with Toyota. A lot of people don't know that stuff. And that's okay, because I've been on the inside. You know, we didn't touch on the Buell Harley thing, but it's like, the Buell Harley thing was interesting, because they wanted to make a dirt bike. I didn't want to make a Cannondale. The guy that... They, they wanted to make a motocross bike? Yeah, 450. Okay. Yeah, that's on there somewhere. Yeah, I, I have it on the notes oh. here. Uh, uh, it was 07. Yeah. Yeah, and they... They kind of spent, spent a bunch of money, got I, halfway I through. I came home, I think, from a bicycle ride. And it was probably the wrong timing as well. And my wife says to me, you got to listen to this message on the machine. So I'm listening to the message. I thought it was one of my buddies playing a practical joke. But they said, hey, this is Eric Buell. I'm from so-and-so and blah, 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 blah. you got to call me about this. I didn't even deal with it for a day or two because I thought it was a buddy playing a joke. I didn't even know who the hell Eric Buell was. So I called my fab buddy, Bruce Hollingshead, and, and I'll never forget that day. I go, hey, you ever heard of a guy named Eric Buell? And right away, he knew. 
Oh, he makes sport bikes, and he's affiliated with Harley Davidson, and this and that and that and this. Because they had some success in road yeah, racing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like, "Why do you? Why? Well, I got this message on the machine, and and he goes, "Man, you ought to call the guy. What do you got to lose?" So, went home, played the message, and I heard the area code. You know, the area code. So it couldn't have been one of my buddies playing a joke, because it it was a freaking Wisconsin area code. Yeah. So I called the guy. <clears throat> he pitches me that my name came up out of a hat from a small group, and and. Uh, they wanted to fly me there, and they'd tell me more and this and that, but they, they had a project that I might be interested in and blah, blah, blah. So I, I get on a plane. I go there to East Troy, fly into Milwaukee, rent a car to East Troy. It's freaking snow, and it's in the belows. You know, it's not like going to Mammoth where you can get your car keys and your shorts. Wisconsin hurt because it was in the belows. <laughs> so I'm at this hotel. I asked the hotel, you know, where, where, where's Buell? Oh, it's right down the street. It was just a monsoon snow. You couldn't see anything. And, and I get there in the morning. We had this interview. It was great. So anyway, they pitched me. They want to they wanna build a 450, their design path. I learned all these new terms like design path and, 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 and uh, you know, design engine or uh, purchasing <laughs> engineer and POC. I said, you mean POS? Yeah, I don't want to make a POS. And they don't know. POC, proof of concept. And all these engineers, I was, again, I didn't hire myself. I was probably a hated guy once I took the job because... I would just run my mouth from experience. You know, all these guys were freaking sport bike guys. If they rode a if they rode a dirt bike, it was a ATV or a dirt bike in their yeah. cornfield in Wisconsin. So, and I was what I I developed another term for myself cuz I wasn't as intellectual as any of these guys. So, I'm like the analogy king, people call me, and, and cuz I I try to find good ways to explain myself that aren't necessarily funny but just just makes sense mm -hmm. and and i'm long-winded but i'll say some of these things so a lot of these engineers didn't like me because uh and again i'd say you know you got a problem with me talk to eric i'm not here to win popularity contests but i'd be in a meeting with 30 people and we were this wasn't you know most of the factory guys i know even the storied guys like a lunas did they really go to japan and there was a blank drawing board no i went there and it was fucking blank they said, we're, our design path is a Honda. We're using SOA suspension. It's going to be off this, like, two-year-old Honda. We're going with the Yamaha manufacturer for wheels. And it, it, it was just a and, – and, and Eric Buell had all these crazy ideas. But he's – like, ha, does Troy still have all the mountain bikes hanging from the ceiling? Oh, yeah, some of those old crazy – Most of those <laughs> bikes are Eric Buell patents on suspension design. Oh, is that right? Yeah. If it's not a Mert Lawwell, it's a Lawwell Eric or, Buell. Yeah, okay. Because when he knew I was a mountain bike guy, he, he invited – and he – He's buddies with a, and he's an avid guitar player, invented some shit on his guitar, and he played in a band. He was, one night I heard this CD playing in there. In other words, Eric Buell is an incredibly bright guy. Hmm. And he's got some crazy ass ideas. Most of the sport bikes you see today, even Ducatis, knocked him off. Is that right? Oh. He had all that shit. He always had that unique looking front end. Yeah, and he had the, 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 the low center of gravity exhaust. There's an old Ducati right over here. It's it actually sweet. looks like yeah. the old, yeah. it has a bit of a Buell front end. A lot, of the, a lot of the more modern sport bikes, when I look at them now, they're totally knocked off of Buells. Huh. Yeah, because he opened that whole way of thinking. But but anyway, um, yeah, so we were going off a of Honda. Uh, Rotax was going to be our, our engine. Um, but then a lot of things happened in Europe. The climate was changing with the e – Europe is gnarlier than us with the EPA yeah. and all the stuff. So 
when I got to, to Buell Harley, they, they were already a couple years into the program. So we started making a prototype. And, and just to jump ahead a little bit, we were working back there with their design team trying to make a test bike. And, and we, I, I had a, the fab guy that was designed to my project. We should have had the guy that was on their uh, 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 1190. Um, but anyway, long story short, I, I remember going into HR just saying, hey, look, you need to send me with this guy and that guy to California. I'll have a bike up and running in two weeks. We're just, we're, we're burning daylight and wasting time. I've never been with such incompetence in my life. <laughs> my, 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 my program leader is an incredibly bright guy. He can talk any subject, but he was a magazine editor guy. I'm not going to mention his name, but incredibly bright. But I told H, they go, what's wrong with him? I go, I wouldn't follow that guy across the street. He's the wrong guy to run this project. Oh, you want to run the project? No, I, I, I'll just get it done. We're, I've been here two months. We should have been running two months ago. It was just, it was kind of a clusterfuck. And then we were caught up into the EPA of stuff. Because what happened was the sales and marketing guys in the U.S. had these visions of grandeur with, with, with these bikes to, to go to Europe and be here. So it was all peddled to Harley. That's how they got all the money and agreed to do it. And it was just, it, it was, it, the timing became wrong. Well, yeah, in 07. I yeah. mean, you're at the at the yeah. start of the collapse. Yeah. Well, the, the timing market. was, but you got to understand, they were on it sooner, don't forget. Right. Because it didn't start when I was there. They wanted to get it really more going. So they had already sent the Hondas to Europe to get reevaluated, you know, kind of reverse engineered, uh, run them to failure. That's another term I learned when I, I told them, you guys, they may have ran that 450 CRF to failure in, I think it was 19 hours. But I said, I got, I got vet buddies that got 120, 140 hours on them, and they race every freaking weekend. Not, that must be just full throttle for 19 hours straight. I, I, I told the engineers, what, do they have those engines on a boat trying to dredge up the Titanic? Because then I could see it would, you know, and they, they didn't like how I talked. And a lot of times in those big meetings, I would say things like, no disrespect, you guys, but this is, this is it. At some point, we were supposed to have Ford money. And have a race team out here. That was, I was going to be the end user with Ford money because they were in bed with Ford, Ford and Harley Davidson to have a race team out here. That was the goal. And and I took them to races. Uh, Davey Coombs sent me a lot of videos that I handed out to them, CDs rather. And, and it started out, you'll laugh because you guys are racers. We were going to go down the design path. And, and I, I swore on this uh, holy Bible, you know, they had me sign a non- uh, disclosure thing. You could do another show just about that because it was pretty gnarly. Hmm. But all I'll say is a lot of things that landed in my lap, they made changes. <clears throat> we were going to have a linkage, then we weren't. And, and I'm just like, you know what? You guys want to sell these freaking things or die with these things? I put a Cannondale on the, in the meeting room on the desk. We had two Cannondales upstairs. I said, that's an example of what not to do. And I, I thought I was going to lose my life or my job. This one senior engineer pulled me aside one night. I won't name his name. And he, he's like, we don't like you. We don't this. I'm like, fuck you. Go talk to that guy in the big office. I don't like you either. <laughs> I'm going to have If a I see you in the desert, <laughs> I'm going to stop. <laughs> and I'm going to make you run a little bit. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's, that's what I was up against. And I understand 
that's what probably happened with Cannondale. I call Cannondale a Christmas tree because you're not just going to show, you know, he was around and, and you were around in development, a lot of stuff. You're not just going to show up overnight like some of these millionaires like MDK. Oh, I'm just going to hire these guys and I'll show you how to run a race team. Hey, just because you got a machine shop like JGR, just because you got a NASCAR shop, big deal. So you got better foot pegs than I do. You you still got to have an infrastructure and go win races. Mm -hmm. I respect those guys, but even they thought it would be easy. Oh, we got an infrastructure. We'll get, man, we could have the guy live here, and our guy will do push-ups and sit-ups, and we'll make all the bitch and shit that'll make you guys cry. But you know what? Compare we're, their semi-truck doors to Mitch's. Where's all their successes? <laughs> I, I'm not dumping on them. No, but it it's, just, it's It true. just shows you it's, an e it's, it's a hard road. Yeah. It's a hard road. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a pretty cool experience. Um, we're getting long on time here, buddy. Okay. What? what uh, wrap up your whole career. Any any regrets? Anything you do different? Oh, I, I, I mean, I got a lot of regrets. I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't do this. Or I would have handled myself different. It, you know, may, maybe I could have been at Honda if some of my reputation. You know, it's like if people would have just talked to you, then they'd realize how you were. You're not that far apart, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of the guys making the decisions on me, they were doing worse things than I was doing. Yeah. But, but again, I, it, it's the 70s. It was the 80s. We've all grown up. I think I did pretty okay. You know, I was very fortunate in my career to win some championships, met a lot of great people. I was able, I, I'm probably the champion at reinventing myself, because if you see, I'm in and out of the, the deal 25 freaking times. <laughs> yeah. And I, if, you know, I would only, like my buddy says, oh, you're going to plug yourself? You know what? You got to have three to five million dollars to do it right. Otherwise, don't even talk to me. You know, when 2-2 two -two ended, I had some of those phone calls. No disrespect to those people, but I kind of laughed at those people. I go, save your money. Go on a trip, but, but you don't want to go racing. Mm -hmm. you, you don't even have enough money. And I even had calls from people that remain nameless. They were already out there doing it. And I'm like, oh my God, how many years have you been doing this? And, and you think I'm going to show up and turn it around? And, and you've been doing it for how many years? Yeah. Wow, you need to stop before your wife leaves you. <laughs> That's what I would tell some of these guys. Because it's like, uh, you know, you, you could have... They get, they, get, they get caught up and they get so emotionally invested. Yeah. I said, you could have Roger there and you're still going to be where you are. Well. You know, because Roger's going like to say, you need to do this, this. It's just a formula. Yeah. It's like having a fire. Racing's like a fire, but you just, to keep the flame going, you've got to keep throwing in $100 bills. <laughs> yeah. And you just do it all night long in the morning. You're like, well, that was a nice fire. <laughs> but i got nothing to show for it <laughs> except some ash in the Well, these guys would the show up. And they didn't go, even keep me warm. Yeah. <laughs> they go, hey, we want to do a 250 team. And I'd say, why don't you do a 450 team? No, we want to do a 250 team. Well, a 250 team is more money. Of well, how do you figure that? Well, to build a good 250, to go after those guys where you really want to be, only lost it's a this much hours. money. The biggest thing in the 450 class is the riders are the most money. But you kind of get, it, you know, but yet the bikes are better and they're more reliable and you have to do less to them. So this is where you need to be. And they'd, they'd still go out, oh, I got this machine shop. He makes foot pegs for, for he makes the steps for the space shuttle. Big <laughs> fucking deal. You still got to do it this hey, way. Hey, guess what? The space shuttle program's not there anymore, so he's not making no, any I mean, footsteps. No, you know what I mean. It's like, it, it's like, you know, it's not that simple. No. Yeah. But no, 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 no regrets. That. I, I mean, I'm a fan now. Like, I, you know, we didn't dwell on it, but I hate the East-West. That's been a dinosaur for 25 years. Uh, Davey Coombs Sr., who I love that guy. 
may rest in peace, but his idea is a dinosaur now. It's mm. been a factory class for too long. Those guys, the best racing is usually in the 250 class in the outdoors. Unbelievable. Yeah. They need to market that as a whole series. Yeah. The, why they keep it this regional thing, fuck all that. You know, if little Billy Bob has what it takes, he's going to bring it. And if he doesn't bring it the first, making all this easy. When I was a pro mechanic or when you were coming up the ranks, did anybody make it easy for you? No. no. So and and I got to tell you, in, in our generation, I remember, I remember, I'll never forget that day when, 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 when Hannah was going up the hill and Bowen was chasing him. And I, I think what Hannah gave him the finger. And we saw that with Wardy and, and whoever, or Johnson and McGrath. You know, in every generation, the, the cream always rises to the top. That, yeah. so, so I think... Sure, from amateur, you need to get some Supercross experience. I'll give you that. But you know what? The Jason Andersons and the Ryan Dungies and the Villapotos, when they came up, if they got it, they show it. You know, yeah. I, I just think once you get a pro license, it's real. You know, once you graduate the police academy, there's no more rubber bullets. It's fucking real. Yeah. When you're a fireman, you may, uh, God forbid, you may not come home that night. So it's real. It's like you got to be serious. So... I'm not, East-West is stupid to me. It's a dinosaur. And then people say to me, oh, well, Dave, you're going to fuck up the whole sport because now Mitch won't have four guys or Geico won't have 16 guys and it's going to hurt. That's not my problem. I'm just saying. It's also relative. If you make changes, the teams will adjust. The, yeah, everybody will the adjust. The budgets will move yeah. to maybe, instead of four 250 and two 450 guys, maybe you go three and three, something like that. They so can if make someone it gets work. Injured they or, can make yeah. it work, but it's better racing. It's better on TV. They still want to keep it that way. Like it's it's grandfathered in there like it's rusted into place. Like you can't get a swing arm bolt out. You know, so, so I don't understand it. To play the devil's advocate, the one thing about it that I do like is it gives twice as many riders the chance to be up on the podium and represent their sponsors, whoever that happens to be. Yeah, Whereas I don't, if it's, I, if I it's don't. one class you got three guys, and no one else gets a look. Because that's a, that's a big downside to our sport is if you're fourth through whatever. But if you look at how TV's don't becoming, they're starting to interview fourth and fifth if they were close or was a but good again, race or whatever. But again, I'm just a purist. When you look at the, out, the outdoor racing, you know, I got nothing. Look, uh, when you win a Supercross championship east or west, as great as it is, it's half the class. For sure. So yep. they should give you half a bonus, half a trophy. Look, I was with Tedesco winning. <laughs> no, they, won. they always did. The trophies <laughs> were this big, and the bonus wasn't that great. No, so. but I, GL, you need to give half your money back, buddy. No, but when you look, when you look, <laughs> I did. When you the look at man. the outdoors, the racing in the 250 class, like Europe, it's brutal and it's awesome. And it, 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 you know, as awesome as it is with East and West, and it's great racing. But again, there's half the people, yeah. half the people. So. You're always getting half a championship as far as I'm concerned. Six races. Yeah. I got to tell you, when I went from being a 250 guy for a bunch of years to a 450 guy, that's gnarly. Oh, yeah. Because you don't have time to get sick, have a bad attitude, stub your toe. Even for the crews, it's, it's championship every weekend. 17 effing rounds. Yeah. You, you, if you talk to the Andersons and the Dungies, those guys that moved up in recent years that were successful, they'll tell you the biggest thing was not just the bike and the horsepower, just the goddamn schedule. And just yeah. being there. Yeah. Weekend, you got to be there. Weekend, so, weekend. so to that point, if you are a 17-year-old kid who turns pro, you got to show up at Anaheim 1 and race against everybody for 17 rounds. Good. Well, they didn't make good, it easy. but we want to keep these guys healthy. They didn't make it for Look, they didn't make it easy for Tiger Woods or any of these other guys. I think in, in any sport, once you get your pilot's license or once you get your pro license, you're a pro. 
It's like you graduate high, uh, college and they, you're a doctor now. Cut that sucker open and save yeah. a life. It's like get out there and make it. When, when I worked for his brother, we were surrounded with talent. Chuck's son, all these guys, uh, two-digit guys. We were three-digit guys. You know, three-digit guys. There's just always the stigma with a three. Everybody's been a three-digit guy. But, but Mike was just a hot shoe from SoCal. Yeah. He came out there and rubbed noses with, with everybody. And then overnight, he's with Marty Smith and Mosier and all these top guys. They got no respect for this punk kid because they know that punk kid wants his house and his car and his chick. And, and it's... So I've seen these guys scrap, and, 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 you know, when Langston came here from Europe, he was just this highly touted guy. He, he wanted to take what he wanted, and he did, you know, and, yeah. and he built his own reputation. So uh, when you're a professional, you're a professional. To me, that word means something. It's like you graduated, you know, so, so I think. Uh, when 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 they when they cut out the road to Supercross, I think that was a, a detrimental thing because I think it helps a lot of the kids. Not everybody has the avenue to do that. But again, I think uh, these Jet Lawrences and all these kids coming up uh, at Carson Mumford's. I went out to Mumford's property. Not everybody has that, no. so he should be good when you see where he came from. Right. And I believe he will be good because his family's behind him and he he had the tracks and the lifestyle. So those guys will make it, just like. Uh, my daughter's dating this guy, his brother. The family has him in the baseball program where he's got coaches and trainers. And he may be a, a, a pro uh, ball player like Holly's kids were because they're doing all the right things, very similar to Moto, and nobody's making it easy. There's no... There's no yeah, you know, you know, but in, in ball, what what is it uh, before you go to the major leagues? You play what is triple, it? Triple, AAA triple A. Or yeah. I don't know shit about baseball. No, I know. So that you could say that there has like, to be some stepping stone. Well, you you could say that's like our East West, but again, the the but anomaly with is a one twenty five. That's a regional. Now I'd get on board with that if you wanted to make the two fifty class all year long and have regional one twenty five events. Shit, maybe it's even you know maybe so. But the anomaly here, as opposed to those other sports, when the outdoors come in. Then Martin races this. You know, they don't see each other all year except when he's in street clothes and he's in gear. So then the outdoor 250 class a lot of times is the best racing. For sure. Even I in the am. 125 days, a lot of times yeah. it would be the best racing. And it's, man, those, those kids impress me, you know. I agree with you 100% on that. I just think you throw 17-year-old kids like uh, Max Volan this year. Well, even 16-year-olds, his kids that can be He's 16. never even raced a 250F, and he's showing up at... Or wherever the first round. Yeah, but the be. way I look at it, he comes from a good lineage. He's gonna live at the Supercross track, so he's got every advantage. Sure. And he'll get there. Hopefully, sure. he doesn't hurt himself. Um, that's just the way I look at it. I could be wrong. Look, no one's hiring me to make any rule changes. So, <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just a guy. No, it's just running, the same boat. <laughs> honestly, it's. I don't know that they would change even if we came up with the. Yeah, I'm just a guy running my mouth. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd like to change, but. But, uh, well, I'd stick know. around and bench race with you all day here, but we should probably wrap it up. Um, yeah, no, it's fun. It's fun. Like I said, I sure I, appreciate you coming really, on. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. You've it's had good. a hell of a career. There's not a lot of guys that can say they've won multiple championships, including the Premier Supercross class, 250 championship with Ivan, Fact, Champion, all the factory teams. Were you were you uh, yeah. at KTM yep. there? Yep. Yeah. So you're yep. part of that. Part I mean, team. you've been on. No, a, I mean, I, I've done. A hell I, of a like run. I said, I got no regrets. I, uh, yeah, you know, I can't change it. You yeah. know, there's always those things. Yeah. Even when you ha like when I hurt my arm here, I shouldn't have done what I did to hurt my arm. It was stupid. It was like a slip and fall. Oops. You know. Yeah. But yeah. we all live and learn, and hopefully I can help my kids and and 
But we all have that. I mean, we yeah. all weren't so perfect. I kind of laugh because, again, they make movies out of this stuff, you know, yeah. that, that we can uh, pick and choose from. Like the holidays coming up, that's always fun with family, yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I got a lot of whole funny things about that. But, again, they make movies out of that shit. Yeah. So it's uh, – no, it's been a good good run. There's been some – there's always those times, you know. Yeah. There's always those times. Well, now you're into grandpa life. I'm into grandpa life. I'm retired. You know, it, it's it's fun. I, I There's some days I don't know what to do with myself, and other days, uh, you know, I, I go on rides. How about relax? I, yeah, I, I chill a lot. <laughs> Maybe just calm down. <laughs> and, you know, don't worry about how we're going to fix all the rules. And just just be a grandpa. You know what I do? All right. I get on Vital and really stir, stir up that forum. <laughs> I'm not, I, you know what? If I'm, if I'm on there now, I just read. I don't even write in anymore because I'm, I'm old now. I'm a dinosaur. No one wants to hear what I got to say. No one wants to hear what anybody has to say that, on that forum. <laughs> it doesn't stop anyone. No, but I, I read some of it because, you know, some of the people say what they say. And I'm just enamored with how nasty some of the oh. stuff is. Because it's yeah. like, they don't even, like, getting back to guys at Washougal with the Reed shirts, with Chad Reed sucks. I'm like, do you know him? Have you ever met him? No. What do you really like about him? That the yeah. first thing they always Which say. Which one of his championships suck? No, the first uh, thing they'd he, always yeah. say is they'd say, well, he's not from here. I said... Do you, do you like the song first or the person behind it? Because, you know, a lot of the music I listen to, I hate the people's politics, but I love their freaking music. Yeah. So I try not to mix the two. And I thought I was making such sense. But meanwhile, they're standing there in these shirts. They had to have 30 bucks wrapped up into those shirts. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys are out of your minds. Yeah. You know? But... Whatever. Yeah. But then they come and stand outside his truck. Yeah, then they're like, there watching. Yeah, yeah. Because no, it's, they want attention. Yeah, they want to be seen. Yeah. Um, whatever. Well, Chad, it's like keyboard warriors. And, you know, Chad's... Off to the side, he didn't care. Yeah, you know he he probably rode better because he of those was sucking shirts. their electricity, is what he was doing. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much. Uh, you're you've lived a legendary life in the sport. We sure appreciate you taking the day to come and uh, and chat with yeah, us. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. So, thanks so much. Thank that you. That was Dave thanks, Osterman. We'll uh, stick stick around. We're gonna be right back to wrap up the Whiskey Throttle Show. At Nihilo Concepts, we have a passion for innovation and for motocross. Our mission is to develop parts that will improve the durability, functionality, and the appearance of your motorcycle. We're proud to say that everything from Nihilo is made in the USA in our state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in Stewart, Florida. Whether you race every weekend or you just ride for fun, Nihilo offers high-quality, innovative parts that you just won't find anywhere else. Nihilo offers custom engraved engine covers, one-piece titanium foot picks, brake tips, internal engine components, specialty tools, frame grip tape, carbon fiber components, and so much more. Check out our website, nihiloconcepts.com, and see for yourself why teams like Red Bull KTM, Rockstar Husqvarna, Troy Lee Designs, and some of the fastest riders in the world choose Nihilo Concepts. Nihiloconcepts.com. It's 
against me, against myself I'm starting to black out, yeah I'm staring at the stars I'm running from myself I'm running from myself I'm starting to black out, yeah I'm staring at the stars Hey, welcome back. Uh, that is Sublime with Rome bringing us back in with Blackout. They're playing a concert this Sunday night in Del Mar. If you uh, catch this show before then, you can still pick up some tickets to uh, that concert. That was Dave Osterman. What do you think? Interesting guy. He gets wound up. That's what I love about him. Yeah, it was like it was a bit of a. He was a slow uh, burner <laughs> there, and then uh, towards the end, it was just like shifting gears and passing queers all of a sudden, just wide open. I'm like, well, we started talking about the AMA, and holy crap, he wound up. Well, you know, it's it's funny is it when you, when I heard him kind of getting, as I say, passionate. And I wouldn't even go with wound up. I think that's how some of those people are. But I was like, oh yeah, you know what? All of a sudden, O three is all coming back to me because I remember when he was the races man. It was you. You never said he was just going through the motions. Like he was full passion the whole time. So um, it's funny to hear it. But uh, you also understand when you're in those positions why you can rub people the wrong way because you have yeah. to be a bit of a strong personality as well. Yeah. And you're not always going to say it's not. It's not elementary school where you you sugarcoat things. Like if someone's dropping the ball. You have to call him out bluntly. So I don't think he had a problem doing that in his career. So it made him and and, and hurt him, I think, at times. But uh, being around him was pretty cool. And 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 w that's the one thing that I do agree with him when he said he would get shit done. He would try hello high water to get whatever it needed to be done. And if he couldn't, he would tell you, "I'm still working on it, and I'll try and figure it out." So yeah, there there was no excuses with him, and um, no half-hearted effort. In no, He's no. A, he was a hundred percent all in but that passion could bubble over once in a while and as you can see you run through all the places he worked and almost every story was yeah they didn't like me I don't know, they got, there were some people in there that didn't like me they gotta get rid of me but <laughs> he's had an incredible career I mean uh, yeah. going back to the the 70s with Factory Yamaha he had an afro like this big we'll try to post some pictures on our Instagram that account. is funny but um, that's a lot of years working if you go from the 70s and then 80s and then, you know, the different manufacturers, you know, with Honda, Cowie, Yamaha, KTM, a startup team, private team with Chad, what they did. So, I mean, he's kind of oh, pretty well-rounded well as far as all that goes. He's been around and seen and done a lot. That's why I, I wanted to have him on. I can appreciate a guy who gets wound up, though. <laughs> you guys are kind of made from the same Oh, plot. yeah, no, I get wound up. So it's like, for him, I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I recognize this yeah, guy. No, yeah, no, because there's times we've been at lunch, and I'm like, Donnie, I'm right here. Yeah, Because he starts... He's telling me a story, but if people were watching, they would think he was yelling at me. I'm yeah, like, no, he's yeah. just telling a story. That folks. happens all Calm the time. Down. Like, I'll be with Tish, and they're like, man, are you yelling at your wife? I'm like, no, no, I'm just upset. No, I'm just, I'm just telling her something, I'm bro. Just, I'm just wound up. <laughs> Mind your damn business. Uh, no, but he gets wound up. I liked it. Yeah, well, he's passionate. Yeah. Pardon the uh, F-bombs. He definitely was letting them fly, but... Uh, you know, you let a guy like that go. You don't want to put a muzzle on. Uh, it is a whiskey throttle show. We're not yeah, going to. He, he got whiskey throttle there it's a couple the times. It's not the pussy throttle show. That's true. Uh, hey, we got uh, Seat Concepts. Caleb from Seat Concepts dropped in for our um, sponsor spotlight this week. Ping was out putting fires, so I had to take charge. Yeah, listen, it's been a weird summer, and uh, part of the reason we have done so few shows between GL's packed summer schedule, hitting all these nationals in such a tight space. The whole state of California being on fire. I got stuck at the station for weeks at a time. Donnie's out breaking side by sides. Oh yeah, uh, it's been just just tough to schedule stuff. But we're gonna we're gonna hit the throttle. We got a bunch of shows planned, so uh, stick around for those. 
So uh, a lot of things about C Concepts I did not know. I got to chat with Caleb. He swung by my fire station and then went down to GL's for an interview. And uh, I, I love the company. I didn't realize all of the things they have to offer, and I'm even more impressed with what they've got going on. So uh, let's drop in on this, have a listen, and uh, get to know Caleb and a little bit more about C Concepts. Hey, everyone. GL here, and I'm with Caleb from C Concepts. And he was in town, so we uh, had an opportunity to sit down. And this week... He'll be uh, our sponsor spotlight from Seed Concepts. So thanks for swinging on by, bud. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Well, obviously stoked to have these guys as a, a sponsor, part of the show. And obviously, uh, when we go riding, I know Ping, myself, and many others, it's our uh, go-to now. Um, this is off my YZ, and uh, obviously I have it on my dual sport bike, but. We always say, hey, there's more to a company than just a name. So yeah. why don't you give us a little background on Seat Concepts. I know you guys are based in Boise, which is another reason why we said when he was in town. Yeah. <laughs> so give us a little background. So Seat Concepts started a little over 10 years ago. Uh, the owners kind of saw an opportunity for vintage foams. You know, nobody was really making anything back then. Mm-hmm. and Like vin- uh, old vintage bikes. Yeah, yeah old yeah. vintage bikes, right. So... Um, yeah, I saw the opportunity to create something, and over time, you know, with creating a couple of different options of, of seat foams that, you know, as you know, most vintage owners don't own a, don't own a just vintage bike. Sure. So they also own, you know, new age off-road bikes as well. Yeah. And, you know, the offerings of guys that are saying, hey, you know, why don't you try making some something for the new bikes? So slowly but surely, kind of over time, you know, it turned into where we are nowadays of taking the foam from what they were liking on the vintage bikes to transitioning it to off-road bikes and, you know, widening that spectrum of not just comforts, but also race seats and creating new, uh, new offerings when it comes to the seats for not just materials, but, you know, sizes and widths. Now, how do you sort of determine that? Is that just from a ton of R&D? Is it people you know, trying to come to you with ideas saying, hey, could you do this for me? Where does some of that, like, inspiration come from on the different, like you said, materials and densities and things like that? Uh, You know, a lot of it is definitely tribal knowledge, you know. Just, you obviously got to know the industry of a seat and what the consumers would like, whether it's, you know, wider in certain areas or taller in certain areas. Um, But obviously the bike definitely has a lot of play in it. You know, if you already have a very tall bike, most consumer is going to be looking for something that's going to be a little shorter. Or if you have a smaller bike and you got, you know, say like a TW. Yeah. You know, it's a small bike, but you got a, a wide array of different people that want to ride it. So creating a tall seat is definitely something that's can uh, adhere to those consumers. But so, yeah, it definitely depends on, you know, what the bike is, what, what the bike's going to be used for. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a trial and error and doing a lot of testing with the seats and making sure that, you know, it would fit for a taller guy or, or a smaller, you know, individual. Sure. So, yeah, it's it's a travel knowledge of knowing knowing what seat would work best. You can't just jump. In. Yeah. So from, from what I've gathered and seen and heard, it sounds like that a lot of you over at Seat Concepts ride yourself. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, the owners, of course, themselves have been avid riders and racers since, since they were younger. So um, a lot of us internally as well uh, we all ride and definitely enjoy the enjoy the sport and are avid hobbyists of yeah off-road riding so um, and not just not just racing dual sport and adventure bikes 
are definitely something that we really enjoy doing and live and breathe. Sure. Now, I've seen um, you guys are obviously continuing to develop all the time. Tell us some of the new products, some some stuff that's exciting on the horizon for you guys. Uh, well, just in the last 12 months, you know, we dropped a snowmobile seat oil. Yeah. And that's definitely been a roller coaster ride. You know, it's a, it's a completely different market where, you know, for two wheels, uh, people typically are wanting either a taller or a taller or a smaller seat with snowmobile guys. Uh, they want a firmer seat and some of them will want a taller seat because of, you know, it's easier transitioning from sitting to standing. Sure. So it's definitely been a fun market to adapt to and it's been, you know, excelling really well for us. Uh, as far as other products that we've, you know, are thinking about venturing into, you know, we do have a few ideas on mind, but right now we're kind of putting a lot of the focus on, you know, fine tuning our production process and making sure that we're still delivering, you know, a very quality product, but in an efficient time. Yeah. It's you guys have been pretty slammed lately, huh? Yeah, yeah. These past few months have been um, definitely a testament to being able to adapt and sure. increase our production capabilities. You know, I know the entire industry has definitely taken, taken a toll. and <laughs> But it's been a good thing, though, right? It's, it's been yeah. very good, yeah. I mean, it's it's been great. You know, our sales are booming right now. It's you know, We've increased our production capabilities roughly 40%, but our sales has jumped to 60%. Yeah, so... so. Uh, it's definitely been uh, a rough few months. Yeah, I mean we're grateful for you know, our consumers and having a great product that everybody enjoys. For sure. Tell tell me a little more about the Element Seed. So the Element Seed is also something that we kind of uh, revamped and released last fall. The Element Seed is you know came from the brainchild of giving something that's more catered to a, a snow bike. Sure. But we didn't want to pigeonhole this up, you know, seat into just that market because it's a seat that is basically a multifacetable. Uh, it's yeah. applicable to not just snow, but rain, off-road riding. You know, even even guys are doing you know in, uh, sprint neuros. Sure, and you need even moto. So basically, what it is, it's where you take the comfort profile and the foam of our seats. And we've adapted a more aggressive cover to it. So we basically take oh, sure. the material and the design of our race seats and adding that into the comfort profile. But as well as we seam seal the inside of the cover so that it prevents any sort of moisture or elements getting inside. So you're going to get that seat rub like you see in a lot of the older machines. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So you're not, you know, Northwest guys or on the East Coast when they're riding in a lot of wet conditions. You know, nobody likes to sit on a sponge the entire day. But <laughs> Especially yeah. for you know snow, it's a it's a huge benefit. Yeah. Because if you're riding multiple days and you don't have an element seat, you're more prone to basically sitting on an ice block the next day. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense. Not something that I would have thought of, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah, in Southern California, we don't worry about that too much. But yeah, good point. Yeah. You know, nobody enjoys the their freezers. Sitting on that. Seat feel right. uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And you guys still have. Is all the manufacturing still in the U.S.? It is, yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. A lot of our manufacturing is in-house. You know, we've got an internal sewing department. We produce all the seat foams in-house and assemble them as well. And, you know, since we've had to expand, we've got some external uh, sewing, sewing menus as well. Sure. You may have already answered part of this question, but what would you say separates you guys from your competition? Well, um, you know, 
I would say our foam is definitely the bread and butter. You know, yeah. that's why a lot of people are buying our seats is because, you know, you're definitely getting a more comfortable platform with our comfort profiles and you're definitely getting a quality product. You know, sure. we're, we're giving you that very entry level price point and budget friendly option while still getting a very high end top quality product that, you know, you might expect from a full custom seat manufacturer, sure. but you're not paying the that's triple, the price, triple yeah. price. Yeah. Something else that I really like to touch on is, you know, with our seat foams, and we do it, we mix it internally, we have capabilities of adjusting the foam density specifically to the rider. So a seat that I would ride, you know, is definitely not going to be a seat that you may not want to ride either. So if you've got an older guy who weighs, you know, 250 pounds, you know, may want a little bit of a softer seat comparable to someone who's weighing 350. You yeah. Know, so we can adjust the foam density specifically to your, you know, we take in your information of your rider weight, your age, and then your ride style and all those factors give us the capabilities of making sure that, you know, you're getting the appropriate seat and it's not something that's the basic run on the middle seat. Sure. It's right there in the custom realm, but, you know, still a budget friendly price. Um, fun question would be, uh, where is the best way or easiest way for people to get their hands on your product? Uh, obviously, I know the website's one way. Um, what's the best option? Well, I mean, yeah, besides going direct to us, you know, your local dealer is a, you know, definitely want to support them. So try them first. Uh, otherwise, online retailers like Rocky Mountain ATV would be a good resource. Yeah, I know when we uh, brought some in the shop, I always know if uh, if you put them on a motorcycle and people can touch and feel yeah. them, we, we sell them. So that definitely worked for us. Um, any uh, any final words? Anything we should look forward to in the future? Um, you know, we are working on some advancements in the foam. Uh, cool. We are working on some ideas and materials that will be utilized internally. That you know will basically still give you this. Like if you're riding a race seat, it'll still give you the same feel as you would have on an OEM seat. Okay. But if you're hitting anything that's you know harsh or jarring, it's going to take out any of that abruptness in there while still oh, having nice. the same predictable platform. So definitely working on some very cool materials coming down the line. Just going to keep your eyes out for it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. for coming in. Hey. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Well, that's our guy. Um, like I said, a, a lot of things I didn't know how custom their seat foams are. Uh, the different styles of seat, the comfort seat, the uh, element seat that's all waterproof. If you're living somewhere back east or Florida, even where it rains a lot, or you're washing your bike all the time, man, having that thing yeah. to where it's waterproof and your foam isn't getting, you know, that thing sucks they up can, water. They can heavy. And they corrode, me, yeah. Me, me and my dad uh, work on vintage bikes, restoring them. And every time you take a seat, you, you often need the pan because you can't find the base. Yeah. And the foam is just... Yeah, you know, there's either been a rat in there or it just literally just crumbles and their stuff will last forever. We'll yeah, super impressed with all the things they've got to offer. So big, big thank you to Seat Concepts for being a part of this show. And we hope that continues for a long time to come. If you have a seat needs, whether it's just, you know, uh, foam cover, base, the whole deal, you want a different style. If you, if you ride off-road or adventure and you don't have one of their seats. You're not a real off-road rider. You're a real asshole. Uh, because you're being a dick to your ass. You're being a dick to your ass. And so uh, these things are so much more comfortable. And I, I would have never really been able to vouch for that until I rode your bike. Yeah. To night and day. It's like sitting in a lazy boy versus a concrete bench. Yeah.
And if so. you have a bad back like me, you really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. Well, that's our show. You want to take us out with some sponsors? Sure thing. Well, uh, thank you to all of you for listening. Um, you guys make it worth our while. And, of course, the sponsors that help make this uh, thing happen so we can bring you a free product. Um, Yamaha, the leaders in off-road, uh, the new bikes rolling in. Uh, they're coming in. Uh, I know at my dealership we've been getting small quantities, but as they come in, they're flying uh, out of there. They've got that uh, monster Yamaha that I have to be perfectly honest. When I saw the pictures, I thought it looked okay, but in person, it's truly stunning. Um, they did a really good job. Uh, the new 250F obviously has the uh, app like the 450, and as we talked earlier in the show, it does a lot for you. <coughs> Yamaha obviously dominated um, the 250 class and uh, had some wins in the 450, and they make a lot of uh, great power sport products, including your TTRs, street bikes, entry-level bikes. They actually have a, an R3 uh, the MotoGP replica looking, the Monster Energy, you know, like Rossi would ride. They have an R R3 version, and it's, it's just a bitchin' little bike that's very affordable. A 300? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah? cool. Really cool. And, of course, they have all their street bikes, uh, quads. We've been crushing it with their quads of late. Um, Do you guys have Tenere's in? Well, unfortunately, we only got, uh, we could only order one, and oh. it sold when it hit the floor, and now we're waiting it's on back order. Their problem is not being able to get enough product. So be quick, be decisive, because stuff's flying off the showroom floors. Good problem to have, I guess, if you're a dealer, but as a consumer, get your foot in the door before it, uh, it closes. Uh, PowerDot, uh, trying to help keep athletes going. And through uh, our show, you can get a 20% discount using the code WhiskeyThrottle at PowerDot.com. Trust me on this one, we've used the products over and over and it really does make a big difference, whether it's from pain management to recovery, warm-up, cool-downs, just circulation and the massage mode. So a lot of things you can do there. They also have a new, um, it's, it's a single piece that is for your lower back. So uh, anyone that deals with lower back pain, which I think is a lot of us, check that out as well. Definitely worth getting. Uh, method race wheels, lightest, strongest, fastest wheels around, dominating off-road, making vehicles look good. I get compliments on my truck all the time, and it's a stock truck with wheels, and it looks really good. So check them out. They're awesome. They really are. They're light, strong, and um, if you're like Donnie in the off-road scene, you know there's the performance game with their uh, beadlock technology, and I didn't really know what that was until being involved at the dealership and seeing guys that raced desert races specifically looking for their 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 tire and wheel that they needed yeah i have them on my raptor and do you have bead lock or bead grip the bead grip and yeah. and you know i don't want i can't run bead locks but well, i was going to say bead grip is all you really need on a vehicle it is. like that but it's really good because i can still air it down quite yeah. a bit and i do and i don't worry about it coming off yep Troy Designs, they've come out with a lot of new stuff. I just was actually at uh, checking out a lot of the new gear at the store the other day, and TLD, uh, they debuted uh, one of their uh, lines of gear at the last national with a little flower print. It's kind of interesting, but it ties in a little bit with the, the new KTM edition TLD bike that they got. So if you check it out, you'll kind of see there's a bit of a story behind it, like Troy with the yellow backgrounds that came from his days of mammoth racing. Um, and then they've got a lot of, um, obviously, different uh, gear ways, whether it's, uh, you know, your GP. Um, SE. I, I like the GP gear because I, I, I feel like they built that for short, stocky guys. <laughs> so it fits me pretty good. But check them out. they got, like, the, the nice materials, um, affordable gear. They, they really have uh, bridged the gap from mild to wild and entry level to, to the, the ultimate of everything. And I just want to throw in, if you want a free SE4 helmet, Go over to our Instagram page right now, whiskey, at Whiskey Throttle Show, and sign up. 
Very easy, just your basic information so we can contact you. And we're going to be picking a winner October 31st. You can win this helmet or an SE4 of your choice. Does not have to be the Yamaha model, but uh, literally the gold standard in, in helmets. So don't miss that chance. Costs yeah. you nothing. SKDA, um, if you follow them on social media, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. These guys are very cutting edge, always doing something new, cool, different. I uh, just love their their style. I think Ping and I both agree that so many times they send us something, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's really awesome. Um, they came up they with something for my bike. Even though it's got my name attached to it, it was mostly all them. They were like, what do you think? Any changes? I'm like, I love it. Yeah. Print it. Print it. <laughs> they just showed uh, a few new 2021 CRF 450 graphics. Have yeah, you seen those? Yeah, they are. Pretty. They've got a, quite a few different for the new bikes, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Dunlop, just they race, they win, they win everything. Just go look it up. They haven't lost a championship in our sport in f who knows how long. It's been well over a decade. So Dunlop, um, they're at all your local retailers. Everyone, if they don't stock Dunlop, then you shouldn't be going to that shop anyway. Amen. But make sure you get yourself some Dunlop tires. Um, you can have great suspension, great motor, look good, all that. If your tires suck, what are you doing out there? Spinning. Just getting, Sliding. getting in everyone's way. Adidas, put some good shoes on. Don't be a dick to your feet. And, of course, check out their uh, full line uh, at adidas.com. Pro Circuit, <coughs> kind of like uh, Dunlop. Whatever they put their, their products on, they seem to win. Pro Circuit, uh, really also getting into the, the 110 craze. I've uh, been enjoying seeing Mitch get on the social media. I told him one day, I said, man, you're Mitch Payton. Sell your stuff. Get on there. Have a few Cruz Light and tell us why we need it. So check them out as well. They also have the item of the week every week, and there's some smoking deals. So check out Pro Circuit 78 is what they go on and on their social. Nahila Concepts, follow them as well. They also got every time, every week, they've got something new, cool. These guys, they don't mess around. They're, they're not on any budget by the looks of things because they just do everything right. But uh, I, I love where their head's at and just always making unique, cool stuff that we need in our sport. Seed Concepts, obviously we just talked a lot about them, but uh, seriously, check them out. They have something for everyone. Um, Fire Department Coffee, it's all I drink. I know it's all pink drinks. Great company. You can get 20% off there as well using Whiskey Throttle. I do it. I buy the coffee because I, one, want to support us, the, the people that support the sport as well as their coffee is great, and it gets delivered to my door. And as Ping's alluded to, owned by firemen, and they make donations to fallen firefighters and their families. Specialized, man, these guys have just been on it. You couldn't find a bicycle for months, but they're starting to get all their new stock coming back in. Just the best. They are the Yamaha of the mountain bike world, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, OGO, best bags around. Uh, use them all the time and suggest you get yourself one if you don't already have. they got a new bag. It's pretty cool, and everything fits in these different co compartments. You can have your helmet bag, your boot bag for dirty gear, clean gear, even some of them with their waterproof pouches. So whatever you need, whether it's a full-size gear bag, just a little one, medium, backpack, hydration pack, whatever. they got everything in between. Goggle bags. I mean, if you actually go look at it, they have about everything. Um, and then Paleo Ranch Foods. Get yourself a good snack. You can find them at Walmart or uh, obviously at their website. Amazon. Yeah, Amazon their website, yep. And Langston Motorsports. If you want to get all these great products we talked about, we stock them. Come check us out. And that is our show. Uh, we have a bunch coming up. Uh, I mean, literally five or six shows in the next two or three weeks. We've really stacked them in. So I know it's been a long time since we've had one. And, and um, 
put out some content, but you're going to get overloaded now. So buckle up, schedule some free time, because there's going to be a whole lot of Whiskey Throttle Show coming up. Thank you guys for watching and listening. See you next week. Mm -hmm.